The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch, episode 36. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty commander treats served up on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of uh, Commander in Magic the Gathering, plus the side-serving of entertainment pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm one of your hosts, Sam, one of three gingers on the cast today. What? Uh, joined, as always, by Lord Cheshire, Lord of the Birthday Suit this week. How you doing, man? Oh, Happy birthday. nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, Happy hey, birthday, everyone. you old man. Thank you very much. I'm 43, can you believe it? I am what? fucking ancient. Yeah, nice, nice. <sighs> Did you have a good time? I, I heard you, you, you kind of told us a bit of a story on um, on LexaCrunch last night about trying to eat a massive burrito and it's not for you anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, I guess so. the first thing we should cover is the birthday day itself. The uh, day day. So we we went out to Knife Point. Um, so this, <laughs> this this shopping center is called High Point, but colloquially it's known as Knife Point. Australian um, joke, is, Melbourne joke, whatever. Exactly. Well, yeah. it's not even a joke. It's based around fact. Um, well, that's, that's the scary part. But yes, it used yes. to be... A heavy gang spot, and there was knifings and stuff like that. Kn- yeah. Knifings, anyway, knifings. Chesh decided to go to this spot for his birthday. As well. Yeah, I decided to go for this spot for my birthday because it's very not like that anymore. It's um, a shopping centre. It's, it's you know, quite upper class. It's a family rather. restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we we went and we uh, watched Mortal Kombat, uh, which is trash tier movie. Show uh, your might. Sorry. Oh, I said show your might, and then I realized yeah. that's, pro- that's probably yeah, not the no. right quote, right? I don't know. Uh, I need to watch well, it. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> test, test your moves. Show your moves. No, that's Captain yeah. Falcon. Never mind. Uh, Never mind and, me. <laughs> and then we went for churros uh, after we bought a fridge. We had out like $1,000 <laughs> on a fucking fridge because the fridge Nothing died more on romantic. Friday. Nothing more yeah, romantic was, uh, than was, buying a fridge. It was very romantic, me, you know, getting the salesman to come down by like $200. Yeah. Uh, yeah I love value. <laughs> So that was a thing I didn't know I could do because uh, I, I usually just buy shit when I need to buy shit. Are you and I don't haggle. Me? I reckon you could haggle like a weapon. I'm I reckon. Not, I just I don't bother because if I see something I want, I just get the money and I buy it because I'm like I don't like I don't have the time or the patience to try and haggle usually. I which just is funny because I I do it with sports bad. cards. I no, do yeah, it with exactly, magic exactly. cards. I just but I don't leave a bad taste goods. in my mouth. Yeah. yeah, because you're not you're not you're not uh, calculating EVs and stuff like that and resale values for your fridge. I guess it's like exactly this is a so thing I need. <laughs> one of the yeah. things that I need to state with this is that there are two identical fridges. One of them is silver for a thousand dollars. One of them is black for one thousand two hundred dollars. Because both cool. are exactly the same fucking fridge. Yeah. So I I basically said to the guy, look, this fridge is a thousand dollars because it's silver. This one's one thousand two hundred because it's black. You need to sell me on why. <laughs> I was just like, I don't understand why these prices are different. And he's like, um, well, it's because it's black. And I'm like, okay, let, great. Let me I'll check take with it my for, manager. Yeah, I'm like, I'll take it for I don't know. Let's see if I'm going to buy the <laughs> silver one. Knock fifty bucks off. And yeah. he was like, oh, I can do that. And I'm like, well, actually, if you can do that, mm, mm. <laughs> see this black one. I want give this for him, a thousand dollars instead. Give him an inch, he takes a mile. <laughs> I want this one for a thousand dollars instead. 
Yeah. Because it means you're actually making an extra $50. And he's like, but that's, I mean, huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like, the key. Just, Make it- just say yes and I'll buy it on the spot. And he was like, yeah, okay, we can do that. And Remember I was what- like, I can't believe that fucking Remember worked. what um, Ryan from CCO said? Make it their idea. And that's a, uh, that's a bit of a, a win, a, a life pro tip for business environments, whatever. If you make it yeah. their idea, you win. Exactly. Yeah, I, was, I made so it their win. You now have you now have a uh, a fridge like mine that looks like a uh, I've got a black monolith fridge too and it looks like the monolith of two thousand one of Space Odyssey and it's yeah it's it's, 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 it's bloody amusing. This is a um, <laughs> what I like to call a topsy turvy um, because the freezer at the is at the bottom. Yeah, the same, bottom, same. Bottom load freezer fridge and Pretty I was like, strange. that's cool. Like I can I can handle this. Yeah. Um, and then we went and got churros. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was much regret because we just watched a movie and I'd fallen asleep during Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah. Um, chocolate doesn't wake you up, kids. Nah. Uh, so we had churros and uh, hot chocolate. Hot chocolates here at um, the churros place are literally like melted chocolate with just like the slightest dash of milk to make sure that it's still running when you drink through the <laughs> thick milkiness, um, <laughs> which is so much more sugar than I was anticipating. And I yeah, actually said yeah. to my partner, like, I think Help. I'm kind of done with this amount of sugar. Yep. Because uh, I was struggling to even get through it. Um, and Hayden's re- like, I'm, I'm a bit worried about you. And I'm like, no, all I these just- realizations can't have all the sugar, can't have the massive burritos. Just I'm, yeah, I'm feeling maybe- my age. Yeah, um, mortality, so right? Getting getting to the burrito part of things was a two kilo burrito for those of you <laughs> on the incorrect side of the metric system. That's two point. You say the metric system or the magic system or both? Metric system. Uh, I, I, two, two, I like magic systems. Pounds? I think it's two point two or two point eight pounds. Either way, it's it's a it's massive. A, it's a kilo, not two food. kilos. Two kilos is yeah. insane. Sorry. I didn't say it was two kilos. I thought you did, but maybe I'm no. just hearing things. Oh, one kilo. Pounds. No, no. Before that, you said two kilos. I thought no, anyway, but one kilo is enough <laughs> of enough of a burrito. This is it's like too mm. much of a burrito. It's not enough of a burrito. That's enough to feed a family of four. Like, yeah, exactly. and and then I was sick for two days because my yeah. my body was just like. Oh, you, you've been controlling your portions for like weeks so, in your a bid to lose weight. And now you've put this in me and I don't know how to react. So <laughs> I was taking things like Metamucil uh, because my body was just absolutely fucked. But we have a guest. Hi, Joe. <laughs> hey, everybody. Segway. Exactly. Uh, as I, I, I didn't even get to do my spiel, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it anyway. Our guest profiles with the community creators have become a place to share and explore the essence of Commander while we play in, in an effort to promote and celebrate those in the form of conversations. Uh, we're, of course, joined this week by uh, the conduit to kindness in the magic community, associate marriage and family therapist. I'm just reading these off Twitter. Coffee connoisseur. Amazing trail runner and genuinely compassionate human, and as I said, another ginger because Ginger Joe is the uh, is the, the the epic Twitter name. Um, it's Joe Hoffman. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm kind of concerned how all three of us got in here. Like I'm wondering what's going wrong somewhere else in the world. <laughs> Welcome you know? the, to the ginger party. Together. Yeah, exactly. It, and, and like, and, and it wasn't meant to happen. And a singularity opens up, and then something Marty and Doc just fly out of the wall in a second or something. Yeah. Is it the but, um, no, it's Marty, you've heard to come with me. It's your ginger kids. They're in trouble. <laughs> trouble. The old mine shaft. Uh, yeah, but no, bloody good to have you here, man. And it's it's been a while, and you've been a um, important person, uh, kind of. For not not just me and or us, it's it's like I say the, the magic community. And I put out a tweet the other day to go, oh yeah, 
Joe's meant a lot to me very recently about just, just checking in and talking and stuff like that and then realizing what you mean to other people as well. And everyone's got a story about Joe. So, um, yeah, we can hopefully probably get into some of those, but, um, definitely talk some commander, talk some life, but yeah, it was cool. Um, it was cool to see you put that out there and I definitely appreciate it. And I mean, a lot of times with Twitter, especially with magic Twitter, right. We're always sad yeah. about something. There's some kind of something going on <laughs> yep. so to put out again, something positive like that was kind of cool. I always like, I'm, I'm hesitant and I wait for like the CCO guys to show up and just be like, Oh no, that guy is the worst. <laughs> like just me. Yeah. F you kind of thing. And I'm like, yep, yep. That's, I deserve that one too. Or even if I like have a game with someone, I like arm again them, you know, for that person just to comment like dot, dot, dot and be like, Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. It's like we we kind of learned to like have those gestures as, as love, and you know, I always appreciate the CCO wave, just throwing a big finger up, and it's it's yeah, beautiful. It's like yeah, totally medium person, amazing. Even uh, Ryan messaged me the other day because I was bidding on cards for the uh, the, the altars. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, you grizzly bastard! What do you mean?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, thanks, man. I love it. His, it's just love. It's just love. And his altars look so nice, and it's always cool to. Whenever he posts the altars up, I think it's on Thursday that he normally does it. Just the amount of like mm. retweets and people drooling over stuff, or even if he's doing like the Project Nightmare, some of the pieces for that have been so amazing. Yeah. But people just being like, this is incredible. How do I get these? And whenever somebody, I think, will like uh, maybe tweet at him, like, hey, I was interested in getting an altar. I'm like, one of the best decisions you can make. Like, Ryan, super yes. sketchy, medium guy, but his altars, right? That tier <laughs> one, that, like, that's, that's the best you could do, you know? They're excellent, and it's like I, I I remember hearing the episode. I think he was on um, uh, CMDI Central, and he expl- he was talking to um, Max and Dana and, and Chris about. I'm pretty sure about how he got into it, and it's just like the most. It was like Haruki Murakami learning to just write books. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I just like figured it out. I was like, you're kidding me. Like he, I don't even think he had much of an art background or anything, and he's just like, oh, I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, watch some shoots and like study the technique and that kind of stuff. And he just got better and better. It's like, my God. And yeah, that's it. Like you get one, you get it delivered. He's delivered one to here. It takes a month. That's fine. But um, it's it's a special one. And I was only ever able to get like, I think a cheaper one, a Titanic, uh, Titanic Ultimatum because it's like not many people are using that card in Commander, but I do. I love it. And it looked amazing. But it's like some of the other ones I've tried to bid on, like far out, they're getting popular now and I can't afford them. Like they're just, which makes me really happy because I know this is a big part of his livelihood as well. And and people know how epic they are. So, yeah. For sure. And I think just uh, sharing in that, and that's kind of the cool thing too about magic is the art. I mean, even just the art that the artists make, right? Uh, that we yeah. use to use for our cards, uh, like Dark Ritual, depending on which one you want to use. Yeah. Um, but it means something to us. And our decks are like representations of us. We're not just like telling a story with how we're playing or with who we are, but through the art, right? That's right. That's right. It's and and that's you know, dark ritual is a funny one that I feel like I learn about a new dark ritual art every week. And I was like, I, I thought I'd seen most of what this game has thus far, but it's like, nope, you haven't seen all the dark ritual arts exactly. But um, no, that, that's it. And I think we've we've had some great chats with um, you know, with and about altruists and and what they mean for the game and, and like absolutely expression is everything and then to see the game kind of pushing into a uh a realm as well to go hey there's there's all these different ways even not even just the the art but for me i love borders you know um yep. i love graphically how things are portrayed and, and organized that kind of thing and like in a graphic design fashion and 
I was wondering if the last few sets were like, oh, wait, this is going to make them less special. It's just going to be changing, doing alt border for everything. And it's like, no, I think they've been hitting them on the head. Like, it'd just be really nice. The the Coldheim ones were sweet, like what they're doing in Strixhaven. And then coming up to, as I'm kind of like segueing into what's coming out now, we could say, yeah, product fatigue does happen sometimes, of course. But some of the stuff we're seeing for the D&D set is pretty special. And I've heard some people that are real massive D&D fans going, oh, wow, the, the rule book treatment as they're doing is going to look sweet. And I don't think we've seen it all yet uh, as far as like with fonts or anything, but we can see the border. I think it was alluded to that the old alt border for those will look like an old bit of paper that like, you know, like a character sheet type thing. So it should be interesting. Well, but, that's um, almost the, the crazy thing if you think about magic has been around for what 25 plus years and we're now getting into crossovers i mean they talked about lord of the rings yeah i'm um, getting into D and like D is another game that i mean existed for a while and the fact that we haven't really ventured into these and it's not uh that they're competing anymore right uh people who play yeah, D yeah, can get into right. magic and vice versa is really cool to see yeah no i like that and I, I figure it did need the kind of strength of 25 plus years or whatever to do it and do it with a bit of uh, I don't know, like magic stilts thing, but it can be a conduit and, and, and it can be a, a platform for other things, but it's still magic, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm glad to see a little bit of the kind of discussion die down from people getting upset about what, you know, it's ruining the game and stuff. But, you know, I guess we'll see when the different IPs come out a bit more. So, um, And I yeah, think it but- sounds bad um, to hear like, well, not every product's for you, right? I, th- I think that yeah. one kind of hurts people because then they feel like, oh, well, there's, you know, sometimes there's a seat at the table. Maybe that's not the best way to word it, right? But again, if you're a big mm. fan of Lord of the Rings, like you're gonna want that set. And if not, yeah, I think even Max brought this up. You know, he he might not be interested in that set. He might look to see what singles or anything he can pick up. But again, that's kind of the cool thing about our game. We don't need to have every card. We don't need to have every single thing, every different type of variant that's out there. And the accessibility now has definitely grown more and more. I mean, the fact yeah. that they're doing some of these alternate arts, or some of the secret layers, and people have talked about, you know, not really liking the secret layers, but in a way it was, uh, they are able to get more of those cards out, but different variants, and they didn't crater or tank the price of some cards, which I thought was yeah. kind of cool to see how they sort of navigated that one. Now, again, uh, you know, the foiling process for some of the secret layers or when they come out, of course. <laughs> shipping, co- there's going to be something, right? So Something's going to yeah, fall yeah. through this, this human nature, and so... Uh, one of the things that we can do again is focus on our perceptions of it and our emotions of it, you know, and if you don't like it, you don't yeah. like it, that's okay. And if you do like it, cool. Um, but it's also a way to get, you know, that Lord of the Rings fan into it, the Warhammer fan into it, the whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. What were you saying about like what um, I remember Sheepwave said that, that when that week when everything was going nuts, um, Sheepwave said that like, just you, you've got a friend that's into this stuff, but not into magic yet. Hey, guess what? This is your role to be a good representative. <laughs> like, just just be like a kind, welcoming representative of the game. If someone's interested in getting the magic, you don't have to like bog them down with like you know, uh, oh, this sucks, this sucks, blah blah blah. We don't want you know people from this IP in here. I was like, why not? That sounds really strange when you kind of zoom out a little bit. Like, why are you restricting that? You know, well, I so, think yeah, too- just just be kind of welcoming. Definitely. I mean, it's the being kind and then also the, again, the representation and seeing things cross over, um, feeling like, mm. you know, when I try to explain to people like, oh, like I'm into magic, they're like, oh, like rabbits and hats. And I'm like, man, I'm like 30 years old. <laughs> I'm trying to describe, right? Like, no, not, it's, it's not yeah. as nerdy as that, right? Trying to, no offense yeah. to anyone who does magic out there, rabbits and hats, that kind of stuff's cool. Um, but even seeing like, what was it last week or two weeks ago? 
like post Malone showed up, right? Is that exactly and like exactly everyone just burst out and you're like, Yeah, that's who plays magic. That's who I'm aligned with now. Yeah. And that for me, um I, I heard this theory one time, it was like the lifeboat theory. And then basically in it, everyone's on this boat and uh it's where they say, like, okay, we have to throw someone off. So what people do is they'll try to attach themselves to who they think is like the most important person, the most valuable person on the boat, right? Interesting. So, so when yeah. you're doing that, you're trying to compare yourself. So Oh, I'm like, I look, I'm post Malone, right? We both play Dredge or we both play whatever it is kind of thing. See, I'm, I'm like him. Mm. I'm this popular. This is the thing that I want. This is what represents me. Because again, you're trying to attach a uh, worth to something. And we don't yeah. want to feel like our time is worthless. We don't want to feel like, you know, our associations. Um, and I think that too is why there's been a lot of grumpy negative feelings is because I think sometimes people feel like the time, the money, the resources they've invested in this game. Um, I don't know if they see the return from it, how they would want. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's Chesh had um some good things to say uh, on uh, Lexicrunch last night. There, yeah, well, um, Thunder from Down Under with Lexicon, uh, MTG Lexicon, as we do every Saturday night, and we we hang out and just talk shit. Um, but you had a nice little rant, didn't you, Chesh, about uh, what about the collectability of like having this premium product that's not really a premium product, like the actual like, and that's the vulnerable part. You're like, oh, this is something I'm investing in and does it have value anymore type thing. But I mean, I feel like leaving all that to pretty much just check out that Twitch stream because you, you said it well then, but um, unless, yeah, yeah exactly. Unless nice. you want to sum it up quickly, but it's, it's, it, I know that feeling now. And I, I think I've thought about what you said last night as well, Chesh, and it's kind of, I, I'm understanding it a bit more. It's like, oh, how can I buy a collector item when it's, it actually doesn't have really any tangible, as much tangible value anymore. Like you're not very like, yeah, the, the easiest way to say it is that um, when you are making a premium product that is specifically for collectors, but you're not offering any value for that, um, value being looked at on the secondary market, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, even though you are acknowledging the yeah. secondary market by creating a collector's item in the first place, there is nothing collectible about this collector's item other than it being a trading card game. Yeah, um, And that's where wizards need to have a look at who the whales are what the whales want how to actually treat those whales because they're looking for unique things um this is why there is a high-end group on facebook that deals with like extremely rare things like old tournament badges and stuff like that yeah because that is a collectible item because it's hard to get it's not like i can just buy a case and get one of every card yeah um and that's where the collector booster thing as much as wizards wanted it to work is not working because there is no collectability behind the actual boosters from a collector's point of view. Yeah. Um, from an ongoing monetary standpoint, there is nothing in there that is any different really from a base card out of a, a draft booster. Mm. Uh, even if you put a different face on it, even if you say this card's only available in this, you're not giving me anything exclusive with that card. Yeah. All and you're that, saying is you buy this box over here if you want this version of the card or you go and buy this box if you don't care about that version of the card. And that's not collectability. And as I was saying, I was kind of uh, making the point too that I think they are changing up. They're shaking up the recipe each time and kind of seeing where it best fits. And, I mean, understandably, they always look at bottom line, of course. But I, I was saying too from my perspective that it's 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 more than ever it's made me feel like you say Joe that not every product's for me and I had to get comfortable with that and Secret Lair was strangely one of those products that actually 
uh, was the first one to remind me that or like enabled me to realize that where I'm like, I can't, I just literally can't get half these secret layers for the, you know, for the first part because they couldn't get to Australia really. And so I was like, I just got to be cool with that collector part of me that wants to kind of get everything mm-hmm. just has to be cool with not getting everything. And that's fine. And so now the way I treat, I kind of like see a product used to be like, oh, I need a box of very set. Not necessarily anymore. It's fine. And, and I think I was saying to church, it's like, as a result, Right as it sits right now, this will probably change in the ecosystem. But if I want X Y Z like singles from say Strixhaven, they're all dirt cheap because of like because of various factors. And I'm fine with that right now. But I think Chesh had some good things to say on like what that potentially means for like what the game, how the game moves forward. And always interested in hearing the stories of the the, the card games that die. And what we learned from those post-mortem, you know, the Star Wars one and everything. And it's like, what were the telltale signs? And so, I'll I'll always admit you have more insight into that, Chesh, of course. But I was like, for the interim right now, I'm happy with my singles being cheap. It does mean I'm probably less likely to crack boosters, which I do enjoy doing. But like, yeah. And that's that's the side of where I come in. So... For anyone who's who's not aware, I've been a tournament grinder for the last like what twenty plus years, twenty five years. Mm. Um, I've owned several different trading card businesses. I was one of the first online sellers here in Australia for trading cards, um, starting with MPG and Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z, um, with CCG Tower back in the day. So I've run those businesses. I've run hobby shops. I know how they work. I know how whales and collectors work. I know what we look for because I'm one of them. As much as I want to tell everyone that I don't like foils and that I don't really care about putting foils in my commander deck, um, it mostly true. But if I find like a cool promo, like my swords of plowshares, yeah. I'm just like, that's something I want to chuck in my deck because it's unique to me and it makes yeah. me feel cool showing I'm it just, off when I play. I'm just looking at my full art exploration and uh, exactly. double, ma- double masters. I didn't buy the any any sealed. I just bought a couple. I was sensible, bought some singles. Exactly, that one's beautiful. Um, yeah. And and there's a huge difference between the casual player the tournament player the commander player and yeah. i know people usually tie a commander to casual and there's a, a slight difference here that I'll, I'll maybe i'll touch on in a second um and then the the collector collector right yeah and the word collector collector sounds pretty weird you have two different types of collectors you have regular collector who just wants to collect all the cards and sets that's fine they might uh play whatever uh, most of them play single uh, singleton formats because they're trying to collect one of every card for their sets. Yeah, it's a then you have set. the collector collector who is the one who has the Urza Saga boxes tucked away, mm. you know, in, you know, a cold room somewhere that you cannot see that is protected by plastic. Um, they have shelves of sealed product from the old days. They have a black Lotus sitting around. They have a full complement of boxes. They've got their whole power nine. Yeah. They are the collector collector. They are the whale. Right, and they're not yeah. necessarily old players, but they're the players who look for unique and interesting things that are hard to find or are rare as hens teeth. Mm. That's because hens don't have teeth. Don't get it confused. No. <laughs> um, but one of the things that the collector boxes should be doing is looking at that exclusivity and making it a point of reference that these are so unique. That's why these are double the price of a regular box. It should probably have another level, yeah. Yeah, to say, let's let's have a look at other trading cards. Let's look at sports cards where there is parallel cards, there's numbered cards, there's sketch cards, there's autograph cards. All of these things are rare and exclusive, right? 
Now, not to say that if you look at basketball, a uh, Mookie Blaylock signed card <laughs> no one cares about, but a Jordan everyone goes shits for, right? Yeah, yeah. Completely different animal when it comes to the collectability because it's about players. When it comes to magic, the one thing that I think Wizards are going to have a really hard time with are trying uh, is going to be trying to balance out what uh, a magic collector, a magic whale, is going to find more enticing. Yeah. Is it going to be a super rare sketch card that's you know printed to ten and inserted specifically in this product, which I think absolutely that would and be. Those ones are so much for taste too. It's like Correct. because art, art plays in rather than like you say sports card. It's a player and performance and and kind of marketability, I guess. But yeah, I mean, then you get. I think everyone would love a Seb McKinnon autograph. Like that would be exactly. pretty amazing. And it also <laughs> means that it makes the boxes more appealing to the general person as well. Yeah. Uh, not even like myself, because I mean, I like buying a collector's box now and again just to crack it open, and then I sell off the highest couple of cards to try and make my money back, and then I've got yep. all these other cards, and I'm like, sweet, I have cards for Commander. Yeah. Um, that is another side of the secondary market that has to be acknowledged. That no card game, no no collectible can exist without a secondary market. If you are delusional and you think that a secondary market does not matter for the health of any collectible, yeah. you are incorrect, and I will point you directly at Beanie Babies as a <laughs> very easy comparison. We've talked right? multiple times about Beanie Babies. I freaking yeah. love it. <laughs> so Beanie Babies were massive in the 90s. The oh, yeah. ass absolutely fell out of it, and then it died, right? Yeah. Because once the secondary market became flooded with all these quote-unquote rare Beanie Babies were magically found they they basically made a whole bunch more of them and fucked their entire market yeah it killed it because mm-hmm. they killed their secondary market right magic was heading that way a couple of years ago right mm-hmm. you had bad sets you had no reason to buy the boxes uh you had boxes that were selling for like 90 dollars in australia yeah 90 dollars. we've never seen boxes this low for a very long time right Strixhaven collector boxes, I can get at the moment for about $300. Yeah, pretty low. And I, and thought, is, I thought this is the one where they're figuring out like how to put all the jazz in the in the pack because it seemed that way that it had all the cool stuff. And it's like, wow, this is enough to like rip a pack that's quite a high value. But well, like you say, yeah, it's, but, it's, it's, but you need something more. You need it, another it level. It also and comes back to the set as well. And that's where yeah, wizards, that's true, that's wizards true. aren't really, they're still not about figuring out what the collector wants and what the regular player wants, right? Because the yeah. set itself is that the singles in this set on the secondary market have crashed bottom hard, Yeah, right? yeah. We've seen yep. it in a couple of recent sets, not just this set, but mm-hmm. this set is the worst. We've never seen a collector booster box come to Australia where we can buy it at $300 Australian. That is nuts. Yeah. That, that absolutely shows that there's a problem, right? Um, yeah. And like but I, I say, feel like I'm I, taking too much time up with it, so let's just move on. <laughs> That's all right. I was going to say, they'll, they'll, they'll probably most likely uh, only ever make a pivot when the bottom line is effective, so we'll see see what happens there. But um, I mean, they haven't yet, so... Exactly. Well, exactly. I think you kind of it's, talked um, about, too, the, uh, the power level of the different sets, right? And going back, even yeah, thinking about yeah. something like War of the Spark, right, with all these different Planeswalkers, and it was like, holy cow, this seems strong. And then we went into, maybe I'm off and like when it was, but like into Eldraine. Right. And Eldraine, mm-hmm. just the power level of that set was like, what in the world is this? Even looking at like how it's shaped uh, standard now. So the fact that like That's a lot right. of the sets that have come out, a lot of the players, you know, that you're hearing on 
uh, arena and that kind of stuff. They're like, well, here's a card from this new set, but I can't play it because of this card from Eldraine that hasn't rotated <laughs> out yet, right? Brazen Borrower, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, and, and that's like that is absolutely a, a huge problem as well. Like Strixhaven doesn't feel like it has the power behind it, which yeah. is why the secondary market isn't as as mm, uh, isn't as fat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> like it, it feels like juicy. Yeah. So the problem is that with a more powerful set that has more powerful tools it is going to not only sell better on the singles side of things, but also on the sealed box side of things. Mm. Wizards separating their boxes between draft boxes, set booster boxes, collector boxes is fine until you kind of start thinking about set booster boxes have how many rare slash mythics in them, collector booster boxes have how many, uh, mm. you know, non, non-different. I don't care if it's extended or not, art or not non-different uh, cards in it, basically, which is another factor, but it all still comes back to set strength. And if that set is lacking the strength and the power to support itself yeah, because it's of other bones. factors, then the set itself is worth less. People buy less of it. People aren't chasing X, Y, Z. Um, people are looking at the new Liliana and they're like, Professor Onyx, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it is fine. It's like, But it's not, it's not really powerful. Yeah, I think it's like, like we could have gone so much more power here. Yeah, I think something too for me. I always wonder, like when a new set comes out, uh, you know, people freak out about the jeweled lotuses, right? People, look at the <laughs> but I remember, I still love it. And but I remember for me though, when it was like I think Ravnica Allegiance came out, and I remember seeing Hydroid Crisis and like talking yeah. to players in my LGS, and they're like, "No, it's not going to see play." And I'm like, "It gains you life and draws you cards." And they're like, "It's not going to be that good." And I'm like, "It's like Sphinx's Rev." Yeah. Right, but for me I'm like, "Okay, let me go ahead and order two play sets." And they're like, "Why are you obsessed with this card?" And I'm like, "Cuz you're not, like you're missing the mm-hmm. point and you're the pro player." And so I mean, people um looking at metas, looking at builds and that kind of stuff, but I think it's like cards come out, we initially say, "This is trash. This isn't that good," right? And then later somebody builds a deck and we say, oh, oh, okay, right? And it almost kind of changes in some ways. But also, I mean, it needing to be there, it has to get the hype up. And you need that, like, jeweled lotus type card. You need that new free counter spell, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, right, to kind of push it. But it's it's hard because that also starts to shift the meta in the different formats. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't need to be Oko for mm-hmm. people who are you know, <laughs> not, who are people who are going to very likely comment, yeah, but what about Oko? Um, yeah. We're not talking about mistakes in design. We're not talking about, hey, we decided to make this extremely powerful thing because we were pushing the envelope and we pushed it way too far beyond yeah. where it should have been and we should have known, oops. Um, but we are talking pieces. about, yeah, we are talking about uh, enticing cards for certain formats. Now, not for draft, obviously, because there's not really the secondary market yes, for draft. One time hit, yeah. Um, but we are talking about secondary market for Commander. We are talking about secondary for other formats, such as, well, I guess Highlander doesn't really count, so we'll just focus that one on Commander and Competitive Commander, um, CDH. Uh, and we are looking at things like Standard, like what, modern. what new card is great for Standard, for Modern, or the one in between that nobody plays anymore. <laughs> don't uh, even know what's called. <laughs> Historic Pioneer, one of them. I, I, I have the deck. It's sitting down there. It's lands. I just don't play it. Yep. Um, even like going back to, you know, old, 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 old vintage 
you know, when the yeah. people are still looking for some new card for their vintage stasis lock deck or something. Yeah. Um, but when you don't have the power behind the set, you, you basically don't have the people scrambling to buy the cards. The initial burst, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that does hurt the secondary market, right? So one of the things that I think people maybe don't take into account is the fact that if there is a super powerful chase card, and it doesn't have to be super, super, super powerful, it just has to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Smothering Tithe not, not being part of this discussion because as... as Man, there's might... a card that I was wondering why it was only $8 for so long and I was, <laughs> yeah. I was aggressively trading for them. I was like, come on, I, guys, wait, there's no one playing I was buying sense. non-foil version at $5. I was buying foil versions at $10 and made a very tidy yeah, profit yeah. because nobody saw it. And I was like, how do you not see this for Commander? This is yeah. Brilliant. It just took time. And again, again, it's like the product comes out, there's a lot of it, and it's like mm-hmm. it, it could never push past that until the product starts to not be around as much. And it's like, oh, yeah. now it's $40. Um, but if you don't have people – and people buying boxes to chase a hit card is going to lower the yeah. value on other cards. We get that. And we've seen that in the past. Look at Throne of Eldraine. But even Eldraine had at least 10 cards that yep. were at – at its peak, mm. uh, above $10, right? Mm. And then you look at this set and you've got three cards above $10. And it's and like... Yeah, I don't know there if there's the problem. ones that push back. Like it's, you know, the mm. no smothering tides, whatever. But um, yeah, like, as you said, I, that, that whole push of initial set, I used to really kind of enjoy and miss a little bit because no one's really... I mean, we haven't really been playing standard modern in the store, but, like, that was always the fun thing, like you said, Joe, that the set comes out. It's like, ah, oh, this... Nah, this is not going to see play trash. I can't remember Arclight Phoenix being a trash mythic, oh, quote-unquote, yeah. and it was like... That took a couple of weeks, like, oh, no. <laughs> and I had I had already traded my foil one and normal <laughs> one away, like an it. idiot, like an idiot, and it's so bad. And it's... um, Oh, what's the other one? There was another uh, kind of one I was thinking of that was exactly that kind of thing. But those first few weeks where it figures out, even things like I just, I, I really, not as much of a competitive player, but enjoy kind of watching it all happen. But the things like people have a deck idea and people think it's a bit of a meme, it doesn't have legs. And when it does, like the lantern control, that, that was one of my favorite moments of like modern. It's like, well, it was a, it was meant to be a joke and it actually works really well. It just takes someone really delicately um, kind of, skilled in, in piloting it that kind of thing but it was, it was a masterpiece and it won an event it's like hell yeah that kind of stuff so well the player um, that i think's really good at that is like um ali andrazi um he seems to be really good yep, at finding yep. these like meme decks like when golos came out and field of the dead people looked at it and they're like oh, okay it like tutors you a land and again it's like do you like reading comprehension it tutors you any land and it's just five yeah. colorless right you can blink it reanimate it you can and then seeing what Field of the Dead did also, it's like, um, yeah. like you guys you guys are seeing this, right? But people felt like, oh, it's just a meme thing. Same thing when like Ugin got printed, uh, Eugene got printed into standard. People <laughs> are like, feel like, well, it costs too much. You're not going to cast it. I'm like, are you yeah. serious? Like, really? This yeah. Is, this is our we argument? <laughs> I, I think I, I started making comments about that when it first was like, oh, here's this thing. And I was like, well, Brawl's dead. Like, thanks, Wizards. You just completely fucked Brock because oh, as soon as yeah, gets down, oh, totally, yeah, totally. it just destroys the, the, the field and it's like, yeah. Uh, Brawl's always a funny one anyway. People say what they will about Brawl, like getting your little command, mini commander fix, but I always find that it's like there's no person on the other end, so there's, there's only well, so many legs it can have. But, no, so the I problem mean, there's a person, is, but like... Well, the problem is 
not the fact that you're playing it in person. The problem is they brought this out specifically for Commander players to play on Arena to try and get Commander players into Arena. Yeah, exactly. And but but then they did not they did not look at who should be playing and why, and instead they made it competitive because it's a one v one format. Which yeah. immediately makes it competitive and not casual. I don't care. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, ah, just different feels, different feels. Yeah. It's just, and then yeah. they changed it to also have prize support because people <laughs> were like, well, why would I play this on Arena? Like, I'm just going to play Command. They're like, it's, oh, it's we'll all, prizes. Exactly, because it leads to this like linear metric of just like, oh, mm-hmm. we're winning and everyone's smashing Omnats and whatever. And, and, and like, I mean, I haven't done it for ages, but like, you're like, oh, I wanted to play this janky brew weird idea I had. It's like, nope. He's gonna and I can see like, this right now. Now, I've spoken to the creator of of Brawl, um, yeah. who I believe is still working for us at this point. Nice. Um, and I, because I asked him, like, why would you create this 1v1 format when we have Commander? And he's like, oh, it wasn't 1v1. I was yeah, looking for yeah, a, yeah. A, a, an all-for-all four-player way thought. for us really to good play the game in standard. Because totally. I thought it was really cool to put a nice restriction on to, to breed creativity. And I think that's what it was meant to be in store and shit, too. And when Wizards took it over, they decided to make it into a 1v1 format and release it as a competitive 1v1 format, even though they were calling it casual. Which I know makes sense for Arena being the way Arena laid out and everything, too, Mm. um, and matchmaking and whatnot. But, um, yeah, still. I think it it, it can be better. I didn't mean to, like, turn this into a brawl chat, but, like, it it can push into something else, and that could be... Cool, but we'll see, I guess. Well, and I think, too, you guys have kind of talked about um, when prizes get put into it. When I was down talking to my uh, the LGS that I kind of go to on um, Top Deck Keep, I was talking to the owner, mm-hmm. and he was discussing for, like, uh, Modern Horizons 2 coming up and the fact that they're going to yeah. have, like, pre-release kits. And he was like, well, I don't know yeah. if we're going to be able to have, you know, like, um, rewards or anything for, like, winning, um, yeah. giving out packs. I also did the same. Because he was saying just, just would... how expensive it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Our store was saying the same thing. They were like, I don't understand why there's an actual pre-release instead of a seal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, strange, isn't it? I, I, like, he's just opened his store and he was like, I don't know if I can afford to give you guys prize support like yep. without having to charge you like $60, like yeah. $60 yeah. Australian, which is like about $6 US. <laughs> yeah. Well, this so one's fit, trying to fit into a slot that hasn't existed yet. And, it's, and I know strange. mine was trying to ask me that. Like, would you rather get some kind of prize support or would you rather it be uh, the... Uh, know entry level point be a little bit cheaper and it's like yeah entry level point to be a bit cheaper i said you know from a business perspective too if i get you know 50 bucks i get into this pre-release i see some of these cards i see somebody play a card and then i'm after that card right that's what's going to get me to buy more packs yeah try to uh, yep. put money back into the store kind of thing yeah that's right yeah that's it right. just doesn't it doesn't make sense like i i was checking out um i and and this is oh, man i can't believe i'm back on the fucking Oh, um, goddamn. We're, we're, we're talking a bit feeds, about Modern Horizons 2, so yeah. This feeds it, directly it. back into, hey, Wizards, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, or, hey, Hasbro, get the, yeah. get your fingers out of this fucking shit because you don't understand it. Yeah. Bringing out, <laughs> fucking hell, bringing out a collector <laughs> booster box on a quote-unquote secondary product that is a yeah. premium fucking product like yeah. Modern Horizons is doubly bad. It's another like, push, isn't it? Like, yeah, it, it's like, here's, here's Modern Horizons. This is more expensive than a regular set. Okay, we get it. We get it. Um, we don't like it, but we get it, right? Mm-hmm. But then to, like, make an, an, like, chuck an extra $100 on top of that for collector's box. So that the collector's box is $100 more expensive than 
no more collector boxes because this is a supplemental set is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it did this. I'm getting the hiccups. I'm getting so angry. <laughs> um, it, three, it makes three, no three, sense three, to do this. Four count, hold it, mm, and then mm, breathe. Have a four count. Have a coffee. Mm. Yeah. It's this kind of shitty decision making that drives players out of the game, which is funny because they're like, we want to be inclusive, and then they pulled their Strixhaven fucking Strixhaven all, live all, shit, all where it was like a bunch of premium. white people and like one person of color, like. Thanks, Wizards. That's that's mm. not inclusiveness. Then to going to this, to being like, we we want to make sure that everyone has access to product, and that's why we have different levels of product. But then to bring out a collector booster box without anything, going back to the other discussion, we, we've already covered it, without having anything that, that makes the whale want to buy it, and it's $100 more than a regular collector booster box because it's a supplemental expensive set. Mm. I don't understand why there is a collector booster box for this set. Yeah. Because <laughs> what is this aimed cause, at? Because dollary dues are, oh, like, it's... Because Hasbro, woo! But, but, can can we then, I mean, that being said, uh, can we now pull back to uh, what actually is coming out with Modern Horizons 2? And I know we are we, we can get a bit tired by things coming out, but in the last weekend, I was like, actually, I don't know. Strixhaven, yeah, cool. I've, I've absorbed most of it, and I still continue to in Commander decks, whatever, um, as I literally have to place a lot of these cards into decks. Um, but in the meantime, it's like, all right, as, as they're doing in this, this, this vicious kind of product cycle, uh, trying to find that best balance of like, all right, attention span, all right, here's the next thing, let's just jump onto it. And, and there were a couple of things I'm like, actually, no, it's pretty, you know... I, not, I, don't want to, I don't want to be assaulted by all the cards just yet, but like seeing a couple of Modern Horizons cards come out and go, oh, okay, that's what well, we've got to, to look forward to, which is, you know, that's what PR I want is. your take on the counter spell art. Oh. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, question. people. It's a gorgeous card and it's going to look sexy in foil. Do you mean the alternate one? Yeah, yes. the full art one. Uh, but I want you to have a look at that art and tell me if this to you, without... If you crossed out the name and you didn't have access to that name, what do you think this person on this card is actually doing? Uh, force of will kind of thing? No. Um, oh, no, that's I know what it reminds me of. One of the epic spells. I would guess that they're in a sensory deprivation tank. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so it's more like strategic planning. <laughs> it looks more like a silence type of effect than a yeah. counter spell. Now, the art is great, but the art direction for this set is a bit weird, I'm going to uh, be we'll honest. S- I guess we'll see from a few cards for the moment, but yeah, true, true. Interesting. Yeah. Also, looking at, at, at Diamond Lion. Yeah. Um, ah, yes, Diamond Lion. obviously the other part of, of Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, I am surprised that this diamond lion has both eyes. Mm. Ah, interesting. Because yeah, I gotcha. my tie back to this to show that it is lion's eye diamond, the second, basically, yeah. is to make it that the lion is missing an eye. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, they just missed doing that. And I'm like, that <laughs> art direction would have been like real simple to do. Would have been very simple. interesting. Yeah. What do you think um, of it? I was going to say... If it had the scar on its face, though, isn't it just like a Disney knockoff scar, though? Well, it doesn't need a scar. <laughs> you, minefield, just, right? you just literally make it so it looks like it does not have an eye. What's it wearing it's around its neck? Something cool. Can't say it's yeah. too small. Yeah, too small. Um, and then next it, to it, of course. It looks like an amulet of Krug or something like that. 
It should be interesting anyway. Like it's, I think it's a very watered down, you know, uh, it's for modern, I guess, but yeah, your LED going, but I, it's a creature summoning sickness, all that stuff. So I don't know how much it will do. It'd be like, I, I feel like it's a cabal therapist type thing. Hey, where hey it's Sam. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Sam, you know that you can give creatures haste, right? Oh, I know that, but it's like this modern. Like, are you going to de- devote just, another spot to doing that? But yeah, no, I'm exactly. But, I, I think, <laughs> but in saying that, um, I think you can absolutely do some funky stuff with it. And I think Aaron was saying it on Magic Mike's that like it's it's another piece. It'll it'll open up some interesting avenues. Maybe for I don't know if you're doing your dredge things, whatever. But like, just there's going to be some funky brews around this thing. Hopefully, oh, it's so going to be, be really fun. funky. Um, yeah. The obviously the enemy fetch lands uh, yeah. are fantastic. Um, there are three different versions of these fetch lands, just to let everyone know. So, <laughs> as we do, have, there's, there's never just one anymore. Nope, right? Yep, you're going to have base scalding tarn, you're going to have extended art scalding tarn, and then you're going to have, oh my god, it's so sexy, put it in my veins, old boarded yeah. tarn. <laughs> yeah, no, I want my misty. I love it. Yeah. My misty rainforest. But yeah, that's 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 amazing. I, th- I think it's pretty amazing that uh, as, as these sets are always done, they're planned you know, well in advance, all that stuff. But the reception of Time Spiral Remastered being so great with the old borders that this would have been already planned in advance anyway, that there was always gonna they were always gonna do it for Modern Horizons 2 as well. You know, if that went badly, like not that it could have really, it's a pretty sure thing, but like it, it's pretty amazing. Like, oh it's as if we knew that you'd love it and so we're just doing more of those. So um mm. yeah, not surprised. So even things like the the buy box promo being the Sanctum Prelate, I think is badass. Like I think that's super cool. It's a conspiracy card, adds it to modern. I used to play a little bit of Death and Taxes and I'd be really excited to play that Death and Taxes. It'd be really fun. I love the deck. I've always found it's like an average deck and that's why I love it. It's still there. I don't have to rebuild it like yeah. Sam, do you want to know what the problem with the Sanctum Prelate is? What's that? The human. I know, I know. It goes to the humans. But I don't know where, what... Humans are always a deck, right? Like, Yeah, humans mm-hmm. is a deck. Kind of can't not be. They can't always. die. They can't die. Like, it's it's five cars, ziggurats, like, just all your all your great creatures just do things. Yeah. So, I'll just no, I thought the, the same thing, that, uh, There's another reason for me not to play Storm in Modern. Uh, you know, because <laughs> Chalice, Chalice of the Void isn't enough, apparently, that yeah. they've got to have Sanctum Prelate, uh, along with everything else in that blue-white deck. Yeah. Uh, the human deck. I just absolutely yeah. pass. Maybe um, look at blue-white uh, blue taxes. Mm, mm, how many different see. arts are there for the enemy fetch lands? There's two uh, different arts, isn't there? Uh, you said, oh, arts? Do you mean in Actual total? Like I mean, the, printed across Magic's history for the enemy. Wasn't there? Oh, good. Because there was one for the uh, the secret layer, the right? secret layer exactly, and then there was one for you know the, the regular sets. There was Zendikar. There was Modern Horizons two. No, sorry, Modern Masters two. Yeah, uh, now yeah, Modern so Horizons those were the same art. Those two were the same art, weren't they? Then two, right? I don't know. Yeah, I need well, to, and, yeah. and that's one of the things that's going to bring me into this. Yeah. Is the fact that we we are oh no expeditions I I lied I lied I lied um, all right the, the yeah. third there's a third because the misty rainforest used to be my phone background with the the birds of paradise in it and stuff I love that picture yeah so hey wizards why <laughs> give us why, another no no why are we only seeing the same art for uh, all I mean this one I, I reckon this, this is I reckon well, this I'm is an just intentional saying, move like, it might be but I don't know why. I think like, it's also. Oh, but it's. I think we've wanted these for about, so long, and seeing seeing our familiar art is like, yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, but when you're talking about yeah. collectability, and you're I know, talking I about know. 
collect a booster. So you chuck a border on Wizards? it. Wizards? <laughs> you just chucked a border on it. You didn't give us anything really unique about it. And that's where part of the problem is. Chesh goes from loving to, uh, well, I know. Had See, more. I, I, know, I, know. I absolutely love the fact that they are printing them in old border because that's great. Yeah. But the counterbalance to that is like, Hey, Wizards, here's a treat, good boy. Or and just do an altar or something, like, for one of those. Then like. you shouldn't have taken a shit on my favourite rug. <laughs> but that's so a good you, boy. So you need to be disciplined. <laughs> exactly. So, I, yeah. I, will sh- I will shine a light to how beautiful the box art is on, on just graphically on, on these with what feels like Nils Harm uh, fills, if that makes sense. Like, as in the textures Nils Harm does with, with his art being quite grainy but also technicolor and that kind of thing so this these purple gradients and everything yep. on the on the box art looks amazing that's one of my favorite things i've seen for a while i think i'm more shocked about the fact that you guys haven't talked about urza's saga saga oh, i was, I was getting there get i was getting there that's why i was getting my attention yeah what's that USSS. yeah 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 exactly urza's <laughs> saga urza's saga, 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 saga enchantment land, enchantment land. I've, I think we've been wondering how long it's going to be until we see one of these, which is an enchantment land, uh, being that we've seen artifact lands, that kind of thing. I love this card. I love everything it does. Mm-hmm. I really, I just think it's cool. Like, it's funny that it's called Urza Saga, and it says enchantment land, Urza Saga. Uh, it's, it's like the skeleton ship thing. It also introduces the sketch alt art that they're doing for this set, which, again, quite like. Reminds mm. me of, oh, what was it? Wasn't there a saga already that had, or a couple of sagas that had the actual artwork was almost sketchy like that, not necessarily the frame. So, um, feels like plans. Maybe like Fall of the Thran. Maybe I'm, uh, no, there's one of them I remember that had a bit of a sketchy art kind of feel. So, it's kind of nice. And that's you've got this duality of there's the colored inversion of, Urza, the Vitruvian man, it looks um, like, <laughs> and doing beautiful mind things in the art. And then Sam. that one's literally like a sketch on a napkin. And like, yep. it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Sam, this isn't the first enchantment. Oh, hold on. Which? Enchanted Prairie. Thank you very much. Enchantment. Is this a, what? Mm, this was from uh, Mystery Booster Playtest Cards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, so, that counts. That does count. I was about to say it, it does doesn't count. count. No, it does. It absolutely yeah. counts. I just wanted to bring it up before somebody shot you down going, Yeah, true. That's in the first enchantment land. Oh, I invite oh. them to. I don't care. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always because... willing to be proven wrong, and that's yeah. fine. Like, it's, yeah. Ah, here we go. Enchanted Prairie. But this oh, wow. The first wow. Enchantment, enchantment land. land. Come into uh, an actual physical set that is open for playing in formats. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. And it's like it does cool things, just taps for diamond when it comes in uh, as, as chapter one, and then it gains. The whole land gains two tap, create a zero, zero colorless construct artifact creature token, like a Khan one that has uh, this creature gets plus on for each artifact you control. Just make little construct dudes. It's awesome. And then the third one, search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one, put on the battlefield, then shuffle. Oh, so this does sacrifice though at the end. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Okay. So you'll probably it replace does, it. In Commandies, you, can... you save it, you, wait, you, wait, wait, you, wait. you no, replace same. it with You're your soul ring point. or something. What yeah. soul it's ring? An enchantment, it's an enchantment land. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to play this in? Uh, enchantment decks and land decks and land decks exactly and artifact decks it does everything (laughs) this is going to be great in agrofrog yeah oh yeah i like it because i can play it from my my graveyard directly into play yeah it is too i was like who's agrofrog oh i guess i know which frog you're talking about yeah yeah kermit the gitrog frog yeah um 
yeah, fantastic. But yeah, no, love it. What do you what do you think about it, Joe? I Good thought time. it was super cool. So I made the joke talking to some of the CDH people. We were discussing like who exactly. Like, what do you what do you get? And I was going through the list <laughs> on Scryfall, and I was like, why did I not think of this sooner? Hot soup. You get hot soup yeah. every time. Every time. You get hot soup every time. And yeah. that, that makes me so happy. I laughed my I literally laughed out loud when I saw you tweet that. And I was like, yeah, hot soup is an underrated equipment that is just badass. And that's but, been um, like my you know, biggest uh, tweet that I've ever had. Like I've done like some <laughs> some lukewarm stuff, obviously, that probably deserves some more love. But this one, I'm like, how is this is gonna be my claim to fame? People are gonna like come up to me at like uh, GP Vegas or something in a couple of years and be like, can you sign my hot soups? I'm like, like really? Soup guy. Yeah. Or people start <laughs> exactly. giving me like Campbell soups. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with all these Campbell yes. soups? I love it. I love it. Um, I was, and it got me thinking too. So I'm putting a Dina Soul Steeper deck together at the moment, but like I'm trying to fly, like not make myself drift towards just making it about beverages and oh. teas and things. And I'm like, oh, well, guess what? Do you know what's a really good synergizing card with, with Dina Soulsteeper? Hot soup because she's unblockable. She gets huge if you, like, sacrifice another creature uh, and then you just get through. And then the whole clause on hot soup, if that, that creature's dealt damage, you just destroy it. Like, whatever. Who's, who's got a... Uh, Look, I'm yeah, just going to tell soup. you. Exactly. That's the beautiful part about hot I'm, soup. It's such I'm a good card. I'm just going to tell you that I'm probably going to use this to get a dual bloodless release. <laughs> wow. Is that zero? It is zero, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that that was, yeah. I mean, a few people have said it, of course. Uh, it does say it does say artifact card with mana cost zero one. So you can't go yep. grab a suspend card, of course. You can't wow. grab an artifact land because they don't have a mana cost, uh-huh. but it Mox, has to have zero printed. Mox Amber. Mox Amber is perfect. Yep. Mana cost is perfect. Yeah. Uh, Mox, Mox Opal. Mox Tantalite. One of my favorites. Shadow Sphere. Shadow Sphere. Oh, Shadow Sphere. It's, it's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Hammer. Uh, Hammer time. Yeah. There's, there's a heap of stuff that you can get with this. Oh, and, and the thing that I think the Lion's Eye Diamond, the Lion's Eye Diamond Lion, Diamond Lion, is wearing might be a jeweled amulet. <laughs> yeah. That's I wondered that. I, I wondered that. Yeah. Mm. Um, good bling. So, good bling. Mm, I'd need to blow up the image more to, to double check that. Yeah. Um, but very close color-wise. Good times, good times. Um, so the other <laughs> stuff that came out was, of course, uh, D&D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which is meant to be the core set type thing for coming out later in the year. Um, looks interesting, uh, pretty cool. Like I say, the art treatment for the the border we've we've seen so far looks a lot of fun, like an old, um, like the actual, what do you even call it? The the rule book, the the character sheets. I'm I'm not the the, the biggest adept in um in in D and D, but um exciting nonetheless i know some people are excited about some of the characters coming in like tiamat the the dragon and uh there'll be more there's a beholder in one of the cards that hasn't had the art uh, the, the, the texture this is a beholder i don't want to know well yeah <laughs> so i i think and that's exactly they they like had to show that straight away and, yep. and pretty badass but um as i say though like getting more into dnd I, I really appreciate a lot of these little things um there's a halfling in innkeeper which looks kind of cool um yeah, a few, a couple of, a couple of uh, cards. We can start to see the way this is all going to work, and and like the way this is kind of mesh with with magic, and it f- seems to fit. You know, and this quite is a lovely, standard like set, a, right? The D and D set. Yeah, totally, totally. So yeah, and a corset nonetheless too. So like as they often say, it's like meant to be kind of more basic mechanics and stuff, and and more evergreen. But yeah, it should be interesting. Um, when are, what's the is it worldwide release July twenty third, and I think June is Modern Horizons too. So there's always something on the horizons. 
Uh, sorry, the pun. Uh, um, it's kind of insane. There's just like, well, there's never a break in the action anymore. It felt like there used to be these little off seasons we had in our time, like the two months or something. But no, nah, there's there's always something kind of coming. So, um, no, oh yeah, the the but yeah, yeah go for it. There's no lulls anymore. And then even when they're like, no, the sun's exactly. come out here, and then in two weeks later, this other set. But in between that set, here's a secret layer, and I was just like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, they for, just want to keep that wave going. And for content creators, it's hard because you're trying to yeah. put out content, let people know what cards, where they fit in your deck, having to do set reviews. I mean, it's it's yeah. just constant. It's I'm glad lot. we don't do those. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we kind of just like talk about what we want to and like if there's a deck we make out of it, we might talk about that. But yeah, if I was if we were making decks out of everything, and I know Chesh has done this before and it's like, wow, that's that's a new cycle and a new pressure and a new kind of uh, thing to kind of investigate. It's like, what am I getting out of this? Am I still having fun or am I just in this endless cycle kind of thing? So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was the point that I was going to try and make before we're all like at the end of the day, we're all just trying to have fun and, um, it's always, yeah, it sounds really obvious, but it does pay to kind of remember that too. And, you know, sometimes I just like nerding out about the new cards coming out and getting excited rather than being overwhelmed and trying to keep in that net zone. Um, and so, I don't know. Well, we'll see if that continues, but um, that can change week in, week out, it seems. So, anyway. Um, oh, yeah, the, the the basic lands for the D&D set. They have flavor text on them. Seen those? They're very interesting. It's, um, I think that's the first time basic lands have had flavor text on them, and they look awesome. So, check those out for sure. Like, they've um, they've got kind of little stories on them, I guess, like almost like little vignettes of what would happen in the D&D game. I think that's actually one of my favorite uses of a basic land. So anyway, good times. Um, yeah, no, there's nothing else in, in releases or anything like that you guys want to touch on before we kind of move into wherever else. Too we many releases, to don't care. Too many releases, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I uh, think cool. for cool. me, um, it's always that like new cards come out and then you get excited and like, I'm going to pre-order stuff, but you know you should at least wait a week to buy singles, right? And that's you- true. Yeah. You're kind of waiting on the market to try to see. And then it seems like two, almost that like first week and you expect prices to drop, but they don't drop mm-hmm. as much as they used to. So you really do almost have to like yeah. wait an additional week to really start to see people start cracking stuff. I know like the um, Witherbloom Dragon, right? It was like pre-selling for 40 yeah. and now it's just tanked. I think it might be like 10 or $12. Exactly. And then that's like the, I mean, like we said before, and that's the the expensive one in the set, more or less. Like you know, it's it was like there's your premium piece in the set. And I'm like, yeah, I've done it. I found the the crazy one. And it's like, well, it's probably only worth ten bucks. It's fine. It's cool to see. I mean, the fact that um, they had Elder Dragons, right? Like, what a cool callback yeah. to the format we kind of play, and whether or not people play with them or not. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, like a seven mana dragon, like. You can't yeah. play that. And I'm like, get out of here. This is a... Me to too. Be, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a casual format. And, and you're in the colors that reanimate for at least Witherbloom. Like, you'll be fine. I played against Joe yeah. Johnson uh, from My Hate Your Deck. And he played the Lorehold one and just totally stomped all yeah. of us. It was cool to see. That one looks off. fantastic. Yeah. And, and I, so, I, I think that's not... It's not an argument anymore. Like, it's like, no, this you just have to find a few ways to support that mana cost and that's not hard like i used to play chromium a lot the, the seven mana chromium it's amazing you just mana rocks like it's fine there's always a way it's fine well i think too yeah. i mean kind of going back looking at like last modern horizons right when hogak came out and in cco yeah. uh, we called him ho daddy um seeing hogak come out though <laughs> and and people being like oh well, you're not going to cast that or do anything but like 
bridge players and modern and even seeing uh, like commander players being like, oh, I can convoke this out. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's a free spell. Like, yeah, it's and and that was a, another funny one that took a little bit of time and it's like, well, wait a second. And then it just broke modern for a hot second. It's like, oh, wow. Well, and then they decided to ban, what was it, like Bridge from Below and people like Bridge from Below yeah. wasn't the problem. So they're like, oh, we'll get uh, Faithless Looting and Arc Like Phoenix. Looting. We're like, no. <laughs> And that had different collateral damage, and it's like, and then like, yeah, the 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 friggin' uh, the Arclight Phoenix is like, oh, I can't survive now. Uh, good times. I'm actually a little bit excited to jump it back into modern a little bit, so mm-hmm. kind of dust off the deck and see what what's going on, what new pieces and stuff like that. As I said, um, with death and taxes, and then also had had a soul herder blink deck, but I'll I'll see what the deal is with that. I've got a few pieces, so it could be fun anyway. But um, no, anyway. What we might drift into anyway, Joe, is um, is is kind of just getting into some some general topics about, uh, I guess, the state of play for us, for yourself, mm-hmm. um, a bit of you know you playing commander and, and your relationship with it, and maybe how that's changed over the last year or so. But um, I don't know. Do you want to just touch on very you know just to, as an introductory thing, like uh, yeah, like a little bit of your history with commander, like the way you like to play, even like and, and kind of what you see and you get out of the game, I guess. Yeah, so for me, playing Commander, I remember um, when I was a young Warthog, that's a, a Lion King reference, <laughs> right? Uh, when I was younger, I remember seeing my dad play Magic. And uh, Sam, I Dang. think I shared with you some of those pictures of, like, Grave Digger and uh, that slug, right? Just remembering the arc yeah, of those yeah. cards. But not coming back to it again until, like, the... I don't remember what, what set I really jumped in, but I remember the commander decks for like the C-17, right? With the Edgar Markov and the Ur-Dragon. Yeah. And I remember like picking up the Ur-Dragon deck and playing it against my friend who was playing a Loro. And uh, I stomped him with it. And I was like, this is really yeah. cool. And then that kind of turning on to like, well, I want to know how I can like play this deck or, or tune it a bit more. Um, the realization of how strong like a Skull Clamp is with an Edgar Markov who's just spitting out That's vampires, right. you know? um that kind of stuff was fun so it was cool to get to see this evolution of it for me i work as a, a therapist so i'm an associate marriage and family mm. therapist uh basically what that means is i'm getting my hours um through therapy but i try to use uh, magic the gathering um pokemon different board games card games sometimes in my therapy with kids as long as it's uh, appropriate to do that um I'll, yep. I'll i'll do that just so kids can engage in it and so for me trying to find how do, you, how do you reach kids through this game? Because it, it can be a complicated game, um, but it has that's to be right. something that's fun. And it has to be something that um, kids can see themselves continuing to do. And again, here's this person they see who's in their late 20s, right, playing this game and who's enjoying it, getting to take them to LGSs and, and seeing other adults playing this game and mm. just the different things that you learn out of it. Um, my kind of play style I always forget I'm supposed to try to win the game. Um, that's, <laughs> me too, me that's, too. That, that's like I'm, I'm building a him. deck, and, and now all my friends are asking, well, how do you get, plan on winning? Uh, and I'm just like, oh, dang. Oh, dang it. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> was, the that, point. that was the point of this whole game, right? Um, and so, so yeah. for me, there's I always like seeing people's decks do things. Um, I always yeah. like seeing the, those back-and-forth games. I don't like the one-person arch-enemy thumb down on everyone the whole game. Um, I, I do like, again, seeing the, the different puzzles, the politics of it. Uh, some of my favorite cards that I've liked to use, I fracture, fracture Identity, my friend Michael uh, Kenrith, 
And so like the whole table got a Kenrith and I was like, well, have fun. Right. Um, Amazing. And, and I, uh, I imagine like only some people can use some of the features on the Kenrith because of the, the mana they have available and stuff like. Right. Yeah, so and so it was really specific, but it's like, hey, here's this kind of cool card who has all these abilities that you can do whatever you want with. Um, using yeah. two, I've used before like a political trickery, which I think is like a reserveless card, but you like exchange a land for a target opponent's land. So I would just like take someone's command tower and they could have my basic whatever it was. Oh, um, yeah. So doing Side note of- on that one, get um Videlkin Plotter is a is a creature with that ability on it and it's underplayed, like criminally underplayed. And it's so good. Like to often pinch a land. Like you pinch that one, the the Itlamok land as well. That's oh, easily yeah. done. Like oh yeah, exactly. And there's so many lands ability. now that, that do the, the flip ability. So being able to steal that or even yeah. stealing somebody's like maze of it, right? Because they feel like <laughs> they can hide behind that. And then when you take it, it's like, oh yeah, I got you with your pants down now. Like that's that one's gonna be yeah. a little harder for you. And for me, it's more about the the story that everyone felt like they got to sit down. We all That's have invested right. time and money into this thing. We all got to sit down. We come out of it with a story. We're, we're retelling, oh, I almost had it. And like, oh, this was my next draw. And oh, I did these things. And I think that for me is the stuff I enjoy. And now with COVID happening, um, that kind of shifted a little bit as far as mm. being able to play, not being able to meet with friends necessarily in person and then switching to webcam. Um, the state of magic, magic's picked up. It's become faster. It's become yeah. um, more powerful in some aspects. People have uh, stimulus money or people have uh, income that they were using on other things that they now shifted into games because this is their hobby. And I feel like it was almost kind of a struggle for me to to get maybe some of those same games that I really enjoyed. And that's not for a lack of like yeah. communicating with my friends. But again, it's it's the expectation. It's the experience, what we're all coming to this game with. Uh, I feel like for yeah. me, it kind of changed. And I messaged some of my friends and said, hey, I think I might get out of Magic. And a lot of my friends were really, mm-hmm. like, shocked almost. Like, does this mean you're selling out? Can I get dibs on your collection? I'm like, hold on, hold on. You know, like, I'm not, <laughs> not getting out of that. We're not, it's not vulture time to circle around Joe. Um, you know? <laughs> but uh, even, you know, just let him know, well, I kind of want to take a break a little bit. You know, I've, I've spun my wheels. And I think, Chess, I heard you talk about, if you're not, excited about building decks don't build it don't buy the cards for it you know and that for me it felt like every set i was like okay i'm gonna build this and like my friend cable i've talked to him every set like okay i'm gonna build a a deck out of this set based off this card and it just falls through and it's like what happened it's like my heart's just not in it and i think it's okay to realize that and communicate that to people of hey it's not i don't get the same enjoyment force it yeah, and, and not having to force it. And still, too, I'll ask my friends, can I just join Spell Table, but just, like, commentate or BS or just, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk. And that that's kind of different, doing it over Spell Table, because, again, we're having to pause and listen to what everyone's doing versus actually being in an LGS, and you're kind of BSing in between turns when someone's fetching or whatever yeah. it may be. Um, but just having that uh, connection. Because, again, I think for me, it's not so much about winning. It's not about doing the big, cool, splashy thing, but it's a way to connect with people. And it's a way for me, yeah. too, to show the kids that I work with, you can do this and you connect with people. You don't have to have the most expensive deck. You don't have to do the craziest thing or be the best player, right? It's it's about having fun. It's about having that connection. Yeah, and, and having being meaningful, being, you know, having integrity there. And it's an analog to life, really. Like, it's it's just like we, we can start an arms race on who's who's kind of getting the, the most expensive stuff and winning that way, but it becomes hollow pretty quickly. Like, I mean, depend on who you are, of course. But, I mean, that note about... Uh, jumping in for the kind of, it's the camaraderie, I guess. Uh, but it's 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 the the kind of 
the vibe and the culture of what's going on that's really special and something i'll shout them out every every single time but lexicon that happens all the time and, mm-hmm. and haven't been able to be in those games as much the last few weekends but there's definitely the times when we've got a full spell table and there's another three people in the chat and, and it's lovely and it's like sometimes it gets so nuts you can't even hear whose turn it is and it's like yeah these guys are meant to be playing a game but we're just talking over the top but it is lovely and it's i think that's another unexpected um like symptom of or sorry like byproduct of of the spell table kind of way to play and it's mm. like people jumping on discords and like actually just hanging out and we've even been asked a few times uh you know like oh can we can we just join in or might even like just turn turn my mic off and just just watch you guys in the discord and it's you know just have it on the background just to enjoy being a part of it and um you know that's definitely a valid way to be a part of it and you don't have to feel like you're kind of being that player in the game that's trying to absolutely push it to the ends or whatever so and something that I yeah, thought was really sure. cool was I know for um, Vegas, the I think it was like 2019 when they had the command zone and you had to buy the pass. There yeah. were some people who, who didn't buy the pass and so they couldn't play. And I remember um, Ryan, uh, CCO Ryan, that dirtbag, there were some guys who wanted to play with <laughs> totally him. Totally made him. Yeah, but they, did, they didn't have a, the pass. And he was like, let's go play like on a table next to the subway. And, and we sat yes. there, like me and him, and we still played. And it didn't matter if they didn't have a badge or anything else. Like just getting to sit sit, sit there and chit-chat and play this game, it didn't matter. Because, I mean, before, I think uh, people talked about getting shoot off of tables, right? Playing in the hallway, playing yeah. in the lobbies. Um, that kind That's of thing, right. what it was. And I, I think... For the main event, you know. And CCO does such a, a beautiful job of creating that community. But a lot of the communities, mm. uh, too, a lot of the different discords that you jump into and, and you see, right, you were kind of talking about it earlier, Sam, how people get so excited uh, when somebody jumps in, right, and it's that person and they're like hooting <laughs> and hollering and, and for like CCO, right, it's the FUs and everything. And yeah, yeah, that makes you feel a part of a community, no matter what community it is. Um, we're all kind of connected right. and, and bonded through this game. Um and those connections are what matters. The convention hall closes down. We all go back to our hotels. We go all, all have our day jobs, those things. But it's still it's creating that connection past that. And I think for me, when COVID first happened and hit, I realized how much I, I was going to need those connections. Not so much magic. Yes, yeah. But, but that personal connection with other people. Knowing what are you doing outside of this game? Not not magic. I don't care about your decks. What are you eating? What are your other hobbies? How, how can I connect yeah, with you yeah. on a personal level? Because I need that right now everything that's going on yeah let's talk about how we're dealing with this week that kind of stuff exactly and and what are we i mean that one i love absolutely love that you shout out every friday like what are you grateful for you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's such an important thing to ask yourself and then ask others and it's because it's so easy to drift past and go actually i don't you know i never thought about that and actually helps me ground into you know um being a bit more appreciative kind of thing so well, it's, it's the end of the week, right? And whether you, you skidded to the finish line or you blew past it or maybe you're not even at the finish line yet, still having that gratitude for somebody. It's Friday, my significant other. Yeah. Um, somebody just asking, somebody messaging me. Um, I think it was um, Kristen. She had mentioned the fact that I'm one of like the like kindest or like least well-known but known right members of the magic community. And for me... Yeah, yeah. It, and, and it felt so spot on because I always try to be someone who's almost in the background. And if someone yeah, yeah. comments or says they're looking for a card, I'll, I'll shoot them a DM and be like, hey, like what address can I send this to? Or if someone has a deck idea that they're <laughs> talking about in chat, hey, can I see that deck? And getting this actual, for me, I've always been interested in people. 
I've always loved hearing people's yeah. stories. I've always loved seeing people actually be passionate about things and that excitement and remembering, oh yeah, you were the person that had this deck. And oh, there is a girl in Vegas who I sat down who was like, can I play my rat's deck? And we we're like, sure. And she's like, okay, I have an altered commander of a pet rat. And all of my tokens are of all of like these pet rats that I had. And I was like, yeah. that's the coolest thing in the world. I was like, I'm Absolutely. not going to let a single one of your rats die. Like me and you, this is secret <laughs> like partners now. And it, again, I feel the same when we play Joel on um, uh, Enthrallment and he's got he, him and his dog as Parkin and Holdo. Like, oh, oh, yeah, Holden. Yeah. It's like, wow, I can't, I can't bring myself to kill the dog. Right. You feel so bad for it. And again, it's those, it's those personal connections. And when you see that person later and you're able to connect with them or talk to them about it or like, oh, this was the person I was telling you about. I was bragging about your deck. Um, I know like yeah. uh, Chef Nathan, um, Nathan Jones, he yeah. had like yeah. a hippo deck, a CEDH. And I was like, holy crap, he's playing hippo in CEDH. Like, what is this? And I geeked out. <laughs> That's so him. <laughs> yeah, well, and Lenny was playing a game with him. And I think Jim from the Spike Feeders was like, oh, like, that's the guy. And I was like, Lenny, that's the hippo deck. And Lenny's like, that's I, I know I'm playing against him. And I was like, oh, my God, like, Lenny lose. Yeah. Like, that, that's the hippo I, deck. I, I introduced Lenny as that, that that for many of his decks. That's the Urza's Gumball machine. Like, yep. this is the, the, the great Lenny. That's great. Oh, man. Um, so, I mean, are there any of those that you would say you're particularly known for? Do you have any of those like creations you're particularly proud of that like, or you put a bit of love into? I had that, um, have... that I was playing for a while, um, on a white gold loss deck and it ran like yeah. Stern Judge, Crusading Knight. <laughs> um, I love Stern Judge. <laughs> Karma, those kind of things. And uh, again, people see you playing gold loss and like roll their eyes and like, wait, why are you playing snow covered planes? And you're like, oh yeah, this is this deck. Oh, you'll see. Yeah, yeah, and, and so getting to Lenny's play that. got that Abzan one too. It's like uh, it's like they're they're the, they're the great exercises in that. Yeah, this is the the commander. It doesn't mean you have to do all the things. You can build it, you know, spice to taste or whatever. Yeah. Just do mono white. That's fine. And, and that deck, like obviously, it's not going to be that fast. I use hybrid mana cards if it has white and the casting cost. I yep. say I can use it because yep. I, I technically can, and that's kind of how it's. It's your restriction. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. and I'm playing five colors. I can do whatever I want in this one, and it's it's cool to see. And I don't like normally with that deck i don't think i've ever won i've gotten close a couple times it was cool mm. to see i played against like max and i think zach and maybe moo and they were all kind of like is joe gonna win and even me i was like am i gonna win <laughs> like is this actually gonna happen with the mono white golas and of course i didn't but still just having the story for that yeah play for the story you know like it's 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 one of the greatest like messages too it's like that's that's uh there's a few people who said it the same kind of way it's like um peter or, or joel uh being like it's you know, doing your thing that nothing brings greater joy, not necessarily winning. Winning's great, and I think it still needs to be part of, like, it's a, it's an element of the game, of course, but it's, you know, I you can't get happier than if you, like, you did your thing even if you lost, that's fine. And um, had that one last week where it's like, oh, 380 life total with Lathiel. Oh, all the, all the, pretty much all my dice on the board, I'm like, yeah, but I'm still in a vulnerable spot. And, and, exactly like someone top decked a uh, rogues passage and killed me with commander damage and it's like that's it happens and i was just i couldn't be happier that i did the weird thing or influence the game or you know your fractured identity to someone or something so um yeah i know um i was playing with my buddies a couple weeks ago and i was playing like um alibu who's the lore hold yep oh i'm keen for that deck very yeah. keen to make that deck actually so, and that yeah. one's super cool but i played i forgot what it was it was um like archaeomancer's map like i played it out 
I got yeah. some lands, and then I think they like uh, my buddy's like chaos warped it, and I was like, well, that's a jerk move. Like, are you gonna chaos? Warp it? <laughs> but so then I go and I flip, and I flip like triplicate titan, right? That nine nine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And for me, I was like, okay, I already won the game. I'm gonna die, but I won the game. Like, this is kind yeah, of over exactly. for me. But, like, you guys can scoop whenever you want. Like, this is it. You know, this is all I wanted to yeah. do out of this deck. I, I tend to like abilities like that too, that are, of course, uh, you know, you can be solving a problem, but there's the, the chance that it can turn into a bigger problem and that's fine. And, you know, in essence, that is Chaos Warp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, like, I play for Victor Sasmati a lot. And that, that's a fun one too. Oh, it's like, yeah. I don't care if you hit something bigger. That's, that's an even better story, you know, like, let's, let's completely like lean into that and have a bit of fun and even throw a lantern of insight and, and find out exactly what it's going to be before the fact, you know, but, um, yeah, well, and that's I, I like that. So, Oh, go for it. No, I was gonna say that's the thing too. Um, like back when you were playing in LGS or a coffee shop or whatever it is, right? And the, and the table reacts, and you're everyone screaming and yelling, or someone stands up and everyone turns over to look, like what's going on over at that table? Right? Yeah, yeah. And you just know everybody's having fun. Um, and again, there's yeah, it's not that that doesn't happen in different whatever metas or power levels or that kind of stuff. But I think at least for me, like that's kind of the heart of the game that I enjoy. Um, those are the kind of moments that I like trying to have with the kids that I teach magic. You know, that moment where they're like, I have to top deck this card and then they see it and it comes together and they're like, Mr. Joe, I beat you. I'm like, you did like, job, buddy. <laughs> you know, like that, that was really impressive kind of thing. And, and, and you see how excited yeah. they kind of get. And that too, it magic teaches us a lot. I think about our life uh, for perseverance, for holding on problem solving and, getting to have those little teachable moments where we're playing a game really uh, speaks yeah. a lot to it. Yeah. Playing to your outs. Exactly. And, and, you know, no, no, when to hold them, no one fold them, that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's so true. And it's something we've talked about a little bit that it's these, these lessons keep unfolding. And I always love to hear everyone's like different little perspectives. They're like, Oh, this one had a weird analog for life. Like, would you believe? And it's like, that sounds really corny and sappy, but no, it's true. It's like, it's, it's totally, it's changed the way I um I kind of perceive a lot of things in life and it's like how to not maximize value sometimes, but like how to kind of, you know, uh, assess situations, I think is, is another one like it going, well, here's your downside, here's your advantage. And depending on how I play this, you know, whatever, it's a very vague way of putting it, but um, yeah, no, love that to bits. Um, but no, that's, that's, it's kind of, You've touched on, uh, I think, three main categories I had listed there, like your, your EDH philosophies, the essence of, of why we play in it. And so that's the one, too. I always want to underline that completely and just go, hey, if there's something like one line to pull out of this, and it's it's that kind of thing where, you know, it's 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 play for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, remember that they're the best games. I think Coach Davey said it, too. Like the, the greatest games you remember playing, the best fun ones, the most memorable ones. Did you win? probably didn't matter like you probably don't even remember and that's the point like it's it's there it's not that's not for every kind of facet of edh we know that that's fine um but finding those kind of pockets of like especially like when you find you start to find a few people that that start to play a bit that way that you're you know you're all playing with the same understanding and, Mm -hmm. and almost for the same thing there's nothing better uh and you said before that it can definitely feel that way where people are speeding up a little bit the, the cards are getting objectively better. This is a, you know, a straight, why are you playing that card? Because this is a strictly better card. I hate that term. I really hate yeah. it. Um, and, you know, David was saying he plays Wanderer's Twig. It's like, exactly. I do now too because it reminds me of Davey. Yep. But um, it's, it's you know, there's there's actually, I found in a great way playing with a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and different people have different uh, kind of visions of the game and, and uh, experiences and, and flavors and stuff like that. And, and, you know, before you know it, you're finding people that go, oh, let's just play Pauper Commander or something. Let's, let's put these amazing restrictions on ourselves and have fun with it because we understand the best thing we want to do is probably come second. Like, <laughs> you know, we're not, it's, and that's fine. I'm happy to win the game and take it and, and gun for that. And because you still need that as an objective. But, you know, we're there for the experience. And like I say, before you know it, got people playing. Uh, I've seen some amazing decks lately that have been like pauper commanders. And that's a lot of fun because it, it kind of exposes yourself to a different layer of cards as well. Like appreciating all the little cards in Magic is, is something I've always wanted to do and try and find homes for them all. You know, won't be everything. But if you can find like if you find those little restrictions to put on yourself, you're like, oh, you end up making a deck where you're playing cards you never usually would. And that right. is so much fun. And, and so that's something too, like the Golos deck was like Stern Judge. Like how often are you going to see a Stern yeah. Judge in... Oh man, I play that card. Yeah. <laughs> I play it with Urborg and it's fantastic. Right. And, and so, you know, when you do get to see it and it comes out, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like I, I get it now. I see what you're doing. Like that's, that's kind of yeah. fun. Um, it doesn't feel as like terrifying. And I've done... Um, done some damage i've won i think at least one game with that deck but again it's, it's the uh fun of it it's the heart of it um like you yeah. were saying finding the different cards and that's that's always a hard thing too because sharing a, a deck feels like it's, it's so personal you know because again you have that's right cards that's right to talk about and sure maybe this one's better but i got this one signed this reminds me of this summer yeah. and friends and cracking packs and yeah. And, and so, this pre-release or something yeah exactly and like, so it's always yeah. like coming into somebody's house and being like why do you have these pictures on the wall and you're just taking them yes. off and it's like what are you <laughs> doing you would never do that in real <laughs> yeah. life but we do that a lot of times when somebody shares a deck and so if somebody's sharing it to yeah. say like hey can you make edits or like what do you think i would still almost uh encourage people to maybe bite your tongue a little bit ask more questions yeah. do, you, do you want upgrades what are you going for right again that communication piece that we always harp on before games but especially yeah. when discussing someone's deck, and I think too, we we joke or we say, "Oh, that these are really good cards, the chase cards or trash cards, that kind of stuff." But for someone, that trash card means a lot. It's not a trash. That's card, right. Right? There's there's something to it. I think there's a there's a great lesson there as well that I um I think about a lot. It's just like a lot of people are really incapable of putting themselves in someone else's shoes and going thinking about what they must feel like or, or trying to empathize a little bit and go, well. Uh, what must it be like when I'm berating their deck when going, mm-hmm. why are you playing this card? And it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, you, you assuming there's nothing, there's no significance to it, which there often is. And I've even felt those sensations too, maybe more as a, a newer player, but definitely like, you know, it, it, it has happened more recently where you're in a situation in a game and like you like go to play a card that's maybe not the best or something, or like you're not playing optimally. And for some reason your mind's like, oh, if I play this, are people going to not laugh at me, but go, why are you doing that? You know, and, and like that, that totally happens. And it's like, I, I shouldn't have to, you know, it's, it's like when you find yourself, you're stopping yourself from taking an action in the game based on like, you think you're worried about what people might say about it. Like it's it, nuts. And then I, I'll go for it. No. And, and it does. And it creates that hesitancy, it creates that yeah. um, not being sure about playing or feel bad. Yep. Or we're so focused again on like the mood that we're trying to create or how we're being perceived by the cards that we have that again, we're losing sight on the exciting factor. Um, I'm going to play hot soup, right? That's a, if yeah. I search up hot soup with the USS, you know, the Urza saga, that's, that's my choice. Sure. I might have a soul ring or a crypt. And of course those are going to be better. That's not what I want to do. And, and so for someone to be like, well, that wasn't the optimal play. Well, 
I who says I have to play optimally every time, right? Guess I'm playing yeah. with friends. I'm playing to have fun. I'm not playing to pub stop my friends all the time. That's right. And I, th- I think we got to that point a little bit with um, when we were talking to Nick last week about um, he was saying a lot of people came over from play EDH to Lexicon and uh, there's a bit of a, um, a kind of a fallout with a few people, but it had been on, it'd been more or less kind of happening with a bunch of people for a little while that, and that's their desired style and that's fine. And I think that's the way they wanted to curate it as well, especially with a lot of people there and, and, you know, make sure trying to put things into categories, but when it came down to really like you, you need to cut this card and you need to add this card. And it was completely, there wasn't, there was, it's was just objective and there was no like, oh, does it have any meaning kind of thing? So mm. no, it totally. And it's like that, that, that kind of, that side of EDH. Yeah. Like that's where for me, it'd just get really shallow really quickly. Like it's just like, no, nah, it's just not that interesting if you have to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just eh, like, it just runs out of steam and you know, there's, there's gotta be, an adventure of finding new things. Like we've still got 25, 30,000 cards to dig through and we can always find new ones each week that do weird and wonderful things. And maybe aren't the best, but they'll do something different. The more some things feel more optimized and to a certain kind of uh, level of, of, you know, objective strength, that kind of thing. Sometimes the weirder, older things are like cards are the, the ones that kind of throw things on a weird axis. And I, I think of cards like, uh, oh, what's the one? One where everyone reveals all their hands, like um, uh, Revelation, telepathy. Revelation's the one I mean, the mono green one, exactly. Yep. And then I was talking to Peter the other day, mono whitewater. I was like, and and, and talking about. Um, I was actually off the end of the auto tweet. He's like, I look for Urza's glasses with yep. uh, with Urza saga. I'm like, yeah, for for the swag and the uh, the also the just amazing like flavor win there. And I bought like I bought the card Urza's glasses the other day for twenty five cents. It was perfect. I'm like, there's going to be a time I might need this, you know. <laughs> like I'd play it in like a Zara Renegade deck or whatever, yeah. whatever her name is. Like the one that looks at like you know finds someone's hand and you know dumps creatures out of it. And it's like, why not? Just just see what's in their hand. Show me your secrets. And it's I think it's actually really cool. And again, like it's it's like wheels or something, you know. Sometimes some people's like, "Oh, dang it, that actually completely exposes all of my my line of play and everything of what I was going to do." And people then threat assess, <laughs> you know. Like, so I, I love those weird things that there's always opportunities to kind of throw the axis a little bit. And and there's so many of those old weird effects that we still a lot of us probably haven't discovered. And that's why the the game is infinitely. Uh, fun to excavate and find new things for sure well and something like revelation too i've played before and it's funny just to see how everyone reacts right maybe the player yeah. who was maybe being a bit spikier is kind of like oh no they're gonna be on to me more so you're like yeah buddy. Yeah, they like, can see what i'm doing exactly. yeah like I, we all know it's they're not feeling like a, they're not feeling like a mastermind anymore it's really funny and, and it's like oh, oh, oh i'm exposed are, you like took my pants off like <laughs> right and are they gonna try to spend removal then to remove this enchantment that's not really hurting them i mean and it's one mana and you're like that's the win like if you yep. do that someone removes the revelation you're like ha, i love it but there's that parts that <laughs> are like two um that have come out i mean especially like battle bond i thought was a really that the friend or foe mechanic, right? Um, just absolutely. To, like, yeah. Here, when somebody you can get a land, you um, you know microaggression earlier. You shuffled your deck a little too aggressively, so I'm going to destroy one of your things. But you can get a land too. Um, yeah, 
and just the politics of it or like the what is it blade griff prototype i think you like hit an opponent but then they get to pick something else that your opponent has to i've i've absolutely been loving that card more and more now mm-hmm. and i i think it, it usually gets rid of the thing that you need to get rid of which is what's quite effective about it but you it creates a conversation which is something we always absolutely love and, and promote but it's so interesting it's like ah this I, it may even be like, I need to hit this person and they've, they'll be like, yeah, that's fine. And I'll choose what it's going to be. Like, you know, that's the thing that needs to go. But I've loved that card more and more and more. But yeah, Battle Bond was such an interesting one that it was kind of just laden with those mechanics too that open up for a bit of conversation. And the the friend or foe ones are always interesting. There's like, are you, it's, it feels like the, the you know, the the school ground at, at, play, at, at what do you call it, like recess or whatever. Yep. And people are picking teams for basketball or something. It's like, you're my friend, you're my foe. And it's like those kind of conversations that early on become little like, not blood feuds, but they start things up, you know, which is very, very interesting. It's like, oh, you're my, you're my foe, are you? Like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I always love that. Yeah, and it, it does make the games uh, more interesting, fun. Uh, it kind of changes it up. I mean, you could have the friend with the uh, foe mechanic a whole bunch and, and use different things at different times, depending on land uh one of my favorites is like scheming symmetry i love scheming yeah, symmetry yeah and everyone i'm scheming symmetry they go and get a land a basic land and they put it on top because they think i'm gonna like gaunty them or something and i'm like no mm. like go get your big crazy thing don't get a basic <laughs> land if if they do that if they do that then you've absolutely won and you've got demonic shooter for you know one yeah. minute, which is amazing yeah and it, again it's just like ah oh, this is this is a strange choice for me like what am i gonna do with this like what are they trying to do to me exactly well, and, and, and i'm gonna play that a bit more well no and, and people get kind of freaked out by that one same thing with like who was in Kaldan Varagoth, who they could attack and then you, yeah, you get yeah. to just tutor it again and those kind of cards are like this is crazy like you have to take some damage but then you're like do they have hatred mana open can they like five me and then just empty out their whole <laughs> life on that one um <laughs> exactly and and those kind of plays too getting people to stop or when you're actually helping someone else because a lot of times it's like it's your deck um you should i mean kind of know how to play it navigate it that kind of thing but then when somebody helps you out it's like well this doesn't feel like this should be happening like why are you helping me like what do you what do you want from me? But the politics, the part of the game, mm-hmm. again, uh, having those conversations, seeing how people act and react to different things is always kind of fun. And I think people learn too, like, oh, okay, I can kind of trust Joe sometimes. He might give me a deal, <laughs> but I might get shafted at some point on this one. Yeah, exactly. And and another one I kind of called out from uh, Battle One before it was was um, the sometimes a duality in things where they're just like objectively quite good and powerful like the bramble sovereign but it has that like extra little hidden mode that it's like you can totally just you know help a friend out and throw two mana at it and go well if you use this you know i can double up your terastodon if you really want no stress like and, and we can have that conversation uh all i need to do is put two mana into it but it doesn't make it any less of a you know great card for me mm-hmm. same with like i mean jeweler's heritage is that for me it's just like the the thumbs up or thumbs down if you're going to promote someone to give it double strike i i always enjoy that it's it's always a, a really really interesting one I, sure. I know for my play group a card that uh and i picked this one up from max um back but like council's judgment like <laughs> playing council's judgment yeah, yeah okay we're gonna stop and everyone like every time i think the last uh two weeks ago when i played it uh i played it and my friend michael he's like what's that and i just thought i was like you know what it is um yeah, and like that's exactly. all i needed to say and but they've wised up on oh, okay we're voting well i don't want it's two of my things so 
But even some people, one of my friends, he was like, well, I don't want you to pick one of mine. I was like, I'm not going to. He's like, I don't trust you. And I was like, okay. Well, <laughs> I was like, You're, you have to vote before me. He's like, don't pick my thing. I was like, okay, I won't. Yeah. But then he still picked his own thing. I was like, what are you doing? Like how, like <laughs> such a psych job on him for that one that it freaked him out. Um, but again, yeah. the, the story yeah. on that. Yeah, it becomes a game like Werewolf or something. Like, yeah. You know, there's, there's just this weird little social interaction. You're like, oh, they're, they're trying to edge you out a little bit. And you're like, no, I was just being, I was just playing it. Like, <laughs> so I was being quite direct with my intentions, but you're like, you're trying to like 4D mind game it and like, oh, actually, and then go, oh, no, that's not what happened at all. And and same with like things like, uh, what was the, what was the wheel? The, um, the crazy wheel that came out of Commander Legends. The wheel of misfortune. Uh, I love that. Yep. And I love that, like, everyone just scrambling to figure out how to, like, what number to vote and everything. It's just so much fun. And, I, um, I texted Max and Zach on that one. I was like, okay, explain this to me. And they were like, okay, yeah. this, this is how. And I'm like, What's the optimal number? <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I said again. I was like, okay, explain it to me again. And then a week later, I texted them. I was like, hey, what's you guys' favorite number? And Max is like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to note this. And, and yeah, exactly. I was like, just, just figuring it out, you know, just wanting to know stuff about my friends. That's all. Exactly. Well, he's hoping, um, I mean, we can get to uh, you, you especially, like, you know, getting to hang out with those guys again sounds like a, an amazing thing and heard some great stories. But, um, you know, I, I just implore you to play a goblin game when you get to hang out with those guys again. And um, is it goblin game, the one where you grab the objects? Yeah, it is. Yep. It is. Big, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, because we we name a segment on um, on Thunder from Down Under with MTG Lexicon, a Goblin game. We just grab stuff off our desk and talk about it, and it's that's one of the funniest like stories I remember playing Magic and, and Commander when I first started playing. Was this um, friend Yuji had a uh, bit not a full chaos deck, but it had just had some wacky elements to it, and this was years ago. So we've since seen a few more of these effects, and this one was just whatever was kind of operating in twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. And he played Goblin Game, and you're just like, wait, what? How's that a magic card? Yeah, I <laughs> and it's like you have ten, you have ten seconds, and we all ran around the room with books and everything, and like throw them on the table. It's like, what's the optimal number? I don't know. I don't have time. I don't have time to think. Ah, you end up losing half your life, and it's 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 so much fun. When those ones again, like getting the table into it. Uh, now I'm not saying to play. Some- other like chaos stuff where no one can yeah all the silver board of things right you know the ones like almost like grind the games to a halt um I yes yeah, the yeah last time i played with brando i was like hey i put this card into my deck because i thought of you and it was illicit auction and brando was like oh you dirtbag <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Um, I but, need to see this card now. And this is, I could talk to you and just like um, pick great cards from you for all day. Like it's the best. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. It's got yep. the elephant on the thing. Choose target creature. Oh, hold on. Wait, three red, red. Sorcery. Choose target creature. Each player may bid, li- oh, yeah, bid life for control of that creature. You begin the bidding with a higher bid of zero. Proceeding in turn order, each player may tap the bid. The auction <laughs> ends when the high bid stands. <laughs> <laughs> the high bid loses and the amount of life equals the high bid and gains control of the creature. It's 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 mind control sorcery, but like you have to bid and it's amazing. And yep. you know, everyone definitely gets into it. That's like Mage's contest, right? Like oh, yeah. Yeah, bidding. <laughs> Mage's <laughs> contest is well. another one that I have that I'm like, I need to buy a play set of these. I don't have four red decks, <laughs> but I need a play set of these. But yeah. Red bid life cards is just yeah, a good, good time. But um I mean, we'll get into, I mean, what is your, like, the pet of pet cards? Because I'm sure there is one. But, like, any other off the top of your head that, like, you do love to play? Because I know you've got multiple. Um, that do something interesting that people aren't perhaps playing? 
And for me, um, I always get excited about a cart, and then I'll share it with my friends, and they're like, "That doesn't do what you want it to do." But that was like a yeah, good idea. no, you're like, "Dang it!" And you're like, oh man, you're like, I-, I don't want to tell you I bought a playset of these because I thought I figured something out. Like I should talk to you guys first, probably. My bad. Um, yeah, one that I thought was really cool, just the art for it. Um, you know, it was like Grow Spiral. I thought Grow Spiral was cool. Um, getting to play mm. a land, draw a card. Um, the uh, Japanese art that had just came out for it, I thought was really beautiful. That's too. nice. That's super nice. And it's, I mean, a simple, right? In, in um, Quandrix, right? Simic colors, uh, you know, drawing a card, playing a land, super simple. Um, one of the cards that I really wanted to work with was Rayami, Last of the Fallen. Um, that was the. Yeah, me too. Me too. Really... It's like, okay, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted it to work, and I'm like, cool, a Soul Tie Vampire. And I think uh, Lenny's husband, Steven, he played it and won a game with it, but I've never gotten that one to work. But I was like, longingly look at it, you know, like the Wolverine meme yeah. kind of thing. Like, <laughs> that's, I always like, I wish I could make you work. Like, how me and you yeah. can't be together. We're not good for each other. Oh man, we, there is there is like a pile of those, like, and they just like in this. I don't even know what to call it, like a. A, probably a hallway of like you know of, of possibility and hope and it's like the commanders i'm like i'm gonna get to you one day and it's gonna work and it's it's gonna be amazing and skeleton ship was on that list for the longest time for me and I, i've built two reiterations of it my second one is my favorite it's ridiculous and i think people start to recognize that's what i love to play but there's uh what was it um the tree sap uh sapling of colfinor is yep. one of those that it's like it's good but it does something but i want it to do really interesting stuff and i just think it's really cool i just think they're neat um but yeah ray army was totally there there's a few other commanders that are always there the one i might task you with this is pretty freaking wild uh iname is one the okay. golgari one that's like 12 mana and you, it does a thing based on if you play it from your hand. So there's already like a really ridiculous hurdle, but it's just cool. Like <laughs> it's just so massive. It's like this big neon Genesis Evangelion looking spirit angel thing. Um, that's an eight, eight for 12 mana. And you're like, wow, <laughs> just wow. So I want to make that happen one day, but I don't know. Well, we'll, you have to do some tricky stuff, I guess. And I think, too, I mean, a lot of people I know, like, see, seeing some of the dragons and stuff, they're like, oh, what well, costs too much? You're bringing it out. Yeah. Um, one of the decks that I think is really cool is Max. He has his Dramoka deck, and I think Dramoka's, like, six mm. or seven. But he doesn't, like, immediately throw out Dramoka. I mean, he, he yeah, has exactly. his game plan. And I think, too, um, you know, your commander can be, like, the central theme, or it can kind of also be a side theme and sort of support it. That's right. Um and so it really kind of depends on, on what the commander's doing or what you really want to do with it. Um, one of the cards that I do like was Hoodwink. Um, it's one in a blue. It's an instant return target artifact enchantment or land to its owner's hand. Ooh. And that one's a just, good on summon. Right. Just kind of here you go. We'll, we'll put that back in your hand. Uh, obviously, you can play it again later, but now we kind of know this thing. And look, I, I sort of dealt with the problem right now, right? Yeah, exactly. And like the land is really interesting too because it's like I mean, there's a possibility to really slow someone down if they go into the town. But um, yeah, that's that's amazing. Love well, especially Hoodwink. too if you're and, um, getting them to take back to their hand one of their like flip Ixalan lands, right? Now yes, they have to go through exactly. that process again. And those things are really powerful. I mean, people are saying, oh, I can't afford a guy's cradle. Getting the Itlamot Cradle of the Sun is as close as you're probably going to get to having something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think as, as we talk about things being objectively, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some things increasing in power, that kind of thing too, it does go back to that 
I love uh, talking to to J Row, aka Unsummon Skull, about like just loves good unsummons, and <laughs> sometimes a good unsummon is just like the 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 scalpel you need, the surgical answer to something, and it's it's amazing how a a well timed unsummon can change the the absolute fate of a game. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like switching off an effect at a really critical moment or something like hitting their enchantment, that it is like something that actually was affecting all their creatures and then all the whole story changes that kind of thing but sometimes there's the one two mana things that like return a non-name permanent you know sometimes mm-hmm. psych rifting for for two mana that some sometimes is what you need to do but i think always looking at it's not doesn't seem like the most powerful effect to bounce something but it's the one that's the most situationally important sometimes and and is always kind of i don't know i just love on summoning i think it's a it's an amazing effect well, this, and, especially um, for anything that, I mean, has, uh, like you're saying, abilities. Um, something that I've noticed now, mm. it seems like a lot of cards have triggered abilities, activated abilities. I mean, if you have any kind of, like, Tail's End, any kind of, like, Stifles that can try to stop yeah. that stuff. I mean, especially the, the Yaroks. I mean, the, um, uh, who was it? Tasa Karlov, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah. That are That's just right. having these effects. And so those kind of things almost seem to be really important to have, being able to stop or slow down um, something that somebody else is doing. Just because, again, once that engine starts going, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I dismantle it or how do I slow it down or get it to at least stop? Yeah. You know? And that definitely adds to the drama too. If it's mm-hmm. not like they're, they're, they're delicate dancing kind of maneuvers rather than absolute ones. I mean, yeah, board wipes and everything need to happen and like big hard resets, but... If someone's like charging ahead with the game and you manage to dismantle something with basically just unscrewing one of their wheels like mm-hmm. that and like you knew where to hit it, that's something really satisfying about that and amazing. So, and that, that kind of thinking part of the game. So yeah, play well, the unsummons kids for sure. Yeah. And, and that's a fun thing too, to kind of sit, you know, before anything happens and oh, okay, what's the big threat at the table? What are we trying to look at? Yeah. What's going to be the problem? Cause then we can kind of, okay, let's, let's talk about what's bothering us. You know? And that's where you can do the yeah. politics too of like, well, this isn't hurting me, but it's hurting you, but I can deal with this for you, but what are you going to do for me? Um, yeah. And and those politics are kind of what you want to see. And then when two people are having that conversation, the other two people normally are sitting there like, well, hey, like I'm, I want to be a part of this. I'm being left out or I'm being targeted. Um, yeah. It just gets <laughs> or it's like, I, I'm glad that no one's realizing that I'm actually the most threatening you know, have have the most potential to do something crazy and they're like worrying about something that's a little bit, you know, it's more like immediately annoying, but like the the possibility on someone else's board is something people are overlooking, which is a position I know a lot of people want to be in. It's like, that's oh, good. It's good. I don't want, I don't want the spotlight on me. <laughs> it's fine. Well, it's something too, trying to tell people, well, hold on, hold on. Like you, we have to go in turn order, right? You have to respond to that. Cause I think a lot of times we immediately jump in. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to counter that. And it's like, well, hold on. Like it's still on the stack. We shortcut a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Let, let other people respond. Cause now I know you have a counter spell. So I'm not going to play mine. You already said you're going to play yeah. it. You, you <laughs> jumped the gun. Exactly. You played your hand. You were too worried about it right so having that poker face trying to keep it cool you know yeah exactly and that's that's, that was a great lesson i learned too that like don't always show you're the one with the the answer to Mm -hmm. to stop things because that's a resource you know like and this is like yeah to to an end of you know winning a game or like you know what's the objective there like being the best at the game potentially but like it all kind of melds into one that that is a concept of course but like yeah it's it's Sometimes you can afford to go, well, anyone got an answer? And you may not actually express that you have the answer, but someone actually may 
jump the gun a little bit and and burn up their resources trying to uh trying to kind of get rid of something and that's that's a real net advantage for you it's like mm-hmm. that's fine good i didn't have to worry about getting rid of it myself someone else had the option the uh the answer and and that is that was always like started to uh kind of click with me and go oh that's actually a really effective way to kind of keep in a game especially in the colors that don't have as many you know, resources, so to speak. It's like, cool, if we can, like, get someone else to deal with it, that's an absolute win. But, you know, I can if I need to, but, like, you know, wait for it to affect me or something. And that was something I was in a game with um, Joe and Chris Von Doom and Brando. And, like, I was I was getting yeah. ready to die, and it was basically kind of between Brando and Joe. Brando was playing um, the snake uh, Coma, and Joe was playing the yeah. Warble Dragon. And Chris was doing like aristocrat stuff, and I was just happy to be there, right? And um, yeah. Joe tried to kill Brando with um, a Boros charm because Brando was just, I think, at like four life, and Brando countered it. And then so it's my turn, and I draw, and I draw the Boros charm. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. Like, and I told Brando, I was like, <laughs> I, I know what I need to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And uh, yeah. Brando was like, okay. And everyone else kind of like chuckles. And I was like, well, I'm going to pass my turn. And Brando was like, all right, well, I'm going to win now. And I was like, okay, on your upkeep. And then I played it and like everyone just erupts. And of course, like, <laughs> I'm not going to win, but killing Brando that way, um, again, makes makes for fun games. I didn't have to, um, you know, immediately play it when Joe had played it. I didn't even have it at that point. But again, trying to find your different outs and uh, being like, well, do I want to be the first one out or the last one? Um, and, and for that, for me, it was like, well, it was a story, right? I get to say that I dirtbagged yeah, Brando, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, that would be something I'd do with Reigns of Power, a uh, a card I've I've absolutely adored playing now. It's like there's there's such an elegance to when you can play it. You're like, oh, I could do it right now. But, like, let's see what happens. And uh, I can have that answer. So yeah. And I know sometimes people get mad when maybe somebody like um, – you know, they're, they're not in the game and then the insurrection and they happen to win. I think that's why maybe if someone's behind on land, you still try to poke at them a little bit, you know? Because that, that, <laughs> Get him in a company spot. Yeah, just because that person, uh, if they're sitting at three, four lands and it's turn eight, but they still have all your life, you're like, uh, I'm kind of starting to get out of answers. I think you might be able to pull this one out, you know? Yeah, that's right. And I, I don't think there's ever any point in going, oh, you know, you've started a feud, like hitting me for two life at, you know, and uh, in... in, in you know, turn three or something like people get upset at that. It's like, no, it's, it's all part of the game. I think that, that two mate, that two life may become very important at the end of the game. So let's, let's just get in there. So it does. It. And people um, seem to like pass so much on um, combat and the combat step. I yeah. mean, even looking around. And so I think a lot of those like disrupt decorum, any kind of goad mechanics that you yeah, have, yeah. even the uh, newest, like the sly instigator, which I think commander social is like, Oh, that's Joe. Um, and just, just the ability to <laughs> I goof. love that one. That one's yeah. sweet. And it's it's yeah, a redhead, yeah. so, right? It's a ginger. So yeah. But any any kind yeah. of thing like that, because if you're able to goad an Urza, if you're able to goad this piece who's almost just a machine, but they're not really going to attack with it, that's a way of solving it. Yeah. Uh, that's right. And, that's right. And, and taking, I think go- goading's super fun. Well, and it, it forces the issue. And even that combat step, sometimes you just don't see that as much. It seems like we're trying to get as quick as we can to whatever combo machine that we have, and then. We're done kind of thing. But um, so mm. the goad mechanic, the, the forced combats, um, switching boards, the illicit auctions. Um, I will say one of my like probably favorite pet cards, I text my friend Cable about this card once a week that I'm like, this card is just so awesome, is uh, Embodiment of Agonies. It's a one black black from Corset 2020. It's a demon. It has flying and death touch, 
and it says embodiment of agonies enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each different mana cost among non-land oh, cards yeah. in your graveyard and that to me yeah, I'm like, and- if i play it early if i play it late like this just feels like a cool demon for me yeah and it's cheap it's lean and it comes in with beef generally like mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a nice one uh and it's 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 it attack it uh it protect it's um i said the way the wrong way around i just noticed <laughs> it's got two faces in its chest yeah three faces that's freaking terrifying yeah oh my it's 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 like voldemort chest i should i shouldn't have said that um but yeah that's <laughs> yes. oh, wow wow that's a time yeah all right i this is what i love about this too that hearing about the the cards that people enjoy playing and like mm-hmm. you know what they mean to them generally become a great reason to like just chuck this in a deck and like give it a go and then i think about that person each time oh yeah that was that was like say joe's card or davy's card and like mm-hmm. i do that a bit but i have an embodiment of agonies i think a promo copy actually doing absolutely stone nothing so that needs to go in a deck and for Love me it. for a lot of times for cards if there's a certain card that makes me think of a friend i'll ask them like hey um can you if i were to buy that card and send it to you could you sign it and like send it to yeah you? and my friend's like you want me to sign this card and i'm like yeah i want you to sign on the front i want you yes. to sign over the art and they're like no way man i'm like i want you to get like a gold sharpie like just whatever yep. pretentious color you want and i want you to sign that yep. for everyone to see because like you were saying it makes you think of that person <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a little signature thing, and like we can all have our little signature spell books. Like Chesh, I want you, I want you to um to text her up, uh, text her up a um a, a approach of the second sun, and I'll play the crap out of it. <laughs> gold, gold sharpie, everything, please, mm, like just baby. yeah, draw whatever you want on it. Like, but yeah, I know that's that's your favorite win con, like, and I know but you've if got you want me to draw like a giant dick on it. You'll still I play. knew you would say <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all we know. I don't know. It's the funny thing. I uh, I thought that was maybe just an Australian thing or like just boys growing up, but just just drawing no, phallic. It's an everyone thing. Yeah. Well, when I saw Superbad, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like everywhere. That's just what yeah. <laughs> males grow up and they do that. Dicks um, were made for drawing because it's uh, yeah. so easy. And and then like you drive, I drive on the freeway and you see them on you know billboards and stuff. Like, <laughs> what what do I do with this massive canvas? I don't know what else to do but to draw a massive phallus. Like it's just yeah. Um, so I do have, uh, I am a therapist. I do have my DSM-5 here. I can uh, diagnose, if you maybe give me a little more information to go off of. We can do this just yeah. live, right? Like- <laughs> exactly, exactly. So how are you feeling about, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. But um, well, what we might do, we might delve a bit into uh, a bit more of, of of kind of you know that's that's a ton of magic, but um, a bit more of the person that is Joe, and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of uh, hear hear more of your influences and that kind of thing. But um, before I jump into that, there are our dreaded gauntlet of questions that we <laughs> love to throw at people. Um, I had one last little point though. How do you feel? I mean, maybe personally, but maybe also like as as a product, as a business, all that stuff. And as a community, the future of the game, like, do you have any thoughts or feelings or even like kind of concerns about it, like moving forward or like, how are you feeling about it all, Joe? Um, I, I think that something like Arena was cool to see because it was able to get us online. to I don't think Arena is healthy for people. I don't think climbing the ladder, um, I've seen the emotional toll it's taken on friends, meat trying to play it um you know i've seen the fact that you don't own the cards right and so you know there's a different format and you get the wild cards but even people pouring 200 300 dollars just buying cards cracking packs trying to get all the mythics um the state of online play 
as far as like arena on our phones, that kind of stuff, it does concern me. Um, again, from just mm. a, a mental health side point, I don't feel like it's important to, or it, it's healthy to chase that as much as some people do. I think it's important to know when to say when, uh, when to focus yeah. on other hobbies and things. Now the state of like tabletop play um, seems to be growing uh, as far as, I mean, just looking at commander, which is primarily just what I play. It, it does seem like it's growing. There are a lot more products. Um, you do see people mm. playing um, basketball, football players. Like we were talking about post Malone, you see more people getting into yeah. it. And something that I always find interesting though, and it's, I think to each person different, it's hard sometimes to see the thing that you maybe got picked on and bullied for when you were younger become mainstream. Mm. Um, mm. And, and that that can be kind of a hard thing. I, I know reading comic books, right? Watching anime. Yeah, I was about to say that. A, yeah, a lot Ch- of these... Chesh has a lot of he's talked about with that too. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, now that's cool. Now it's cool. Now it's like, whoa, shit. And, and it's know. it's weird to see the guy right that like bullied you in middle school taking his kids yeah. to see the Avengers movies. <laughs> You're like, this just feels backwards. And and I don't know. For me, again, like I, I have a therapist. So I'll go and talk to my therapist. Shout out to David, right? But um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of weird to to go through that or have to process that. And I'm glad people can share in that. And I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that this is a hobby that people have, but I want people to know too that you can't make this your everything. You can't put magic on a pedestal. Yeah. You can't expect it to to solve all your things. It's a great outlet. It's a great way to meet people, but you also have to know when to take breaks and whether that's selling that's your right. collection, whether that's maybe just taking time away from the game, uh, maybe realizing that this isn't a good place for me to be in right now. And I think what yeah. scared me the most last year in doing that when I wanted to step away was being afraid I was going to lose my friends, right? Lose that community yeah. piece. And so I think knowing for us, you can have those friends and continue to maintain that and the community can continue to grow, but connecting and stuff with your friends through magic about things outside of magic, I think is going to be really mm. important for the format and for the people who are involved in the format. Because if, I mean, your friends are only grinding the ladder on arena and, and you just get burned out on that, but you can't connect with them on anything else. Well, you just had two major losses right? Your friends and this hobby and this thing you were doing. So that for me, I think magic's growing. It's, it's into different areas. It's cool, but there are a few things that I do feel kind of maybe worried or hesitant about. Yeah, true, true. And I, I think, yeah, bang on that. It's definitely my uh, experience in arena for a while. It's like I, I f- it was giving me a fix, but it was like a fix that was something missing. I know that, but like you, you continue to chase it. And when it finally came out for Mac, it took me like a year or something and then like, or two. And it's like, finally I get to it and played two months solid of it. I was like, whoa, I'm walking away from like play sessions of this, not very happy. Like I just like, there's something lacking yet. You're kind of willing to just jump back on the grind and try and keep searching for that in a weird way. And you're like, you have to, it's that moment of like reflection and go, you have to examine like, what am I getting out of this? And like, is it going to be there? Like, where's the where's the EV there of my time, really? So, mm-hmm. um, no, definitely, definitely. But um, no, I love that to bits. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the the best way to kind of slot over into um, kind of continuing to talk about more of the uh, the things that make up your fascinating self, Joe. Uh, and I know I'm, I'm personally just I, I love hearing your insights on on you know. I feel like you being a therapist and that, that mm-hmm. kind of like mind mindset of things to go, well, you know, taking a step back and, and, and realizing what it all means and how that links into magic, which is almost like one of the original mission statements of 
this podcast in a weird way, the way I like to look at things. Like, what does it all mean and how many perspectives can we get to try and, like, not ever solve that puzzle because it's going to be continual, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, add valuable, valuable insight to it. So, um, again, just massive thank you for, you know, adding those to the to the plate and like give me more things to think about and hopefully everyone else as well about like the way they approach the game and hopefully maximizing what you get out of it because you know if we can we, we can't sit back and have some fun with it like why are we doing that kind of thing so yeah exactly well, and i think when you can sit back and have fun with it what um plug into something else find cooking find reading find whatever yeah. else that other thing may be and and find that other passion that joy that you have and then if you do decide to come back maybe reflect on why what why do i play yeah. magic you know um what's yeah. what's my purpose there what do i want to get out of it yeah some great advice i once got was annex your ego when i was kind of putting a lot of intensity and and expectation on what was going on in my job and my career and uh whereas i was kind of hitting a dead end with a, f- a few things and wondering why nothing was changing and it's like well there's contrast and um, clarity to be gained from you know, and perspective from all the other things you can put, find meaning and gra- like gratification in and, and they all help. And, and the more you can diversify those, it's, um, you know, it, it's valuable, valuable perspective. But as I say, it's like, I, I would find it, ve- I find it very hard to put all of my stock and in, in who I am and everything into a, a, a game that is fundamentally run by a company that's trying to make a lot of money. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm hesitant about it, you know, like I think we, we influence a lot as a community, but like there's still a lot that's just served up from the mothership and we, there's going to, there might come a point where there's nothing we can do about that and the way it changes and that's fine. So, um, yeah, I mean, to a point, I guess, but. And I know for me, um, so I, you had kind of mentioned before that, you know, I trail run. Um, and so I, I do some trail running. I've done marathons. I'm getting ready to run. It's a hundred K race. Um, so it's a 63 yeah, miles. Yeah in Arizona, wow. right? Um, you know, just a, <laughs> a casual 63 mile run, you know, like it's nothing. Um, cause it's my cause a red roll. <laughs> right. Um, but for me focusing again and, and kind of drawing that comparison to magic when I was in high school, yeah. I was running, um, track and cross country. I ran and ran and ran because I felt like running track and cross country is going to be my out. That's how I'm going yeah, to go yeah. to college university. That's how I'm going to, I'll get scholarships. And I didn't allow myself to rest. And I started to focus on this thing that was really freeing for me and that was relaxing. And it caused me to overtrain to the point that there was a race that I had where I kind of like tweaked my hip um, the week before. And so this is when I lived in England um, and we would travel to different countries in Europe. So we'd get on this giant tour bus and drive 16 hours to Germany or uh, Belgium or wherever it may be. And so, you know, told my coach I still wanted to go to the meet. And we show up and I pop some Tylenol before I ran, but I noticed it just didn't feel like I was running the way I would. And then I noticed mm. that this kid who had a mullet passed me and not that this kid <laughs> with a mullet wouldn't normally pass me. or Freaking Australian. <laughs> right. Or people with mullets, you know, that they're not fast or anything. But for me, I was like, yeah, I, yeah. I know that I would normally be <laughs> this mullet kid. And I realized too, that I wasn't even running anymore. I was almost doing yeah. this like hobbling where I'm like dragging my leg and, I, I finished the race, but I had to have people help me onto the bus. And it was actually the point where when we drove back, um, you know, and I had to get checked out of the hospital. They said that, you know, I had, I had like really damaged uh, a lot of the muscles that were in my hip. They were strained. A lot of them Crap. were um, tearing. I had to be on crutches, go through physical therapy, a lot of this stuff. 
And it was because, again, I got so focused, so tunnel vision on this one thing that I removed the joy from it. I removed that yeah. excitement, um, you know, what it was, because for me, it had to be something, right? And almost monetized it in a lot of yeah. ways. And I think that's kind of a dangerous place to be in sometimes where we monetize our hobbies and our passions. Yeah, exactly. You always got to have fun, for sure. Um no, I love it. All right. Well, that that kind of slots over to. Um, I mean, there's a bit of trail running there. There's there's, there's been therapists and 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 other great things to come, which I'm excited about. The other one. Oh, before we get into guest profile questions, did you say something about going to the skate park before? Are you a skater? I um. So I have skated, like skateboarded off and on, uh, a little bit when I was like younger, middle school, that kind of stuff, and high school. I did it yep. for a bit. Uh, and then it was hard for me because, I mean, like you biff it if you skate. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be biffing it. And then I have to run track, right? So our coaches would get really mm-hmm. protective of us doing any kind of other activities. Um, so I, I dropped skateboarding. I do take some kids to skate parks now because um, I do work in the nice. community. So I'll take them and yeah. I'll, I'll drop in and that kind of stuff. And they're always shocked to see me. And now I have to go into <laughs> some some different communities. Um, I always call them, with just uh, use the term an underserved community. And um, yep. so you see this guy dressed like a third grade teacher, right? Dropping in uh, and just all the yeah. kids and everyone else there, right? There's heads kind of turning and these <laughs> kids are so shocked. Like, Mr. Joe, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, like, of course. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think I am? I can do stunts. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and yeah, hips changed that though. And I completely relate to that. And I, um, I had hip surgery and I was like, a lot of this is wear and tear from skating growing up and it's not good. <laughs> it's like, and so I'm not surprised when they're like, oh, you probably shouldn't be skateboarding whilst running. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things that I still think there's a lot of like pro skaters and stuff. And be like, oh, your body's going to be wrecked for life. Like the, the trauma you, especially like when you start to take skating to a certain level, like you, you mm-hmm. put your body under and that was actually, and that was a weird thing I always have with, with skateboarding that it was almost early on. Yeah. I wanted to do something with it and be really good at it. Um, mm-hmm. But that kind of faded a bit in a way you get, you, you kind of taper that expectation, which is good. But I, what I realized years later, like skateboarding is that thing that I'm trying to, you know, I try and find other things that can fill that gap, but it was that thing where it's the little wins that it's like, it's conquering little fears in yourself and going, mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm scared of grinding this rail or like, you know, dropping in this vert ramp or something. And it's like you, when you push yourself through it, it is that, that um, it's a cathartic thing where you're like, I conquered the, the part of me that didn't want to do it. Uh, and, and that part that doesn't, want you to do it doesn't serve you either because if you don't commit to whatever this thing is you're usually getting more hurt than anything and it's like i always found that so amazingly like thrilling when you mm-hmm. actually pull that off it's terrifying and then it's it's thrilling and something i try and echo and try and find other ways to do in life which is like you scare yourself a little bit but you ultimately you you challenge you bash through that barrier a little bit you know like not recklessly per se but I think skating always had that. And then more than anything else, skating had a community kind of culture that was mm-hmm. supportive in a way I like to look at EDH, hopefully, you know, usually. And in a way, I'd play a little bit of basketball in my early 20s that trying to look for, I play it still now, but tried to take it more seriously. And I met a lot of the people in these representative clubs were completely about themselves. And um, in a, in an ironic way that this is a team sport and all the people in basketball about themselves, I'm like, oh, wait a second. The best team cultures I ever met were in surfing and skateboarding mm-hmm. about sports that are about yourselves. And like, I learned a lot there. Like, ah, oh, that's kind of, in a way, I like to see the best days of EDH and, you know, magic community to be kind of thing where it's like, no, you're doing this for your, you know, 
Well, it's, it's everyone's enjoyment, really, but like everyone's like a single player and that kind of thing, which those, is an interesting way to put it. And it is for some of those activities where, I mean, for football, right? It's a whole team, um, you know, yeah. right? soccer, right? American football or, or soccer, um, you know, it's it's a, a team kind of thing. But when you look at something like a um, surfing, like a skateboarding, even a running, right? Maybe mm. it's like a team sport, but it's also very individual. It's also, that's right. That's right. A you. And I think kind of what you were discussing, too, is as far as going for that and finding that uh, line that you kind of ride. I think I'd mentioned this to you before. I mean, it's going back again to that story. And if what you choose to do with your life doesn't make a story interesting, it's not going to make a life interesting. Nobody talks yeah. and, and waxes poetic at the uh, the cooler right about how they stayed at home and read a book right but you talked about how you <laughs> you, you rode the rail right you, you jumped whatever it might have been i ran some 13 20 miles you know those those are the stories that we tell because um, there's that element yeah. of danger and there's the chance that maybe we do fail at it yeah yeah exactly exactly but it's um i mean yeah and you'll you'll say too but like physical kind of activity does you know where possible have a massive impact on, on mental health and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, I definitely noticed that when I kind of got out a lot less last year, I'm like, oh, wow. You start going, why am I not feeling the greatest? And it's like, well, X, Y, Z, you know, like you're kind of limiting yourself what you can do. You're kind of not finding the reasons to jump out and go back on the basketball court with your friends because they're not there. Um, you're kind of getting a bit too old to skate, um, that kind of thing. But uh, we better get into these guest profile questions anyway. Oh, yeah. Because we, right. we've, we've been dancing around them, but I, I enjoy the conversation so much, Joe. But um, they'll continue and let these go wherever they need to anyway. But Okay. Uh, Chesh has his cursor over this one. I know he loves asking it, but um, let's ask the the first one to, to run through, Joe, the barometer of what kind of person you are, of course, because it matters. It doesn't matter. Um, Chesh, what's the question? Pineapple on pizza. Thoughts? <laughs> okay. Pineapple on pizza. There was a pizza place. Well, I went to college in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I was going to say you guys have flown over it. You probably haven't flown over it, but Nebraska is typically known as just like a flyover state. Um, if there's anyone listening to this from Nebraska, I'm sorry, but true. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a pizza place that we would go to, and they had like karaoke, but it was a pizza that had um, pineapple on it, and it had cream cheese. And it had ham and it had um, some peppers and onions on it. And that pizza is like the pinnacle for pizza to me. Well, it's close to the pinnacle. I've had pizza in Italy. Was it called a hot mess? It (laughs) wasn't called it. But it wasn't cream cheese. Like the whole thing was cream cheese. There was like dollops of cream cheese in it, right? But there's still pineapple and, and everything in there that you got. All the different flavors were there. And like I said, it's like. That pizza for America is the pinnacle, but like I said, I also had pizza in Italy, and I've never had Italian pizza that had pineapple on it, and that's supposed to be like, right, the, mm-hmm. the tier <laughs> one, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love watching like Anthony Bourdain where he's like, how did mozzarella turn from this to this in New York or whatever? And it was like just interesting. But like they're different things, I guess, you know, and I would put that in with Australian pizza too. You get the, I have a fondness for the, the, the cheap Australian pizza on the corner store, you know, and it's like, and it does have the spam and the, the, um, uh, you know, the shredded ham and also the pineapple as, and then maybe an egg on it, and that's the Aussie. And like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of lovely and rustic. Like, not rustic. That's the, the wrong word. But it's like it's charming and endearing because it's just like it's just what you get in, here in Australia. Like, but then the the pinnacle of pizza being, you know, you get a wood fired one that you're not eating with. I know you are you are eating with a knife and fork in Italy, strangely enough. But um, it's 
you know, it's there's only a couple of ingredients. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see if there's any like places there doing. Uh, let's let's try these these kind of weird hybrid things and and try and put a pineapple on one of them and see see if it works. And but, so uh, I've I'd like the the pineapple on pizza. Uh, that's typically like an icebreaker question I'll do. You know, with kids, I'll ask them like what. What do you think about pineapple on pizza? Or I'll even ask, like, what other fruit would you put on pizza? Because, I mean, that just feels like a monstrosity, yeah. right? For a kid to be like, I would eat bananas on a pizza. And you're like, you're gross. Like, you're really gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had that. You had the dessert pizza. It's kind of delicious. And um, well, it's more of a pastry thing sometimes. Yeah. But um, I've definitely had um, I've had mango on a pizza. That was a time. That was certainly a time. What was that like? But, um, it was, it was quite delicious. Like it was that. I'm trying to think what else was there. There was like yogurt. There was. Uh, like well, what kind of mango was it? Was it because like mangoes you can eat hard, right? Or you can get them kind of soft or mushy or. Uh, not too. Uh, it was softish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was softish. Um, it's been a long time now. It was one of those places that, that they they just made a point of doing all those progressive pizza topping flavors. You're like, well, it's a strange one. I'll try. You know, like, why not? Why not? I um. I, I think I... apple apple works too. Oh, yeah, like any kind of like apple, like with frosting, like you were saying the dessert pizzas, those ones are the best. Yeah. My uh, partner, I tried to impress her um, because she like travels a whole bunch too. And so I was trying to impress her and I went and like got a mango and I was like, oh, I'll cut this up for us because she had talked about how she loved mangoes. I tried to just cut it in half. Do the grid. (laughs) Well, I tried to just cut it in half, which you can't do because of mango. And I was like, what the heck is this thing? And then I didn't know... Like, if I'm just supposed to eat the skin? So, like, totally made myself oh, look like, no. oh, no, oh, right. no, just this is Gavin, this is Gavin Verhey. Gavin Verhey time. But yeah, the gig is up, right? She definitely knows. This dude's never had a mango in his life. Like, there's no way. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, Gavin told us a story that uh, he was at, he's like, yeah, just say you're a employee at Wizards of the Coast on a uh, Sunday afternoon. No one's around. You're like, oh, mangoes, eh? I'll eat these. Why doesn't why doesn't anyone eat the skin? That's clearly the most efficient way to eat it. Like they're all they're kind of just doing it wrong, and it's like yeah, it turns out mm, poison. Like, <laughs> right, not good. So were you okay? Yeah, I was fine. I mean, I like um, <laughs> chomped into some of it, and I was like, this kind of tastes weird. And so she showed me like, hey, this is how you eat it, like Neanderthal. And I was like, oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do that cool grid thing, and then it looks awesome. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I was like, "Oh, well, this this is just how I would normally eat them. Like, complete, like just trying to stick with it. Which at any point I could just give up on it, you know. But it was like, no, let exactly. me just stay this course. Like, yeah, I've got a one. Oh, this one for for Chesh especially, but um, I have seen it pop up on pizzas a little bit. But um, first of all, is av- avocados a fruit? Correct. Uh, Has to be right. But av. I avocado. Ass- I assume that they do meet the requirement to be. A fruit. <laughs> but I see avocado. I've been. Um, I've seen avocado on a pizza a few times, and it, it's okay. I just find avocado develops a different flavor when it's cooked. Like it's a chalky. Uh, oh like yeah. A, I can't. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. Not my favorite. But anyway, that was that was an observation. I'm like, oh, not my first choice, but oh well, so be it. Um. Yeah. Next one was uh, moving past the culinary excellence of. of pineapple and pizza uh we're gonna get to joe what is the pet card you love it doesn't have to be the best but like what would you say is your signature pet card in your spell book um and i tried to ask my friends that one i was like what what card's me and so they they said again like yeah. political trickery um just stealing somebody's land yep. uh fractured identity it. right that one yeah figuring yeah. out like hey now we all have uh a skittles <laughs> infect dragon right here you go um <laughs> 
it, it never, I feel that card is responsible for more stories than I think uh, most cards I know of, and I love it. Everyone's yeah. got a Skittles the Dragon. That's fantastic. Well, and so with that, right, you know, you, you never feel safe, I guess, if you're like, okay, Joe's playing, like, Azorius colors. I don't <laughs> think there's a school for that. Like, he has the mana up, like, uh, like I don't want to have to play my thing. And you even see people being hesitant, and it's like, yeah, you know I yeah. got it. Like, you know. Sandbagging your answers because they're going to get everyone else is going to have them. Exactly. I saw uh, an Eldrazi monument was one of my favorites. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But yeah, and then the, oh, what's the the bookie uh, Cody? The the codex oh. is like absurd. Oh yeah, somebody was saying that because you yeah fracture identity Cody and people just can't play anything else. I was like, that's awful. I, fi- like, I think it was Lenny. I was like, yeah, that's that's on brand. Good job. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. And um, what was the one? The sorry, the um, exchange land card again. It, uh, um, the political trickery. Political trickery that I didn't mention it before, but how cool the art is. I do love that a lot. All mm-hmm. right. I'm going to have to add some of these to my, I'm going to have to buy a place it or buy Australia out of them. If one of the ways, um, let's see how much they are actually. Do you well, set I, it was on the reserve list? I think oh, it's on the reserve list. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I should also throw out their hot soup since I'm still blowing up yeah. on that one, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. $15 reserve list. That's not too bad in this economy for reserve list cards blowing up and everything. And, um, you know, with my beloved skeleton ship getting somewhere with, with, uh, with reserve list kind of stonks, but, um, yeah, no, the art on this one's amazing. I love it. Like the, the geometric masks and everything. It's so, yeah. so cool. And it's not, yeah. it's, it's not blown up yet. Right. But maybe this will have the uh, command zone <laughs> effect to it where we'll see it jump in price. Oh, no. and- <laughs> yeah. I got to get some of these for sure. Um, cool, cool. So Chesh, you got the next one up there. Yeah. I know you love this one. Do I? Yes. <laughs> I have selected it. As I, I add political I, trickeries to my card. <laughs> uh, who would you most like to have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? Okay. Um, so I normally listen to you guys' podcast when I run. And every time I think about this, I almost feel rude because I just ignore whatever the, your guest has said. I always think about <laughs> who I would. And I really struggle with that. And so I give up after a couple of minutes and then go back to listening to who's theirs were. And... Um, Man, that's hard to, to have dinner, to have it drinks, is. to eat pineapple pizza with this person, you know, um, <laughs> right? To eat avocado pizza with this person, right? It's a fruit, I guess. Um, and and trying to decide, I think for me, somebody that really um, stuck out just as far as somebody who really helped out their community was um, Fred Hampton. He used to be the leader of the Black Panthers. And um, he was actually somebody oh, wow. who, who was uh, assassinated by the United States. Uh, by the- oh, I was about to say, yeah, he was uh, assassinated while his girlfriend or partner was watching, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, they God. stormed into his apartment whilst he was asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big thing. Sorry, I, I know all about the Black Panther thing just simply because I was looking, yeah, I, I was looking at one point into uh, doing a, a, a podcast on uh it's going to sound really bad and it's going to attract the wrong people. <laughs> Looking into real government conspiracies mm-hmm. and how the government mm-hmm. was basically trying to sway um, the public's views on uprisings that, yep. well, what they considered were uprisings, but were actually just, you know, basically people starting civil war because America at that time and kind of still is now was pretty fucked. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, and I think for me, the reason, some of the reasons why is seeing how he was able to um, get peace from a lot of the inner city gangs where he was at, how he was able to create these community things. And looking too at like the Black Lives Matter community now, they talk about how uh, we're leaderful, not leaderless. And I think they do that because in a lot of ways, it makes them less vulnerable to the kind of government assault that we saw happen to Fred Hampton and to the Black Panther right. Party. Um, yeah. and, and, and that was a big thing about Fred. Like, And I want everyone to, if you get the time, please look him up. But yeah. bringing those people together, sowing the seeds of peace in those communities, despite the fact that the government was coming for them and mm-hmm. going like, everyone, let's let's just put our arms down. Let's let's back away from like the whole arms thing. We we can take on the government without having to kill people. We need to do this the right way and do it in a very smart way. And then the government just comes in and just starts killing people. And it's just like, ah, oh, he he was on the precipice of changing everything. Mm-hmm. And the government were like, wow, dissension. They're gonna try and and take the White House, kill him. Yeah. It says here 90 gunshots throughout the apartments. Like, really? Yeah. Really? They, it, that's, that's the thing. Like, because they played it off as that, that it was, you know, that he was armed and blah, 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 when he was sleeping. Surprise, oh. surprise. Did we not see this, like, a year ago with someone anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it absolutely is why it was an assassination slash murder and mm-hmm. not cops doing it in self-defense. They went mm-hmm. in there with the motive to absolutely eradicate everyone in that apartment. And I think, um, too, working in, like I said, like the underserved communities, working with um, different individuals, um, minority groups, different people who need that mental health um, help, really just seeing, too, the impact, too, that a lot of times our communities have failed. And our communities are set up to fail and to continue to perpetuate the same kind of systems and the same kind of problems we have. I mean, a lot of uh, some of my friends, people that I've talked to, um, even discussing with them, they don't understand the fact that for a lot of my kids, there's not a grocery store that they go to to get food. There's a gas station, and, mm. and that's it. And if that's where you're getting your food from, that's your nutrition. And we know how important it is for us, the food that we eat. We also understand yeah. you know, sleep. And if you're having a community that has a highway going through it, that's going to decrease. Again, noise is going to be there. Um, you're going to decrease the property value of some of those places. And it, it, it has this real world effect and these communities are set up like this in order to kind of uh, keep it the way it is right it is yeah. a systemic racism and so it's sad when you see someone like fred come along who was starting to deal with those problems and get people united and address it the way that he did you know the government forced that end on him um booger t washington has a quote that says success should be measured not by what we achieve but by the impact and the contributions we make to others lives and I think that looking at what Fred was able to do, he was successful. And so I think getting to sit down and have pineapple pizza with him, you know, I don't know if he liked mm-hmm. it or not, but still asking him, you know, if this was your end, would you still do it? And, and what do you mm-hmm. think about now? And just listening to him to just, just talk and really be present with him. Um, yeah. Just, just where he, where he was at and knowing, you know, again, that that end that he has, um, one of my favorite, I'm a big, I like Shakespeare. Um, I like plays and that kind of stuff. Um, I've always found movies, um, the media, that kind of stuff, definitely interesting. But one of my favorites for Shakespeare, um, you know, I, I have a, a Shakespeare tattooed quote on me 
and it says them, these violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which as they kiss consume. And for me, the violent delights have violent ends. Uh, a lot of the ways that we live our life, the things that we focus on, pay our attention to, we pay into, a lot of times those are ends. A lot of the time, mm. that is how we meet that end, whatever it may be. You know, violence begets violence. Peace, a lot of times, begets peace. And, and sometimes it doesn't, right? Um, Fred, the way that he moved about things, he was met with a violent end, even though he was doing it in a way that wasn't violent, but it felt violent to that system. He didn't attack it with mm. violence. He attacked it with nonviolence, and that system decided to act violent back towards him. Mm. That's an outstanding answer, and it's it's, it's something that I, I still can't fathom the idea. Of, like you're making changes, twenty one mm-hmm. when he died, like, and it's it's just yeah, it, it goes to show how far we've still got to go. You know, in a way, it's like it's just it's 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 hard to kind of uh, sit there and go, well, you know, things are changing. I mean, we've seen a couple of uh, steps being taken in the last year or so that are actually and an, an actual people kind of getting together and going, well, no, this, this really matters. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we need to kind of just, just not do the same things again. Like, you know, bark up the wrong wall again. It's, um, anyway, I love to say it's like, if there's, if there's anything, I've also, you know, I'm, there's gotta be something to watch about this as well. And, um, deeply fascinated about looking into Fred's life now. Mm-hmm. And I think too, um, it's, it's important. It matters. Story matters. It does. Stories, the things that we tell ourselves, the things that we tell other people, uh, and caring about somebody. And again, having this platform and being able to discuss these issues and share it out and having this voice and, and being aware of it. You know, um, a lot of times we we either don't see it or we don't want to see it. Or we, we try to... Yeah, or don't want to talk about it, exactly. Or, or don't want to talk about it. And I know a lot of people, too, with the Black Lives Matters, they, oh, well, but do they have to protest like that? And, oh, well, they just want to tear down statues. Well, they don't. If you actually listen no. to what it was really about, you know, it's, it's not about statues, right? It's about being able to live, not being afraid mm-hmm. that as soon as you walk out of your door, you might die. Um, the mm-hmm. impact, right, of having that fear, um, of having that trauma, even, that stress it, it ages you it kills you trauma yeah. does have that uh, effect on the body it is something that's very hard and damaging for people and we do see that as far as mental health and then if we're not even able to provide those services to people again this situation and this system that's created is just chewing up and spitting people out and people say mm-hmm. like well this system is broken no this system is made to do what it was supposed to do and i think yeah. now that we've realized that and covid really expose that for people to see even more and the That's people right. who are living that every day right they had known that this again this is their life this is what they know but for those of us who've seen you know the the protests and, and went out and did that kind of stuff things are getting ready to open up again we're getting ready to go back you can't forget that you can't put that in the back of your mind you can't continue to want to mindlessly consume again um that there has to be a purpose to it and again, having that success is the impact that you have on someone's life and doing that other thing for someone else, being selfless for those other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much for that one. It was huge. And I kind of just implore everyone to, you know, that is look up Fred Hampton and, and look at kind of what we all can all do just for awareness and, and, and talk about it more, more importantly too. Like it's, it's, I, I that, that whole point is as well, like I have been wary to see that if people, 
can take last year as like a way to go, oh, actually like look at a lot of things in a different view and then just worried that people will just fall back into the same kind of rhythms of consuming and kind of not investigating or like not not kind of just considering anything and like, no, it is what it is and turn a blind eye, whatever. Kind of worried me a lot that it's like people just go back to what they're doing, you know, but, you know. And it's it's concerning too because in a lot of ways we've almost commercialized the um, Black Lives Matter movement. We've commercialized like yeah. Pride Month is going to be coming up soon and you'll see Target and these other places showing, selling Pride merch and, and it's exciting to see that coming out and being more mainstream, but it's frustrating mm. too to see companies that are also funneling money into politicians who are putting out bills, right, that are banning people who may be um, trans or who may be from a minority group or who are trying to pass laws that make it harder to report sexual assault or sexual abuse, you know, and you have to you have to be aware of when you're buying and consuming. And now you're not going to know where every piece of fabric maybe came from, but still knowing mm. where your money is going when you're buying and supporting these. things. That's important. Yeah. To you. That's being a conscious uh, consumer. Exactly. Um, yeah, I likened it to almost like greenwashing things for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, yeah, we've been eco. And it's like, yeah, but do you mean it? You like the idea and the message of behind it, but do you really mean it kind of mm-hmm. thing? And um, some of those are pretty flawed. Like you say, you, you kind of scratch past the first surface. And you're like, well, they just want to be part of the conversation. <laughs> they just wanted to be like, you know, yeah, us too. And it's like, nah, yeah, you mean it though. Like you actually have to mean it. So no, great, great point. Um yeah. All right. What do I do? Uh, next one. Where was it? All right. We're gonna we're gonna go to the fun times and and not to diminish what we just talked about because mm-hmm. that was so bloody important as well. Like and it's and I, I want to continue to um, continue to learn from you as well, Joe, because it's like I think you have some excellent points on this. So um, next one was what's your video game hall of fame? Okay, video game hall of fame. Uh, when I heard you guys, <laughs> other people talk about this, I was like, oh shoot, like. Where do I put Turok, right? Like where? Um, <laughs> Turok 2 or 1? Right. Going through these different video games, where where do I put Twisted Metal, right? Like where? Um, right even, to the top. Right. Oh, yeah. Trying oh, to yeah. go back to some of these games um, that I play and even trying to expand it from different game systems. The first game system I ever had, when the Xbox came out, my parents were like, oh, you want to play video games? And I said, yes. And they got me a Sega Dreamcast. And nice, nice. Not yeah. On. Everyone else is playing Halo, and I'm like, "Do you guys want to play like '97?" <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, Jet Set and, Radio Future was on that as well. That was, that's and I played really Sonic. Um, you yeah. know, and, and I remember playing like GoldenEye and the N64 with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, video games for me has always been something that's I'm odd in that I feel comfortable sitting and watching someone play video games. So that's why me, like now Twitch, I was a genius. I love that. I can sit and listen and watch someone play video (laughs) games and like do notes. I don't have to be someone who has to be in them. Um, Yeah, it's it's amazingly effective to live vicariously through someone and especially if they're entertaining delivery of it. And that's something that absolutely surprised me. I'm like, oh, no, that is genius. (laughs) It's like that's a whole thing. And, And some people don't ever play the games. They just watch them. Exactly. And that's some of my uh, the parents for kids that I work with. They're like, well, they're on Twitch or they're on YouTube, but they're just watching people play video games. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, they're not even playing it. Like normally, like when I was a kid, I'd have to play it. I'm like, no, it's just a different culture now. Yeah, that's right. You're part of a community. You're talking exactly. exactly. And for me, um, some of the games that like I hold dearly. So kind of uh, one of the games was uh, Red Alert, Yuri's Revenge. Um, oh, yeah. 
and, and loved just the Red Alert series. I thought that one was pretty fun. My dad got me into that. Uh, watching my brother play like um, was it Starcraft for a while. Um, actually mm-hmm. playing like Warcraft. Um, you know, getting to click on the whole guys a whole bunch and hear the different noises and stuff they would make. Um, yeah, was always fun too. Yeah, I'm trying to think some of the other ones. Um, I always enjoyed going to the arcades and trying to play House of the Dead. Um, yeah, it had the curtain and everything. Right, yeah. and the, so, those ooh, ones were always super fun. <laughs> and depending on like in the very beginning, whether you save the person or you didn't, do you go through the front door, do you go through the back, right? Um, I always felt like yeah. that one was a lot of fun. Um, what is it? There is like Time Crisis or Time Zone is another one of those too. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. And that was like it was it was made to kind of steal your money, but like you yeah. get good at it. You, you can get a good twenty minute session out of it. Like it was. That was so so like well, it was so much fun like waiting for a uh, a movie at the cinema and you just play House of the Dead or uh, or Time Crisis. It was just like endearing. Those ones always felt fun. I remember um, when Pokemon came out, um, the first like one, uh, what was it like blue or red? And then um, mm. I remember like yellow came out. For me, I, I finally got to play Pokemon when it was like gold or silver. My brother got gold. Um, yep, older than me. I got silver, but I love silver. I thought it was the coolest thing world to actually get to play pokemon and i would like grab my game boy and i would ride on my bike to the different bus stops and pretend they're like poke stops with my friends and so like <laughs> right those games you always like hold dearly and i remember too like laying in bed at night being like man if pokemon were real if only pokemon are real and that's why i think too, yeah seeing the movie right the, the pokemon movie and it's like you're the actual pokemon interacting with human beings and it's like this is what i dreamed of as a kid yeah, yeah. Not like maybe necessarily behind the bar, like yeah. Yeah, and not again necessarily Ryan Reynolds being Pikachu, but you know, like kind of get there. Um, and, and yeah, so yeah. The Pokemon was another one that I really enjoyed, and then even um, middle school playing Halo. Um, Halo felt like yeah. such a classic. Uh, whether you were like jousting with your friends in the Banshees. Or trying to like get blown up midair when someone shot the tank. Well, all the just random stuff that you would do on there. Um, I think that was the first game that when my brother uh, finally saved up enough money to get an Xbox, like playing all the way through um, and really mm-hmm. enjoying that one and being like, this is a game I actually completed on my own. All the boss levels, playing it at the um, hardest level, like legendary or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and just enjoying it and feeling satisfied. There's a, the game now that I was playing, I have a Nintendo Switch. I play uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Beautiful game. Yeah, um, absolutely. Real, real beautiful. I mean, it's, I, I describe it as like um, fantasy GTA, right? I can ride around yeah. and, and cap a couple goblins and call it a day, right? Um, and that was kind of the fun thing with GTA is just like, I'm going to steal a car and run over some people and then I'm going to cheat code a helicopter. And so... Uh, Breath of the Wild gives me that feel with maybe a little less of the violence uh, and cheat code ability. So I mean, you can snowboard down mountains on your shield, and you can fly, and you can do all the wacky physics stuff, which I really enjoy. But um, I think right. atmosphere-wise, that game is just the most Studio Ghibli game ever. Like, yes, it's, it's incredible how much they like. Ah, oh, it's a little nod to you know awesome Japanese fantasy stuff, and it's like that's it's so well done. And you can go hang out with the bird people and, like, the Gorons. It's, yeah, it's so charming and lovely. I love it. 
And it really, and you don't have to play it in any particular way, right? You don't have to. That's visit. the key, exactly. And, and something like that is just so beautiful, um, I think. And, and starting off, and one of my friends, um, I, I had beat the game, but he was playing it this weekend. And I was like, okay, where are you at? And he's like, I don't even know how to get off like the first area. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you have a lot to do. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and just like getting the, to the, the journey ahead is exciting for you. I love that. Well, and, and just feeling excited about that or seeing some of the first puzzles that he had to do. And then like going back and thinking in your mind, like, oh, what was this? And the puzzles all felt different. They felt fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And the customize uh, for the clothes, uh, for what weapons you're doing. Again, um, <laughs> just a really beautiful, fun game. Um, I got that one, I think, when I first got my Switch. And I didn't play anything else. And my partner was like, are you sure that you don't like, you don't need any other games? I was like, yeah, I'll be fine for like another year. This is, this is all. <laughs> yeah, I this one's got there. everything. This yeah. one's got everything. It's great. A friend of mine hates the color yellow. And I think I told this story, but um, uh, his housemates were um, were using his file on, on the switch. And they're like, oh, quick, go dye all his clothes yellow, like bright oh. you know, retina burning yellow. And like, he just boots up his thing and falls off his chair. He's like, ah, what the hell? <laughs> like all my things are dyed yellow. It's so good. That animation when they dye the clothes too is hilarious. Like I love it. Or so even nice. like and cooking, then all, right? I was about to say, cooking is the most delightful animation in a game, full stop. Like it's just the noise of it and like his delight when he's like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> and like you get the recipe. It's like, I just feel like cooking after that. It's amazing. Yeah, the cooking's a lot of fun. I mean, even just like I'm going to go to a tower and I'm going to jump off and I'm just going to sail yep. wherever I decide to yeah. go. Yeah, and feel the wind. Um, yeah. How good is the uh, – one of my favorite pieces of like level design or just mission design or whatever is the one where you get um, – uh, what do you call it? You get stranded on the desert island mm-hmm. and you find yourself there and it drops – it strips you of all your clothes and weapons and everything and yep. you just have to survive. And you start and over from excellent. the beginning. Yep. Well, yeah, just for that little interim, which may last two hours or something. And it's just like, it's an amazing little challenge. And it's really fun. You've actually got to like assemble all your stuff from scratch. And it's like, this is really cool. It's like a little castaway or something. Well, I thought that it, was an amazing piece of In a lot design. of ways, yeah. Like when you, you progress through the game, you can use whatever arrows and just blow everything up. And so having to start back at that and like remember like, oh man, I, it was almost like a refresh. Like I have gone this far in this game. Yeah, that's right. And I've, I've heard people say it before too, like the, the, the moment in games like bit RPGs or things like that, I always think of like a Fallout or like a Morrowind, maybe they're just Bethesda things, but the first few hours where you're scrambling with like just working with what you've got always felt like the, the, the halcyon days of the game for me. And mm-hmm. I always like try and extend that out in a way. And I remember Fallout going, oh, there's a survival mode. It kind of does that. Um, and I, I liken this to EDH too. I like to play with the, the suboptimal pieces and enjoy the challenge a little bit and mm-hmm. like see what you can do. Like necessity breeds creativity. And that was always the bit that like, yeah, before you become, you've got too many pieces that it's not interesting anymore. It's like, ah, I just use those arrows. It's fine. Or like this sword just like makes everything trivial. Like the, I want to use the thing where it's it's kind of, strange and has downsides and that kind of thing and you kind of you, you're worried about it and i mean dark souls did that a lot for me too but we won't talk about dark souls because that's like i could go down another rabbit yeah hole. <laughs> well, and, and love I, it and again for games it's, it's the stories right it's the the cool yeah, thing that that's you, right and and the uh awesome thing i think about that game too is, is trying to find like all the seeds right yeah true true on on top of things going to different places um and and even if you're like i don't think i've been here before and sure enough yep there's another seed you're like this is so cool there's so many different ones 
um, to actually yeah. go through here and try to find. There's so many smaller games, putting the apples right in the right place. Um, yeah. So, so the seed comes up. Um, there's a lot. And then the map changes, right? Being in the desert, mm, the mountains, mm. the rainforest, you, you get different foes. Um, the horses change. I mean, it was really, I mean, beautifully designed game. Um, all of it felt really different. It's hard for me to want to, though, after I finished it, be like, well, I'm going to reset it, right? Yeah. No, because it's almost just like that's your full stop and, like, that's the type of game I'd do the same thing. I haven't actually finished it yet, but, like, I'll be like, no, that is, like, you close the book and that was my that was my story mm-hmm. in a weird way. And that was, like, the perfect one, whereas there's games you want to replay through, but that was the one. You're like, no, that was the, that was the tale of Link in The Breath of the Wild. Like, yep. and you're like, I always remember that, you know, it was really special. And I know people were like clamoring for them after it came out. Like you have to make a second one. And it's like a game like that takes a while to make. <laughs> oh yeah. And they, they reinvented the wheel. Like they yes. actually, actually did from all the, the other thing, the other Zelda games had connective tissue, but this one's like, not nah, with it's all physics based. It's completely different. Like the way you use items. Exactly. Well, and I think a lot of times for things we almost want, okay, I want that again, but we don't necessarily want that again. You want the nostalgia associated right you want the first feelings yeah. that you got with it um you can liken it at least for me i feel like um it, it's music right for certain bands i know if i'm going to listen to a slayer album they, they're relatively going to sound it sounds like slayer it's going to sound the same now if i listen to something like metallica i know that master of puppets is going to sound different from saint anger right where they're at mm-hmm. is kind of different and so it, it may be still uh metallica but again i i think it really depends on the fans. Some people want their Slayer just to be Slayer. I want to know that this yeah. album's only going to be 30 minutes versus someone who maybe wants a Metallic album or an ACDC, whatever else uh, kind of music you're talking about. But I want I want this thing to be the same. I, I want to know what yeah. to expect. And it's hard, again, to try and, like you said, recreate the wheel again. Or how do we take yeah. the pieces that we had to, to make this fun? And it's nostalgia is a dangerous thing to chase. Um, you you yeah. can chase nostalgia for the rest of your life um, and not really be able to get it. And you you miss out by looking back instead of looking forward. Mm. Um, well, do you elegantly um, segue into the next question there? On that note, recommend us an album. <laughs> oh, man. I was so terrified of this question because... So I, <laughs> I, Don't I, judge me, no. No, I, I run. And so I li- like I listen to you. Like I listen to you guys. I love your podcast. I listen yep. to my other friend's podcast. There's a podcast I listen to. It's called uh, Last Podcast on the Left. It um, is like a horror, uh, occult, kind of an odd sort of podcast. They, they use humor, but it's also really in-depth things, again, about... Um, murders, the occult, aliens, Bigfoot, that kind of thing. So I like listening to mm. that. As far as giving you an album, a full album, though, that one's hard because I feel like, too, uh, it seems like a lot of bands, musicians, focus on that single. So Yeah, yeah, of, of course, of course. And I, I I guess the album part of it is, is my bias, that it's like I mm. listen to things in albums. I love the whole story, but, you know, completely understand when someone's like, I'll give you a band or I'll give you a song, and that's fine. And, and so for me, um, as far as um, albums, though, I will always listen all the way through. Um, there's the band Every Time I Die. Um, they're kind of a, a hardcore, a rock, a metal. Uh, they have their album Low Teens is really good. Their album from mm-hmm. Parts Unknown, um, X Lives. X Lives starts off with a song titled uh, Underwater Bimbos from Outer Space. And the first <laughs> opening 
a lyric of it is I want to be dead with my friends and just this guy yelling this and it being this like you want to jump into a mosh pit and that that just gets you going and it kicks off the album right and so yeah nice those three albums um I definitely really enjoy them now other albums that I'll listen to um Gorilla's Demon Days will always hold that nostalgia for me. I'll put on, I'll put it on. I'll go for a run. I know it's going to last like 50 minutes. You know, if I'm doing a quick run, I'll be done. But I can listen to that one all the way through. There's some Deftone stuff I can listen to. Um, Explosions in the Sky. I listen to a a wide mix of stuff. You've got the horses for courses because it's like you need the ones for different occasions. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes you need some ITS or whatever. What's the acronym? Yeah, but... You want something to be a bit more like dramatic and and slow, and and that's explosions in the sky for sure. And I saw them in concert, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, I love going to concerts, live music. I think I've seen close to like a mm-hmm. hundred bands or artists play, and um, seeing explosions in the sky, I was like, well, I, I don't expect a mosh pit to break out or a circle pit. If they no. do, I'm not sure what song that's going to be, too, you know. <laughs> and so it's a cool experience to just sit there and like everyone's like vibe. It's a feel that everyone's yeah. experiencing. Yeah. Um, everyone's thinking of a specific moment in their life when they've heard these songs, bringing him to a place. That's right. And it's so cool for all of us to be completely different people with completely different thoughts on our head, but it's all linked by this one thing. Mm, mm. That's a really interesting way to think about it too, because they're a, um, uh, is it exclusively instrumental? Do they ever do they have any vocals in there? Or? I, I'm not sure if they've ever put vocals in their stuff. No. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much that 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 kind of like sometimes ambient, but it's it's an epic thing. But it's very much up to interpretation and also like uh, you know context as well. Like you say, everyone assigns their own context to that, and it's so mm-hmm. interesting that there'd be this bigger bundle of emotions when you go see explosions in the sky. And, and so amazing. just the the different music, and I have playlists that go from um, right like Cardi B's WAP. Um, I'll listen to yeah. that. To go to like explosion in the sky to Deftones to like listening to uh, Fleetwood Mac, right? Just a complete mix. Because yeah. again, for me, I'm just as I'm running, as I'm going through this thing, I just want to hear something, right? Go through the different yeah. ebbs and flows, um, you know, kind of covering this terrain that I am. And so I was like, oh, an album. I was like, man, what album would I pick? Like, <laughs> no, so I, I felt like I did. I did okay with they it. They can never just one. Yeah, yeah, you did fantastic. And like they they never have to be just one because no. who who can boil it down to one album these days? It's like it's gotta be a selection for sure. But my question is, um, for you guys, like what albums do you guys recommend for you like Chashin fans? Uh it depends what you want to do. <laughs> it's like um I would go to mine my first pick almost to like expose and, and like um introduce what prog rock means to me which is like the epic journey can go on the kind of highs, lows, whatever would be like close to the edge by yes. And uh, that is, I know a lot of people, it's, it's, it's an unoriginal answer that it's, you know, to prog rock fans, it's kind of, you know, dark side of the moon is a big, big album, of course, but it's like even prog rock fans like, Oh, it's not even the best Pink Floyd album. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting, but it's, if it's like prog rock fans go, Oh yeah, close to the edge is just widely regarded as one of the best ones. But reason why it's just like, just, a bunch of musicians at their absolute peak of creativity and expression. And also you watch it live and they're just having so much fun and they're like their technical prowess, the the amount of texture in that sound mm-hmm. has stuff you can unload for forever. Um, and then the, I've, I've recommended a few, I think, cause I started doing like for the entertaining, I'd like switch over from shows cause I wasn't watching as much to albums, but probably something from Joanna Newsom 
is another interesting one to go. Just just give that a go. It might take some time to like gel. But Joanna Newsom has that uh, level of emotion and the storytelling that I kind of put it hard. It, it's hard to kind of explain how significant it is. But uh, life affirming is definitely the word in, in some of them particularly. But um, I'll leave it at that kind of thing. Um, Chesh. Uh, all right. So, hmm. I'm old. <laughs> you know, it's a gem for me when I when I start with I'm fucking old. Um, the band is The Cure. The album mm. is The Top. Um, and the song is Shake Dog Shake. Uh, and and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a taste so you know where I'm going with this one. Um, so the first verse is, uh, wake up in the dark, the aftertaste of anger in the back of my mouth, spit it on the wall and cough some more and scrape my skin with razor blades. Yeah. Just yeah. like this was, this was Visceral. what pretty much cemented the cure as being a goth band without Robert Smith ever really wanting to be quote unquote, a goth band. Like too yep. bad, yeah. too bad, Robbie Bob, too bad, fat Bob. You, <laughs> you are absolutely a goth, my friend. Um, but a lot of the stuff from that album was like really good. I, I would almost go to say other than disintegration, this is probably my second favorite album of the cure. Nice. And it's very dark. Like every song is very dark. And very yeah. good. I listened to disintegration the other day. That was, that was a good time. Someone else, um, mentioned if you get stoned to trust me. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I remember, um, I was in, I think, like middle school. My dad would listen to um, Pink Floyd and that kind of stuff. So he got me into like Pink mm. Floyd. He would get me into a lot of like the earlier rock. And uh, I remember telling one of my teachers, I think it was probably like elementary school. I was like, oh, yeah, I watched The Wall. And they're like, what? And I didn't realize it was yeah. like, such a big thing, right? For some elementary school kids who have like watched The Wall. And they're like, you watched all of it? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, do you understand it? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, and I'm sure that's something probably too for watching like Pink Floyd's Wall. You can watch it a couple of times and probably in different uh, various states, right? Influences kind of be yeah. under and, and get different things out of it. But it's cool too um, just to see um, generations pass music down, um, different albums, um, for people mm. to find things. Like the guy um, who was skateboarding, right? And was drinking the cranberry juice and like Dream from Fleetwood Mac, he was singing. And there's a whole group yeah, of yeah, people yeah, yeah. who would probably never have heard that song. And it blew up and, and, and everybody was like popular with it. But if that's how people get into music, that's okay. Right? Yeah. Because, um, again, that, that experience that they have is their own. Um, that thing that you connect yeah. with, those lyrics, uh, however it speaks to you or hits you. And music is almost the same thing like I was talking about way in the beginning. When you share an album with someone or you share a song, you you are sharing that part of yourself. You are saying, hey, come into my house That's and right. take the pictures down and be like, why do you like this? Thing? You know? Um, yeah. Because it's, it's exactly. a personal thing. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And, um, yeah, no, you had that they had that point, actually. I've, uh, I've even been, like, looking for records or whatever and going, I'm not doing this to be ironic or weird or whatever, like, or, you know, all different and, like, yeah, cool, like, violence. Like, and I had someone literally go, you're too young to be doing this. I'm like, get stuffed, like. I'm I'm exploring stuff on my terms. Like I'm deeply fascinated by a lot of the the seventies rock stuff, and then anything like really, I love it if it's got cool art. I'll just I'll just enjoy the collection of it. But it's like for someone to go, no, you can't like this or something. It's like it's this almost superiority thing. It's like what the you know, don't 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 you label what you think people can and can't do. Like it's it was wild. 
but yeah, it, and it's it's like you say, music is deeply personal and becomes a bookmark as well, which is always that quality I love of it. Like you can go back to something that is ten years old and you're like, oh, oh, just, you listened to ten years old like ago, and you're like, oh, that takes me back to a time in a, in a in an interesting way for sure. And it's it's cool for it. me when you do share that album or that song with someone. Maybe they connect with it on their own. Um, I like totally. Too, um, there's some kids that I were working with, right? And a lot of the kids that I work with sometimes maybe haven't gotten to experience um, certain things, whether it's like um, eating French fries in their milkshake, rolling down a grassy hill, whatever, <laughs> you know, like putting their head outside the car and feeling the wind kind of thing. And, and you're seeing these like moments, right? And these connections and just this like pure bliss and joy. And that's, I think, a lot of times what we get when we listen to music and we share and we see that connection with someone else. It, it almost brings us back to that point again for us. And you're like, yeah, this is why I like this song. This is why I like this uh, media you know, that I'm sharing with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, there's fewer greater like joys I find that if, and, it, and it's the whole thing about, like we said before, listening, like, which is things being a dialogue, not a monologue. Go, yeah, this, this is something I'm throwing this at you and there's no one receiving it kind of thing. Or the, you know, it's, for someone to listen to what you suggested or you say this means something to me and they, they take it, they listen to it. And if they ever find connection to that too, it's like, it's incredible. It's like, there's, you know, there's empathy there. There's actually patience and going, well, I almost, I connected with it because I understood why you did in a way or then made it my own thing. So yeah, it was a great little lesson there for sure. Um, Next one was in the same kind of like circles in a, in, a, in a strange way. We'll see what this one yields as well. It's it's a great one. But um, could you recommend us a movie or or multiples? I don't know. Whatever you feel like. Yeah. So movies for me. I grew up uh, when I was younger. I always got sick. And I always got sick like after Christmas time, and I'd have to like stay home. I'd have strep throat. And my dad would always be like, "You're faking it." Um, but I was like, mm. like, I can't, I can't like swallow anything. You know, like my tonsils are huge. Um, and I'm just like laying on the couch and he would rent me movies to watch. Now this is the same dad that as an elementary school kid was like, yeah, you can watch Pink Floyd's The Wall. So I would watch like <laughs> First Encounters, right? And Indiana Jones. Yeah. And, and he would just get me movies to watch, right? I watched like the first Halloween and, and I found something about horror movies that I liked. Um, yeah. There's something yeah. about... Um, the scary nature of them, the suspense, the the themes, right? Um, there's always been kind of this taboo nature of horror movies to them, um, the topics they're on. Now, mm-hmm. I kind of moved on from wanting to watch the the goriest, the bloodiest, right? The hostile movies, the whatever it may be, into there actually being some kind of uh, meaning, depth. What are they trying to tell me? And a lot of people have discussed, um, you know, some of the movies that have come out recently. I really enjoyed the production company, movie company, A24. I think they put out some mm-hmm. really um, fascinating, just different movies. And some of the ones that I've really enjoyed recently, there's one called Hereditary. And it's not at all what you think it is. The movie's definitely a very slow burn. Um, mm. and, and it feels like things continue to heat up. And it sort of shows our family and how um, the trauma that we've experienced and how it carries through and manifests itself. And now... Mm. Again, for watching horror movies for people, some people don't want that. I, I, they need an no. Avengers movie. They need something fun. Um, I work in this field, and so I'm not sure why those are the movies that I'm kind of drawn to. Um, I, I mm. think on some levels they make you think. They make you wonder. Um, so Hereditary is one that I really enjoyed. 
Um, Midsommar was one that I enjoyed. Now, that one's kind of weird because it's sort of like a cultish movie that's shot during daylight. And horror movies typically... Oh, I, my, my barber told me to watch this like five times. Like, yes. just check this out. Yeah. Because it's like Scandinavian, right? Yeah, they're in Scandinavian. And it's sunny and it's kind of a cool... And it almost has like a Wicker Man feel if you've ever seen Wicker Man. Yeah, true, and, true. And um, it, it, it's bright, but it kind of discusses trauma too and relationships mm. and how we carry that one. And um, I think the original... I mean, it's like a two-hour movie. And I think the unedited director's cut, right, is like four hours. They always are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that one I, I enjoyed. Feels more cool and European, you know? Like yeah. It's, it's like European movies have a pace to them usually. They're like a little bit more like, they're not in any hurry. Like, and that's what I love about it. And I've, I've told some people about uh, Midsummer, and some people like, I hated it. It wasn't a scary yeah. movie. It, it wasn't what I expected. I wanted, you know, a teenage slasher or I wanted there to be monsters or whatever it may be. And it wasn't. And, and that's fine. Mm. I think for me too, what I had gotten out of the movies different right same thing as music um the last one i'll throw out there is called the witch um i actually got my um undergraduate degree in theology religion um was actually planning on being a chaplain um actually got into a seminary school in uh the state of colorado was going to go to that instead moved out here to california and um so the religious imagery in the witch it's shot um in like ye old english which at first it mm. seems like might be kind of hard to pick up, but it's it's not. Um, it, every the dialogue's not too hard. Um, it's shot during like Puritan times when um, settlers first moved to America, but it does kind of follow this family and center around them. And that film, in some ways, feels claustrophobic. You wonder, yeah. you know, are these people's paranoia getting the better of them, or is there something else that might actually be out there? And it does pull mm. you in. And then if you do know a little bit about again religious imagery uh some of the imagery that's in there and that they do show you and how they kind of twist it a little bit that for me kind of had me hooked now i had to drive from lincoln to omaha which is about an hour drive but just driving through cornfields to watch this movie and watched it it's like i think a two-hour movie then had to drive back and so i'm stuck with my thoughts <laughs> right like thinking of this thing. not not the worst one probably the worst one was um it was originally um I can't think of the title of it, uh, but it was a movie that was made. A newscaster in Mexico goes to an apartment complex. She ends up getting, oh, it's called Quarantine. She gets quarantined inside yeah, with yeah, her yeah. news crew. And then, like, all hell breaks loose, right? There's some kind of virus. People are turning into zombies. Um, I saw that one That's when a- I was in England and had to walk home. And now England's <laughs> known for being foggy. And so it's foggy as I'm walking down these streets. And I'm like, this is the worst <laughs> Like, I should have got a ride home. I regret this more than anything. Um, but- uh, that reminds me of Wreck, R-E-C, the, okay, um, yep. the, the horror movie, which I, I – uh, is it Spanish? I can't remember. It's it's really good. I love that. I mean, um, to me, it's really good. I don't know if it's objectively really good to everyone, but, yeah, I, I always love that one. Remember it. It's a found footage type movie. Yep. So, but same thing. It's it's when the, the element of claustrophobia kicks in and then also because of that, the location becomes the character. Yeah. And in a way, like the first Saw movie, even the movie Parasite did that really well. Like yep. the location is a place. And that's like, I love that connection to stage plays. Like they do that really well usually, which is like, because you're in a confined situation, you have a or place that becomes a real place you've got a, a relationship with in a, in a really interesting way. Well, that's, um, no, that's I mean, the cool thing about the first Saw movie, again, is it's not necessarily a really graphic movie or anything. 
No, it's you're, what it represents. Yeah, and you're expecting to kind of get one thing, and then you sort of get another, and then obviously, you know, the Saw 2s and 3s and what they kind of devolve into is fine. But that first standalone Saw movie, I was like, okay, you have That is amazing. Yes. Yeah. It um, was an adventure game, you know? Like, it was like, you're in this one room, what can you do? And then, like, an hour later, guess what? You unlocked a new feature in the room that was there all along. Right. And that was that was so satisfying. Like it's like wow. Like I, I I adore that movie. I think it's excellent. But um yeah, and they, they kind of just progressively. I didn't even watch all of them, but um they kind of just turned into something different, of course. Yeah, and I think the same thing too. I mean, when Saw first came out, um that that one was pretty crazy. And I remember Hostel. There's a book that I have. I think it's called Of Monsters, and it kind of reviews horror movies through um, the different decades Ooh. and generations. One of the things they focus yeah. on is. Normally, the big horror movies are focused on a theme that we're worried about as a society. And so, in like the early 2000s, right, some of the um, the xenophobia, right, that we were experiencing Mm. as far as 9-11 happening, invasions, right, being afraid of foreigners. There was a lot of, like, zombie movies. There was a lot of, like, the hostile movies where people are getting kidnapped by foreigners and being tortured. Um, And I thought that one was really interesting to kind of see. And I think we've even seen it now looking at... I mean, 2010 to 2020, right, with a movie like Get Out, um, mm, mm. The, the, the impact that that really had and what that sort of said about where we were at. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's um, something I'd love to talk to uh, Chesh a lot more about, um, being the horror movie kind of genre as well. And um, it's something we're focusing on a little bit more in Lexicon too, that um, when we get together, we're talking about stuff, doing tier lists, which is funny, but there's there's going to be more of a focus on movies, which is really quite exciting. I, I don't do horror movies. I yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I didn't know. Boring. Yeah, I didn't know where you sat with those, and yeah. or if there's ones no, that, it's that hard managed to, to hit it effectively. You know, like yeah, it, it's it's <sighs> it's hard <laughs> for me to get scared. I've seen a lot of shit. I've yeah, of shit. and and that's why I find it generally a lot more fulfilling to become intrigued than scared or whatever. Yeah. You know, like a fascinated kind of. Yeah. It's it's creeping I mean, me out on a different level. You know. So when I was probably about eight. Uh, I saw somebody in Moolamba have a really bad motorcycle accident, mm-hmm. which basically left most of the skin on the left side of his back hanging off him. Nope, um, nope, nope. And that was at the age of eight. So yeah, yeah, like that didn't traumatize me, but it certainly for hell like desensitized me to a lot of mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where like the things that scare me aren't scary there are weird emotional things that scare exactly yeah um and and it's it's a weird thing because it's like things that should scare me right like weird noises jump scares get everyone just because they're jump scares but Mm -hmm. like weird weird noises or somebody working outside you think that i would be scared about like oh this this person might be coming to harm me but Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily have the flight response i have the fight response mm. um <laughs> you want which, fight. which i didn't know until i had my eye operated yeah. um once i got my eye operated on and i was coming out of the anesthetic apparently it took like six security guards to hold me down oh but, wow yeah and and like i'm not i'm not the strongest person absolutely like i'm i'm six two and you know i'm i'm a heavy person like even at that time i think i was 120 kilos um, but superhuman strength doesn't come from conventional, like what we think of conventional strength. Like the human body does so much more that we 
we're actually just completely unaware of. Mm. Um, so things that should scare me don't scare me. But in saying that, things things that shouldn't scare me, um, like you know, uh, if I was, I was say- to say something like, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it, but it's like concepts, um, right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Like the one I think about there, and you may may kind of resonate with this, but um, watching Nick Cave's documentary, um, Twenty Thousand Days on Earth, I'm pretty sure he said his greatest fear was memory loss, and yeah. he he's yeah. he's built he's built like a, a, a like almost like a memory kind of palace, like museum for himself, all the things from his life, which is like dwelling on the nostalgic, I guess, but just to catalog everything because he's like most mortified about losing like you just you, your mind doesn't kind of recall things anymore and yeah. like you, what are you without your memories in a weird way like it's 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 a strange right. way and to look at it yeah that's that's exactly it like yeah so like i am going blind there is a point in my life where i might end up being completely blind that mm-hmm. scares me because i i like to paint and i like to watch movies you know mm. um there was a point where I thought I was losing my hearing and I had to go and get my hearing checked um, yeah. because I have tinnitus, you know. Um, mm. Tinnitus is, is a weird thing because eventually you can go deaf. You know, yeah. having, having those kinds of problems, like being afraid of, of going under a surgeon's knife. Like mm. there, there could be somebody outside my apartment lurking around with a cleaver <laughs> and I'd be like, yep, and... But yeah, like, you're like, but that's unoriginal, exactly. Yeah, but going in like, for oh. a, a routine surgery scares the yeah. shit out of me. And yeah. I know I'm probably not going to die, but it's it's more the fact of like, you know, the the thing that I have like an eye phobia because they, they did fuck up last time when they were doing my eye. You're in someone you know? else's hands and it's like, yeah. oh, there you it's, go. You and and that, trust. That, that's exactly it, Sam. Things, and, and it's why I don't take drugs and why I rarely drink. Um, because... The older I get, the more in control of myself I want to be. The thought of losing that control scares the shit out some, of me. Yeah, it's in someone yeah. else's hands. That's why I always put, like, when you're driving, it's like I. the biggest fear is, like, I just don't trust other people, especially on the road. Yep. <laughs> it's like, no way. Oh, like, I'm so I, happy I can't drive. <laughs> I don't don't ever assume, you know, like, that they, they, they people do some moronic things on the road. Anyway. Well, and um, I told some of the kids um, that asked me, like, what's driving like? And I, I would always tell them, like, driving's the easiest thing in the world if there'd be no one else. And it's yeah, true. Yeah. If it was just you driving, you'd, you'd be fine, right? But it's other people and you not being able to control those other people. I'm going yeah. into kind of a therapy thing. I always tell my kids the only thing that we can control, again, are our emotions and our perceptions of things. And you, you mm-hmm. can't control the actions of what someone else is going to do, but you can control how you're perceiving it, the emotions that you feel. I think, too, kind of going back to what you're saying, Chesh, as far as, like, being afraid of, like, actual things or, like, the memory loss, even. Um, there was the movie The Taking of Deborah Logan, and that one almost looked at, like, a dementia thing, but obviously they kind of have the horror twist to it. But I, I think it is those natural things. And some of the movies that I mentioned where they discuss loss, where they discuss uh, some mental health things. And again, maybe there's that twist on it, but those are the real fears that we have. We're not afraid of the Jason Voorhees or the Freddies, right? We're afraid of um, dementia. We're afraid of losing yeah. our mm. hearing, our, our loss of control, right? You know not- I, I think the easiest way to put it is that we're afraid of our own mortality. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that's, that's essentially what it comes down to, you know, if you want to boil it down. Yeah. And I know um, when I was working, so I did a chaplaincy internship when I was in my undergraduate and we, one of the places we would go to um, was a 
assisted living facility for people who I'd like to mention Alzheimer's. And I remember um, speaking with this man about his wife, you know, and his wife um, was starting to, uh, her memory was starting to be gone. And so we talked to him and then we went and talked with her. And I'll never forget this because as we were leaving, we, we kind of stopped and uh, the chaplain I was shadowing was talking to the front desk. And I remember she looked at her husband and she held her hand up to his face and she said, hey, and he said, yeah. And she said, I remembered you today. Mm-hmm. And, and that will never leave me. I mean, I can't. Mm-hmm. And having experienced that and even thinking, you know, like for, for your loved ones, for your partners, for that kind of stuff, the fact that they maybe won't remember you at some point. And, and yeah. that, like we were saying, that loss of control and our own morality and knowing that, again, that's that's out of our hands. There's nothing we can yeah. do. And for some people that drives them mad, they, they have to find that cure. They have to find that thing, whatever it may be. But again, knowing that if this is out of my hands, what can I control? You know? Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's kind of the ultimate terror, but that's the thing you have to wrestle and grapple with every day. Yeah. How, how you, how you live today, you know, like that kind of thing and how you, how you're going to approach that, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a theme that a lot of like, you know, uh, kind of shows, media, whatever, do dwell upon and they go, well, how are you going to approach today and make the most of it? But it can't ever be stated enough, I guess. And I think this is something too, why at least for me being in the mental health field, it's it's hard for the mental health field to get some of the support it needs because mental mm-hmm. health is something that affects all of us, but it all affects yes, us differently. Absolutely. And what we need as far as a solution is all going to look different right? It's not going to be the same thing. And so for different programs, maybe you have for breast cancer awareness, you know, some of the mammograms, um, getting checkup and that kind of thing, but how mental illness shows itself can be completely different. I've met kids who should be traumatized and they're not. And I can't explain why some are resilient and others aren't, you know, it's just again, how it manifests itself. It's how it displays itself. There's it doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to it sometimes. And so how we mm. treat well, too, and their the reaction to treatment is going to be different. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, that may be archived and it may actually all kind of manifest very much later on, you know, mm. and like things have new meanings way down the track. And you're like, oh no, like it's, yeah, but they're totally right. And I've, I've kind of thought about that a lot and, and going that mental health is the type of thing that's still sadly got a stigma to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it needs to go more of a like, no, it's just, it's not, the thing i even see the stats oh it affects one in five people no 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 like yeah i think you'll find it affects everyone yeah and it's we're 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 just normalizing the language um and even if like indirect is is as can affect as hard as as directly that's the point like it's the people you live with it's it's the you know your parents your your partners that kind of thing or your friends and that's mental mental health will affect everyone like i almost guarantee it um, but like you say, it's it's so many different like shapes and sizes and, and completely context dependent. Because I think, again, we're we're all different people. And um, going yeah. back to, you know, sitting down and listening to someone's story where we start to um, lose sight of things is when we assume we already know someone. We know their story. We've heard this yeah. before. I've worked with a lot of kids with anxiety, uh, PTSD, trauma, abuse, but each one is different. Maybe I know mm-hmm. the what PTSD is, but how it manifests itself, again, it's going to be different. And for me to not listen to their story and to listen to their struggle and what works or doesn't work is almost a disservice to them and where mm-hmm. they're at. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as we said, listening is the, uh, and, and attention is the greatest thing you can ever give to someone, in my opinion. And um, yeah, it goes a long way. Um, 
No, that's again. We we keep doing this, going to amazing avenues, Joe, and it's like this is. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is one of the um the the most fulfilling guests I've, I think we've had on the show. It's um, hey, that that <laughs> means a lot. You I guys had it, Nick and you had Andy on, and I think I made the the joke before, like talking to those guys, <laughs> right? Like like having conversations. It's like the first time you've heard the Beatles. Like those guys are so nice. Like and you had yeah. the whole like MTG lexicon, lexicon like crew. Oh no, we're only halfway them. with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting there. We're like, there's like three more to go. But yeah, we're trying I, them all out. <laughs> and I even remember too, like when when I saw that Dana was on, I texted Dana and I was like, Dana, how am I supposed to follow you up? And he's like, Oh, you'll be fine. And like seeing see Max on here yeah. and like just some of the people, even like uh, Aaron, like you had Dredge Queen, like. Aaron was unreal. Like that was one of my favorite. Like it just that was one of my favorite conversations. And Aaron is Gavin Yeah, Gavin, that was like yeah. a year ago. That was yeah, last I, year. We talked about Death Cab Cutie. The CEO as well. of CFB Group, Josh. Yeah, Josh is amazing. Um I'm just gonna toot my own horn for a little bit. I, I just, exactly. And yeah, the one the ones that Shesh gathered. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um but it's it's I nothing brings brings you greater joy than it's at the heart of it, it was always just to have good conversations with people and mm-hmm. see what they their stories to tell. And knowing that we're only scratching the surface in three hours, that's the cool part. And we can, when I, the one day I run out of guests, which I won't, um, <laughs> we're going to yeah. start rehashing. And, and I, I think I'll just work that in and just start to do episode twos with people. And because there's always more, more stories. And that's the point. If we just did deck text and like, I don't know, talked about, the latest magic news and that was it like it'd be a pretty hard press to like have the energy to do it every week because it'd run out and like i'd just be burned out of magic but the fact is we're talking about other stuff too so um and, and so getting those stories yeah yeah much more to people um their, their stories their hobbies the things that you're getting into um like we're talking about and sure magic is the thing that connected us but like i was saying to wanting to connect past that you know getting to yeah like talk with you sam and with you chesh about just different things and um, hearing what you guys are passionate about, hearing when you get excited or when you grumble because somebody played a person <laughs> the second son, right? You know, um, it's it's exciting. I love and beating it's people with second son. Exactly. Um, I, I was going to note too. So I never knew what a twenty. Back to your um, your movie thing. I mm-hmm. never knew what that that a twenty four was the uh, the kind of group responsible for some of these great movies that mm-hmm. I've watched a few of them. But the one I've never brought up on this, but mid nineties. Have you seen that? The Jonah Hill one about the kids skating. I don't think so. No. It's is excellent. That, so is that this represents Owen Wilson like pulling up. Is he in tricks? it? I think so. Because he's he's actually connect. Owen Wilson's connected with skateboarding for uh, Owen quite a few things. Was a skateboarder way before he was an actor. And yeah, he- little little do people know that he actually can grind like a motherfucker. Like holy <laughs> shit, he well, skates really well. The other one being Jason Lee, of course, but Jason well, Lee was yeah, literally, literally like a pro. He, but, um, he literally was a pro before he turned yeah, exactly. up. Exactly. You know, yeah. Owen Kevin Wilson turned up on um, a, an old skate movie I watched. Uh, the the company is called Girl, and I can't remember the um, – the, they were a great skate company, and they, their video was one of the best things in the mid-2000s, and Owen Wilson was on it like, with all the pro skaters. But anyway, side note, side note. But no, mid-'90s was written, directed by Jonah Hill. I think his first directed movie. And like, didn't actually like they didn't market it heavily or anything like that. It's flipping excellent, and I've never seen anything that captures what it's like to learn to skateboard and like the culture around it and everything like that. And growing up, and um, you know, it could be really lame and tacky, but it's an A twenty four film, so no, like it's, it's excellent. So well, um, even yeah, definitely over, check it out. 
some of like the A24 movies that they had. I mean, like Lighthouse was kind of a weird movie um, with Defoe and uh, Robert Patterson, mm-hmm. right? It being black and white. Um, seeing like, uh, what was it? Moonlight uh, that was on there. Yep. Beautifully shot film. And I, I uh, mentioned this with Joe, um, kind of enjoying it. He told me that he didn't. And I felt like for the movie Moonlight, it's not trying to um, tell you something you don't already know. It's not trying to um, really yep. like, expand on anything it's telling you this story it's showing you these things the way it's broken up into different segments through this kid's life um i thought was really good just and, and it does seem like a wide range of movies they're not just putting out these real horror movies um these head scratchers it's just a really diverse kind of um unique mm. eclectic group of things and i think that's kind of cool to see for a movie company I think so too. Yeah, Ladybird being another one I really enjoyed too. But um, yeah, no, look forward to watching more now. And it's now that I know where they're coming from. This is great. I never clicked that that was the they they are labeled as a twenty four movies, but awesome. Um, we better keep kicking on these. Here's one I think you'll like. Okay. Next next question, Joe. Uh, do you have a Pokemon you resonate with, or like is your favorite? Oh man, Pokemon I resonate with. Uh, <laughs> my mind immediately went. With uh, Muck or Grimer. Um, <laughs> cool. And Muck and Grimer, right? Like, Muck's just this giant. But I picture for me, like, I think of getting a hug from Muck. I don't know why. Yeah, I reckon they're adorable. Yeah, I, th- like I think that Muck is probably like like a weighted blanket, right? I can see why. <laughs> it, it's because whenever you see Muck represented in anything, the two arms are always up, like, he's looking for a hug or it's looking for a hug. That's yeah. the, the one thing. That is why it's because of the oh. imagery of basically Muck going anywhere. If you actually look at it, generally has the two arms up, like while it's while it's slithering, <laughs> wearing a snuggie or something. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't have like that snail trail. It seems like he's not like no. a yes. pig pen, he doesn't look you know. Wet. Got like a gluten bond, you know, like that's not yeah. like all the stuff's falling apart. Like, yeah, exactly. And then Grimer's face is like pure joy. I love Always. Grimer's face. <laughs> and then it feels like too, like if you were like sad or something, they would find a way to squeeze under your door to come give you a hug. Or like, <laughs> and again, just having this like weighted blanket type thing on you. Um, I, I got a weighted blanket. Uh, my work was like, hey, you're doing a good job. We're overworking you. Here's a gift card. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get a weighted blanket. And like sleeping with that thing and feeling like again just that weight on you i'm like if this is what grimer or muck is like i love this. <laughs> this is what i want you know um they, they can toxic gumi or sludge bomb whatever it's gonna be that's fine but it'd be like somewhat comfortable for some reason it'd be like in in company it's yeah. <laughs> and just to have this like I love that the, the, this mucky friend kind of thing and I, I know sometimes people will pick um you know i mean wide range uh it seems like gengar is a big one or haunter gas yeah you know, a lot of people like that one or psyduck people always feel like psyduck's cute uh but yeah for me grimer or muck those those are my guys i guess gals yeah. they seem amazing they, they're so cool i i always look back there i just found it now in the google image search but the um the the you'll know this chesh the the fossil uh, art of Grimer on the, mm. the card is like just just Grimer is permanently in that state of like uh, like a bit unsure but enjoy you know like it's just yeah. like gaping gaping mouth go ah <laughs> what I think Grimer is oh, always associated to with like Team Rocket 
Um, I'm trying yeah. to think. Yeah. So like Meowth, I think, was always Team Rocket. Ekans, Coughing, those ones typically mm-hmm. seem to be. I don't know why it was like all the purple uh, Pokemon or like that. Yeah, like Poison and that kind of thing. I freaking love Poison. And it's yeah. Like, like as, a, as a concept and stuff. And, and in the game was always fun too. Um, who's someone to Golbat or like Crobat or whichever that one was. But um, yeah, I feel, oh, you're right. Like the purple ones are always like, oh, they're, they're, they're meant to be for the bad guys, you know? Like it's like, no. When cool. even something like, who was it, G? Giovanni, who had like a the Nitto King, right? Which is again is mm-hmm. purple um, looking. I think he's like purple or uh, fuchsia. I'm not good with my colors. Yeah. But, um, again, you know that that seemed to be the one. Even uh, something like what was it a Mewtwo, right? The kind of the white purple yeah. body sort of thing. Um, that was man. That was a real nostalgia thing. Seeing that first Pokemon movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Clones, and I, somebody posted a meme. They're like, if you ever feel stupid, think about the fact that Ash tried to punch Mewtwo. You're like, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, just, just also remember, violence against animals. Yes. Yeah, like, what are you doing, Ash? Like, you're, you're trying to play by different rules there, buddy. Like, yeah. Or it even felt it's crazy because you're like, oh, my gosh, they're going to clone his Charizard. And, like, his Charizard hates him. Like, and so these two yeah. Charizards are going to fight each other and they're the same, you know? And it goes to the, at the end, right, where they're, like, not even barely hitting each other and they're, like, Pikachu's crying. And, so, and then you're crying. Like, I'm watching this. It's, like, late <laughs> thir- or, like, early, um, you know, 30s kind of thing. I'm like, why am I crying at this kind of thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. They got me. They got me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But that um, was such a cool... All right. All right. That was such a cool one to see. Yeah, uh, it was so so good. And, and like, I, I mean, Chesh and I told that story about getting the Dragonite. Um, uh, what was it? The Dragonite promo as well. Mm-hmm. I wish I could find that because that was so cool. Um, but then that's right, wasn't it, Chesh? There's a story there about you hallucinating or something. I can't remember. Uh, so was... the very start of the movie when all the Pokemon are rolling around. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and I don't suggest people to eat hash brownies before you watch the movie originally because oh, it felt like an absolute acid flashback. Yeah. Uh, I, I seriously was panicking, thinking I was having an acid flashback. Um, <laughs> if if my brother wasn't there watching the same thing, I would have literally just been sitting there drooling in my seat, going, "What have I done?" Uh, because so it really just set it off real bad. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Again, I don't do drugs, kids. Uh, <laughs> nor watch Pokemon movies at the same time. Definitely not these days because my, my family has a history of drug psychosis. Um, and Chesh is getting old. So, and um, I'm getting old. Yeah, we get you, you said you would have looked like, uh, what is it, Gloom from Pokemon? <laughs> I, I bet, yeah, pretty much with it, without Ugh. the flower hat. Yeah, I would have looked like blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always have like hat. that, like slight drool, like it's kind yes. of weird. Yeah, always. I mean, yeah, look, I when it. I get up in the morning, I'm I'm a slow bro. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would have looked like a gloom during that that particular session, uh, and most of the time, I just want to be like Snorlax. Mm, nope. I just want to be a Metapod. Um, because I saw this the thing you can buy the Metapod sleeping bag thing and it looked delightful. <laughs> exactly. Um, awesome. All right, Joe. I think the the best one, as always, to round it out and um, kind of dwelling back to magic a little bit anyway. But um, in just a few words, or as many as you want, really, I don't really mind. But what does magic mean to you? Um, people always talk about the gathering, right? I remember the first mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, kind of getting into magic, talking to some of the content creators. 
and uh, just being like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to slide into their DMS, right. I'm going to shoot yeah. my shot kind of thing. Try to just talk to these guys and talking to like Max and Zach and signing up for the discords and people recognizing me. And then um, Zach asked me, Hey, do you want to be a part of this like rotisserie draft thing we're doing? And I was like, what? Like the CCO guys are in it. Commander social, like Dane is in it. Max. And I'm like, I'm a nobody. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And so I got Lenny to help me build this like deck and uh, we were raising money for charity. And that's like even going to Vegas, right? Like I'm going to hang out with some people I met online, which my parents warned me about in the nineties. Right. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, bunch of like old guys living in their parents' basements, right? And not supposed to be hanging out with them kind of thing and showing up. And I think Max told the story, like me seeing Max and, and just being like, you Max, he's like, are you jo-? like giving him a hug? Like so excited to like actually get to meet this guy and see him and uh, just disconnect. Yeah. And it, it is, it's the community. Um, after we were done with Vegas, right? We were like, how do we do this again? So we went and had like mm. GP Austin where everyone claims I killed this bird. Apparently this like native <laughs> species of bird flew into a window and it was an omen about this past year. But um, again, just, just the community. Cause I think with everything that's gone on, I needed that community. I think we all do yeah. um, to find a place to get to be ourselves, to play chair tribal or to, mm-hmm. um, you know, start off just talking about magic, but then learning about people's lives. I've met a lot of people and, and not even, I mean, just discussing magic with them, but figuring out about what's going on with them, their kids, where are they at? What is their career? You know, getting excited about those things that they're excited about, remembering those things. It's, it's the community. And sure, magic is the thing that kind of brought us together. But I know if I were to leave magic, like truly leave it, or if we were to step away or the game just dissolves and everyone sells out, I still had this gathering and this group of people that I make connections and friendships with know who get to see um you know me and it's cool to reach out to different kids to try to prepare you know this new generation that's going to take the mantle um you know that that are Mm going to get to step in and they'll be the new content creators and they'll remember what it was like to have someone be kind to them and listen and show them like this is the heart of the game this is what it's supposed to be about not you know cataclysm them uh somebody after you armageddon them a couple other turns and you know it's <laughs> just so they can never get up exactly. yeah so they're saying and pushing the thumb down and you know i'm gonna get you with my attraxa or whatever it may be it's it's about the fun and the community and the connection mm-hmm. um when i was sitting at a game store um, they were doing in-store play they had like a pokemon tournament and this kid came over and i was like hey do you play pokemon he's like yeah. i was like can you show me your deck and just in the middle of me playing commander and just seeing him get excited about the game and knowing that like, yeah. that kid will be where I'm at at some point. Hopefully he felt like, you know, I invested in his life, even in the tiniest amount. And, and he decides mm-hmm. to continue to do that. It's something that he enjoys and is happy about. Um, I got to go and um, I got to support a game club in South Dakota. Um, shout out to Spearfish. Um, I believe it's high school. Um, it's going to be awkward if they're middle schoolers. Pretty sure they're high schoolers. And um, <laughs> my, my parents live uh, in the South Dakota area. And so going out there, but bringing cards for them and giving them play mats from CCO and Commander Central and bringing cards. And I remember sitting down to play with some of these kids and um, then being like, that card's really cool. And I'm like, here, you just have it. And I'm like taking apart my yeah. deck and like giving these kids a, like Nykthos and Scarab Gods and like these 
unstable land and like just giving them my stuff and seeing how excited they are that someone's coming. And one of the kids asked like, well, why, you know, why, why are you doing this for us? Why are you here? And it's like, well, because you guys deserve it. You guys are great, right? This is a mm-hmm. good place to be. This is a, a good thing to invest your time into this community. And while yeah. people will come and go, um, sometimes it, it can be toxic and it can be bad. Again, it's that community that you want to continue um, to develop and want to continue to help out. I don't make content myself. Um, again, I kind of hang out in the background and, and DM people and try to be encouraging and, and ask, you know, what are you grateful for on Fridays? And I think, again, that's that's where I feel comfortable as far as the community. That's that's what I really get out of it. Mm, and that's definitely a contribution too. But um, yeah, and that, that's the message too. It's like I, my, uh, I think that that line between like you don't have to do content to do anything like it's it's Mm -hmm. you you being there you know is is more than actually does more than a lot of content i'll be completely honest there actually i think you contribute more to the game than a lot of people and um and and i'm not throwing shade on anyone in in particular but like there's there's certainly stuff where it's like if it's for the wrong reasons it's like oh well i don't know like you know contribute try and care about it i guess but um that's that's definitely i see yourself like lenny uh fits like those kind of people like they're just they're just there mm-hmm. and but contributing and and kind of like making sure everyone's uh making it make sure it's the best place it can be you know um because it is that strange thing it is magic twitter it's our little microcosm but yeah. you know hopefully that's the pathway to everything else we're all like you say that the game shrivels up and dies we'll all still be around and, you know, connections we made along the way will still still continue, for sure. And I think knowing, too, um, what, what I would want, what I still want, right, to know that there's a there's a seat at the table for me, right, to have people yeah. invite me in and, and chat. And, and so I have friends that are content creators, and I have friends that aren't content creators. And still, if, if there's somebody new who comes up, you know, trying to connect them or, hey, is it okay if we get a game in? you know, with this person yeah. and here's my friend and vouching for him and, and seeing people get happy and excited. And, um, because again, it's, it's a game. We're all trying to connect. We're all trying to make stories. This thing that we're doing is, is giving us some kind of benefit, you know, depending on what it is, it's yeah. unique to each one of us. And so to help cultivate that, to nourish that, to help it grow and to let someone know that again, this is a safe space. This is a place for you to get to be yourself. And when, it's not a safe space. Being able to address that in a constructive way, I think, yeah. is important too, uh, especially for a healthy community. And it's important for you to know too, hey, this company wants your money, right? They have something yeah. that you want. And, and so understanding that too um, and knowing when to take the break. Same thing with your work, right? We feel bad mm-hmm. sometimes taking a break from work and we feel like, oh, I'm letting the company down or it's hard on my coworkers. But you have to take care of you. And you have to know when to step back and when to reassess. Is this thing still being healthy for me? Is this still a good avenue for me to plug into and pour into? And that it's just that being honest with yourself. And I think a lot of times yeah. too, if maybe I'm not um, getting something from it, well, maybe I can pour something into it and try to change that. Mm. But it's it, it's important to know too, again, when to step back and when to take those breaks, when to recognize people. You don't have to, you know, really go above and beyond even messaging someone, hey, uh, I'd like to message a lot of you guys as guests and just say, I really liked your podcast and here's why. I really, yeah. you know, the things you said, I resonated with this kind of thing. Just those little things I think go a long way. 
um, for people or for content creators. You know, you're trying to reach a wide audience. And so if someone says, oh, that's an awesome article, but for you to say, hey, the specific piece in here, when you recommended, you know, hot soup, right? That was cool. Yeah. Um, I, I like <laughs> exactly. that. Out of all the stupid jank stuff, you, you picked hot soup, you know? And even though I'm not going to play it, I'm going to play Approach of the Second Son, right? That's still, that's cool to see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that touches on something Chesh was kind of talking about last week, which was um, a little bit of, it's great when people go, yes, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, go watch this content because it's what, you know, or like follow this person because awesome, whatever. But that's, that's one half, but it's like going that extra step to go if it's actually, if there's a reason why, you know, and, and that, that level of detail. And again, I think that the, the biggest undertone there is Joe, I don't believe for one second you're, you're kind of ever being disingenuous with it. Like you're just like, like you're being you and that's the point of it. Like, I'll you know, uh, if, if anyone's like, oh, yeah, you just got to be uh, like sickeningly like nice to people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, no, you're going to mean it. Like it's like yeah. it's, it doesn't do anything unless you mean it. Like it's it's I think you've got to feel that essence. And, um, you know, maybe that doesn't appear straight away. But thinking about why, like understanding what it means to people and mm-hmm. then you kind of play off that. That's I find the easiest way to like to think about it, which is like, wow, I just I resonate with times that I was kind of in a rough spot and I didn't know what I was doing with what I was, you know, or why I was doing what I was doing. And when someone kind of came out of the blue and just said they hit it on the head and they hit, they they told me that they were appreciating something. And you never know when someone needs to hear that. And like Yo. it doesn't have to be you're doing it for an advantage or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's no just mean it. And I- I tried yeah. to tell people too, like, hey, I really appreciate you. Or, um, hey, yeah. th- thanks for the time. You know, um, I let people know because I'll, I'll try to message people. Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get a message you back. No, message me back when you can. This is a free form conversation. You can message yeah. me back a couple months later. I'm not going to be upset. Your time you have, right, is your own. And it is something where you, you don't have to feel obligated or stressed by sharing it with me. Obviously, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff going on, and I have stuff going on too. And so, Whenever we can connect on these things, I appreciate it. It, it means a lot to me. And I think, too, yeah. like you were saying, being um, just authentic, it, it's hard sometimes when we're authentic with people because I think vulner, there's there's an intimacy in that. And a lot of times the intimacy and vulnerability go hand in hand. You know, mm. um, I think when we message right. a content creator, we say, hey, good job. If they don't reply back, we worry. Oh, do they think I'm weird yeah. now? Do they... You know, you have those things, oh. but you have to know, hey, I said that. And again, like you said, I'm not wanting anything back. I told them my piece. That's I said right. I appreciated it. Maybe they read it. Maybe they didn't. But I still said that, right? And their content, their things still meant something to me. And that's okay to be in that place. Yeah. I, lo- I love that that point, actually. And, and that's, you know, never let uh, that, that kind of thing stop you from messaging someone just going, oh, I appreciate what you do kind of thing. It's, you know, that, that, that seems to appear a lot with people that, oh, no, they're too big for me. It's like mm-hmm. uh, that status stuff can whatever. We're all people. Like it's, you know, well, uh, but I've, I've, definitely, I've definitely felt that way too. Like it's like, oh, no, I'm, I can't talk to those people. It's like, no, you can. Like it's, it's fine. Um, but it's like it's not expecting anything in return. That's the key. It's, at the same time, they're just people. Mm-hmm. They're also people with things to do and, and, and things going on and that kind of thing. So, yeah, don't like it's, it's not getting upset. Uh, when when maybe nothing comes back because like did you ask for a response not like you don't need one like it's mm-hmm. yeah. well i think again like going back to the um your perception right you felt like well i said something so i should get that reply back 
And yeah. But why again? And, and your time was still yeah, valuable yeah. and your words were still valuable, even if you didn't receive that thing back that you feel like maybe somebody yeah. owed you. But again, you're not owed anything. Yeah, you're entering into a contract they didn't agree to, if that's mm-hmm. the case. You know, like you kind of the terms you've distinguished and it's like, well, well, how, how can anyone meet those then? Like, you know, like, exactly. So, um, yeah, good ones to think about for sure. But, um, um, I think what we'll do to round out chess, do you have any entertaining in you? Do you want to, do you want to run past those or do you want to, um, you, do you, you call to leave those to next week? Just quickly touch on Jupiter's legacy. I like that because I don't have an entertaining this week, and I figure if you, I'll let you run one off, and, and I, uh, I will always have one. <laughs> and then, actually, Joe, if you have anything you've been vibing lately to um mm-hmm. to kind of round out as well, if you want to um feel free, no stress. But um yeah, Chesh, entertaining. What has been uh non magic meter has been had your taste or attention this week? So Jupiter's legacy uh is shock horror. Chesh watching another superhero-related thing. Um, it's basically about the first generation of superheroes passing their yep. torch to their children. This cool. is not not for kids, so don't cool. think this is like Spy Kids shit. It's, it's not that kind of trash. Um, but basically the old rules, the codes that they've been living by as superheroes are starting to kind of be outdated, like no killing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, look at the age we're living in. Like... You know, so villains are basically now killing superheroes and stuff. So they're like, well, you know, it's it's a whole struggle of do we keep with our code of conduct, which means no killing, or do we switch over to, like, sometimes it's kind of okay to kill a bad guy, you know, mm. if, if the bad guy is really bad. But, and then it turns into, like, what is justice and, and the struggle between, you know, the light side and the dark side of justice. Should they be judge, jury, and executioner? Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. The the Superman of it all has two kids, and one of them's a drug addict um, Ooh, who is starting yes. to become a villain, basically. And the other one is following in dad's footsteps because he pretty much has his dad's powers. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really cool. I'm hooked. Plus, nice. they don't they don't give you like the front up like here's how we became superheroes. It's spread out across all of the episodes. Yeah, you start kind of like finding out more of like how it was born from tragedy, but like, is is it something completely alien? I don't know if there's going to be more series of this. I hope there is because I'm Mm. not all the way through yet. But um, I'm hooked. I've been watching this over the last like two days, basically. I dig it. Delayed origin story is always a uh, a good uh, little characteristic there for sure. No, I want to check this out. Uh, Awesome, Joe. Anything you had this week? And anything for me, I'm trying to think. I, um, no, I'll be honest, um, so I'm, I'm a therapist, but for me, I struggle too with my own mental health. Um, I do have mm. depression that can be um, pretty bad sometimes. And so, you know, somebody who gives a lot to the community who works in this field, I think it's important too to try to work on chiseling away. Um, I think you had talked about it, Sam, a little bit, The um, just the stigma of mental health, to hear people talk yeah. about it. Um, it. It does manifest itself differently. It is important to seek help when you can to get therapy, to try to have different avenues for you, um, to try to relieve maybe some of the stress or things that you're going through, but it's okay to talk about it. Um, I know for me and my depression, I mean, I've hit bottom a couple of times this week and just felt really low. And even, Mm -hmm. you know, today waking up and knowing like, oh, I get to be on, you know, this podcast is really (laughs) exciting, but thinking, man, like, this is a lot, like I'm following and 
footsteps. And again, it's just a conversation, but the expectations that we put on ourselves for things. And I think yep. being, just being present and being aware in those moments, um, just actually sitting, getting away from technology, getting away from you know our phones, what's going on in Twitter, whatever else it may be, just being able to sit in those moments and, and breathe um, mm-hmm. and just kind of reflect on, on where we're at, on everything that we've gone through. I mean, this, this past year has been insane just with everything going mm-hmm. on and, you know, even with things maybe starting to open up again, uh, it's okay if there's residual there. It's okay. If you're still feeling anxious, if you're still feeling worried. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's, still do. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, and you, you don't have to rush out and you don't have to try to go back and it'll be exciting to see family and friends and all that stuff, but you have to take time for you. I mean, you yeah, have to yeah. be aware of your own limitations and where you may be at. And don't feel like you have to maybe give that up or you have to sacrifice what you feel comfortable with. Always be your biggest advocate and always be your biggest support. Um, practice talking positive to yourself about some things. I mean, we, we kick ourselves a lot. Oh, I messed this up. I flubbed this thing. Mm. Was, this joke didn't work. I messaged this content creator. And I think those things affect us, but we can flip those things too. And try to focus on the positive things that we do. Um, one of the mm. cool things I've heard people discuss how they, um, introduce themselves right and they normally introduce themselves by their jobs but how different it would be if we introduced ourselves by the things we were passionate about you know um you know here's sam who loves to play basketball right or who has this podcast you know Um, just different (laughs) ways and letting that person um discuss that and be passionate about that instead of being labeled by their work and that being the representation really of who they are Um, i think for me I'm a, I'm a therapist, but I'm also someone who needs therapy, but I'm more than just uh, my job and I leave my job um, and I go and focus on other things and I try to create those other things too. So knowing when it's time to leave those things and to just rest and be present and still. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, you touched on something there that's so important. And I, I put expectations on what I do now completely, you know, arbitrarily every single week and it's it's like why do i need to do this and i i sit here usually on a sunday morning or a saturday morning go uh i've got to like kind of switch on and i i just worry about the day i'm not going to be able to bring it and i'm like what are you talking about this is your thing that you created as like you and chess created to have fun and and that's brings ideally like the best out of people when they're comfortable and that's the energy i need to bring if i'm kind of not whatever like it's just you need to step take a step back and 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 kind of uh reassess that a little bit or just like try and ground yourself in in and just be present and, and calm and you know that you and it just it usually pays off it's it's like if i can um you know once i get talking i'm just comfortable and in uh with people's company because i have we have amazing people on like yourself joe and it's, it's wonderful and like try and channel their energy and that's usually the thing so it's I, I'm definitely not immune for that, uh, to that. And that's, it hits me every, every time it's like, oh, this is a thing I've got to be on for. And it's, you know, um, but that advice as well to kind of take your own time, getting used to things going back. And, and it's interesting because Australia almost had what you guys will be going through. We had it, I think this, the end of last year, where it's starting to feel normal again. Well, down to like 30 days with no cases here. And it was like, there was almost an expectation. Oh, we can just all go out and party and get like, no, I'm not ready. And it took me a long time to kind of even just subdue that, that anxiety to go, well, 
I kind of been conditioned this way for a year. <laughs> I'm not ready. Like, and then, mm-hmm. and then also like weird expectations on things to do on weekends and my families and things like that and friends. And it's like, no, well, like just you need to do this at your pace and, and we can't, we've got to stop, you know, feeling bad about like kind of not meeting a lot of expectations that are often not even there, even like they're just in your mind in a way. Um, but just, just press pause, like just take your time with this stuff. Don't rush out just because it seems like everyone else is and, um, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I love it. But um, I think overall anyway, it's it's you touched on one anyway. We've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race here, especially now there's an Australian one. And um, Kate loves it to bits and it's um, I've kind of unexpectedly fallen in love with it too and what it represents and, and a lot mm-hmm. of the um, the themes and stuff like that and, and self-care and love is, is, is a massive one. And Rue says at the end of every episode, pretty much like, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell, in the hell are you going to love anyone else? And it's like, it's so bloody true. And, and that one keeps, keeps resonating with me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's that, that'll be my quick entertaining. Check out RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of Australian humor. It's very, very funny. And, um, but really, really cool. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do to kind of wrap up entertaining this week and, and appreciate you so much, uh, Joe, you know, for, for kind of sharing those thoughts then, but in general for what has been such a joyous few hours. Like, and I mean that, like, I don't think I need to put a cut anywhere in this, this recording because you've been such a fantastic, fantastic speaker, um, kind of just gelling conversations and always going somewhere interesting and, um, just being the easiest guest. <laughs> like, I honestly mean that. And, and I, I, I think it's one of the episodes I'm actually quite proud of, of as mm-hmm. far as just, you know, all I'm doing is putting a platform that you can speak, which is, you know, <laughs> you know I, I offset the, uh, the brilliance of others, I guess, you know. So, um, thanks so much for being you and in the community and, and this podcast today. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And we're all here as well. Um, I want to make sure I can respond to, you know, you all like, or be in contact with you as much as, you know, we can yeah. to, to all support each other and, and whatnot. But I definitely have those things too. If I don't respond back to something, I feel bad. And, yeah. um, you know, it's nice to hear that. It's like, you know, like you don't have to be stressed about that. It's fine. Yeah. And um, I, yeah. I think for me, um, I, I really appreciate you guys, um, for the fact that you decided to, I mean, be content creators, to put this content out, to interview people. I mean, again, I know we've, we've been talking for a while, but the episodes, um, just the conversations, the guests, everything, um, it's great and it's definitely needed. And I know a lot of times when people put content, they're like, well, is there something like this out there? Is this going to, you know, um, yeah, be wanted or is something that's going to maybe make a splash. But I think this really does stand out. This is something that I really look forward to each week. And I know too, mm-hmm. when I mean, you were trying to plan this and trying to connect on this, even, um, when, if we were like, okay, maybe let's push this back or what time are we going to do it? I wanted to work with you guys too. Um, cause I know just yeah, as well. Yeah. You guys in your life and the things that you're doing. And I, I think, you know, just to get to come on here and be a part of this, this is my first, I think, like actual being on a podcast. I've got to chit chat <laughs> and that kind of stuff, but to be like maybe the featured guest, um, there's a lot to get to share. And um, I wouldn't have wanted to share this much with anybody else. Um, so I really appreciate you guys for the work that you put in for how you impact the community, you know, the magic community and the other communities um, that you're in that maybe people don't always um show praise or appreciation for you guys for no you've been awesome dude and, and thank you so much but um uh yeah i guess i guess to that point where can people find you dude i am only on um twitter basically so it's ginger joe the um 
O in Joe is a zero. The CCO guys say that's because I'm a zero. I'm not a seven, which is like their highest <laughs> rating for people. So yeah, it's just Ginger Joe. Um, you'll see me pop in Twitch. It'll be like, I think on here, I'm like Ginger J03. I wasn't born in 03, um, but that's just what I decided to put on there for the gamer tech. That's it. You can message me. You can ask me questions. If you need cards, I do mail people cards. I send people cards. Um, I try to help people out. Now, some people will ask, you know, like, oh, do you have, you know, mox diamonds and stuff? Like, do you get lost <laughs> with that, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to send that stuff out, but I'll still try to trade. Um, always open to chit-chat, talk, always, you know, a curiosity unbeknownst to mankind, right? Just excited to get to know people and appreciate my time here in this game. Love it, love it. Um, Chish, where can we find you, my friend? You can find me where all good rebuttals are found. I love it. That's a good one. <laughs> and where's that? Find me on Twitter uh, at Chesh Plays or on YouTube, Chesh Plays Games. That's pretty much it at the moment. Taking a bit of a, a step back for my mental health. Nice. And, and respect that completely. So you can find me at Pass the Jam Sam on the Twitters and the Instagrams, but more importantly, you can find the podcast. Uh, on the website, cmdacrunch.fireside.fm, on Twitter, at cmdacrunch, uh, on the Instagrams, at cmdacrunch, and you can send thoughts, feedback, questions, pictures of cephalids, whatever you feel like, uh, advice for life, to cmdacrunchpodcast at gmail.com. But um, yeah, if you've made it this far, thank you so much, um, and it still surprised me that people do make it this far, but they do, and enjoy what we're doing, which is means the world, again, like, kind of what joey just echoed and and you know look forward to kind of doing more of these of course and just just getting people's stories and, and and insights that literally do in a direct way help my life which is you know that's that's the type of stuff i'm thankful for joe so um yeah all good lessons kind of thing so um without further ado we're gonna we'll sign off there but any advice we want to give for our lovely listeners until uh next week or the week after whenever the next one of these comes out i'll just say i mean i usually say it, but um yeah, love yourself. Like, take it easy on yourself. That's an easy one. I'm going to echo that, but I'm going to say it sexily. And I'm going to say, love <laughs> yourself. Mm. <laughs> That's a mighty boost joke. <laughs> this is like baby. the ASMR uh, part of the show, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, go for it. Dive into the microphone if you really want. I don't think I can do it. My voice will always stay the same. The sad thing about me is like, <laughs> if you guys surprise birthday party for me, I'd be like, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. And if you, <laughs> it was my birthday and I walked in and nothing had happened, I would still sound like this is the worst day of my life. It's just going to be the same. It's, it's different for me, but it's the same. So you just got to pay attention to the words. <laughs> yeah. It's that slight inflex at the end, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a piece of advice or anything? Um, you know, if, if, if one thing to, uh, to let people know, Joe, to, uh, sign off. Uh, yeah. One piece of advice is to continue to love yourself, put your oxygen mask on first before you try to help somebody else. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's a great one. Love yourself. Love you guys. All right. Take care. We'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next couple of weeks. Bye. Bye everyone. Meow. Oof.